everyone, and welcome. You have made it. We have made it. This is it. The final episode of We Universe. We've done it. We've, we're, we're, we're sitting here. We're going to bask a little bit. We're going to bask in the glory of our accomplishment here. Uh, we played every game. We played a bunch of video games. Who else could say they did that? No one. It's a, Not anyone it, yeah. in history. We're, we're stars of the modern era, truly, truly making a difference. It's Gandhi, Martin Luther King, and us. Easily, easily. I'd even rearrange that list a little bit. I'm not going to do it on air, but, you know, sure. you know. Yeah. But we're going to do some, we're ta- we are talking lists. That's, and, that's and exactly, yeah. Lists of, lists of true 20th century heroes <laughs> and lists of uh, Wii U video games, more importantly. That's, that's the far more important thing. Uh, but, yes, this is... This is our comprehensive roundup of everything we've talked about on Wii Universe. We've aggregated our list to make a master ranking. We're going to give our final parting thoughts or shots, if you will, uh, <laughs> at, the, at the Wii U as a console uh, and just kind of uh, uh, take our time and enjoy having, uh, having a good time talking about these games for the last time. Yeah, it's the, um, it's the restaurant at the end of the Wii universe. So <laughs> we've, we've all settled in with our beverages of choice. We have uh, heated blankets across us. And uh, cats within petting di- petting range. Oh, see, I'm I'm missing that. I have beers within petting range, but I oh, did not. Sure. I, I do not have a cat within petting range. Slowly fawning over his beers. I you know what? I have a banjo kazooie plushie. I think that might be uh, suitable for this yeah, one because that's pretty good. Because not only that, like not only are we looking back on the Wii U today, this is the end of our show. Like period. So we're going to mm-hmm. be looking back a little bit at the N64 days and like at the uh, the Patreon stuff. We're just going to be kind of uh, uh, taking a little trip down memory lane. It's 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 a it's a bittersweet moment. It's yeah. a, it's a you know because it's it's something i'm really sincerely going to miss doing like i'm very i'm very proud of this goofy little show and i'm yeah. i'm going to miss doing it um, I mean, it's been a, a what a five six year weekly ritual. Five years, yeah. I, that's that's one little brag I want to get off right at the top. We have never missed a week, not once Whoa. in in since we started in November of 2017, and we have not missed a single week, and that's through uh global pandemics and divorces and moves <laughs> and and uh, big life changes that they're like you were coming at us like we never missed a week like wow i'm pretty i'm pretty psyched about that like i'm not trying to glorify the grind or anything i'm not <laughs> saying like if you're not sick you know if you're sick stay home you know take some time and uh, uh you know do that but uh but but for our case we never missed one yeah if only if only we had made more money <laughs> If only we had made more money. That if would only be nice. we had worked as hard as our at our real jobs as, <laughs> at, at this. But uh, I really did work. Yeah, we we put a lot of work into this show for not but, a lot of money. But you know what? I'm. I, it doesn't matter. Hey, no. it's never too late. That Patreon is still open. If people <laughs> yeah. want to give us money. And also. Uh, you know, it, it can't be said enough that in the world of podcasting is not an activity to get into for money. No, um, no, it's no. an activity to get into putting a highly, highly important content into the world, such as a definitive ranking of all the Wii U games. One hundred percent. The universe asked and we replied. We did. it. We're we're you know, we're like, oh, what's that? What's that? Oh, God, you have a task for us. <laughs> Well, okay, I'll listen. I'll play every Wii U and N64 game. Well, you're a god. I guess yep. we gotta. Yep, some people have uh, greatness foist upon them, and I think that's what happened to us with the gamepad 
lowering down from the heavens um, <laughs> in, in a spotlight, this giant plastic gamepad. Absolutely. Um, you know what? Uh, yeah, but before we get started, uh, uh, let's talk about what else we're playing right now for the last time. These will these will set the tone for what we're going to be playing for the rest of our lives. Oh, wow. Uh, so, so whatever no we pressure. play now has to be for eternity. Um, all right. Well, I have a good one then. Uh, all right. Spelunky 2. I think the... That's a good one. Spelunky 2 came out um, for the PlayStation, and I was very excited for it. And it had the unfortunate timing of coming out, I think, the same week as the game Hades. Oh, yeah. I bought them both simultaneously, and Hades is an immediately more engaging game than Spelunky 2. Yeah. um, Because it's very player-friendly, and it has a bunch of very likable, fun characters. And so I just got totally sucked into Hades and played the hell out of it. And then when I'm like, all right, time for some Spelunky 2, it didn't really grab me. Um, But I've finally gone back to it on my Steam Deck. It's a game that plays a lot better when you're sitting very close to the screen because there's lots of little hard-to-see traps. And um, it's a very... It's an amazing accomplishment in the sense that I was very good at the first Spelunky uh, and managed to beat it um, in, like, the hardest method possible going through hell um and this game like it took me at least 10 or 15 playthroughs to be able to get through the first world consistently so they managed to like make you relearn everything about spelunky even though it still plays the same which um yeah is is a tricky thing and yeah and honestly is maybe too hard but i'm still (laughs) i'm still plinking away at spelunky 2 and i'm sure I'm sure I'll get there. Um, there's just so much goddamn little crap that flies out of nowhere and knocks you into the lava. <laughs> as is, as in with life, you know, yes. it's it's very similar to uh, to how everybody lives through their lives. Uh, over on my end, uh, I've I've been picking through some of the uh, the Polygon top games of the year. They've got a really good list going on over there. So I played a few of the shorter ones over the weekend. I played uh, Tinykin which is a very cute uh, kind of Pikmin knockoff. Uh, but basically, it's I, I, I honestly think, like, the next Pikmin game, whatever form that's going to take, is probably going to borrow a little bit from Tinykin. Uh, okay. it's, it's, like, much more user-friendly. This is a good game before, if, if you like Pikmin but hate the idea of your Pikmin dying, ah. uh, this is a good fit for you. Because the only ones that die are the exploding ones, and they really want to. Like, they're so <laughs> psyched about exploding. Sure. Uh, but there's no, like, you don't need to worry about, like, keeping track of your little guys, you know? Like, if you just go off and do your thing, they will catch up to you. They'll just, mm. like, kind of pop in. So you don't need to worry about navigating them on narrow little platforms or anything like that. So it's very... Uh, user-friendly. You can play through it in like maybe five hours, and uh, I, I quite enjoyed Tinykin. Uh, I've been picking a little bit at this game called Strange Horticulture, which it's is a, a mushroom uh, game, right? Yeah, it's kind of it's it's a, a mystery supernatural story uh, told through plant identification mini games, uh, which it, it's very bizarre. It's kind of like a mix between like. Papers, Please, and Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, uh, but with plants and okay. some weird kind of eldritch horrors going on in the background. It's, <laughs> it's, it's quite interesting. Uh, I've, I've just kind of started that one, but uh, from what I understand, that's a pretty short game as well, so it won't take me too long. And then in, uh, I, I don't know what this says about me, but uh, after a little more than a decade, I've decided to start up a new game of Skyrim. Uh, just oh, kind wow. of out of the blue. Uh, there was a 
PS5 up-resed version uh, that is available for free for uh, PS Now or PS Plus subscribers. So I downloaded that. It's it's just like the same old Skyrim I remember, except no cumbersome load times, uh, oh, which nice. is uh, pretty fun. And somewhere somewhere along the line, uh, big companies decided they were only going to make five games in the series, and then um, they would just re-release the fifth game constantly. Yeah, between Skyrim and Grand Theft Auto Five, like. Rockstar and Bethesda were just like, yeah, we're done. Like these no must more be of this. Some of the most like available games of all time, like Skyrim and GTA Five, are just so ridiculously uh, omnipresent and available. So, but uh, I've never played it on PS Five, so it's new to me. <laughs> sure. Uh, you know, I, I am enjoying it. Like I, I always forget how satisfying the leveling system is in that game. Like mm-hmm. how basically your skill will level up if you use it. You know, which is oh yeah. Like, if you want to get better at sneaking, just walk around, like, crawling a lot until it levels <laughs> up. If you want to get better at lock picking, pick a bunch of locks, even if you know there's nothing in there. Like, it's a, it's a, it's weird that that mechanic has not been ripped off more because I think it's very inherently satisfying and it really helps you kind of customize the experience in a fun way. Yeah. But I'm enjoying my little playthrough of that. There are, to be clear, Steve, there are no little playthroughs of Skyrim. There are not. There are only no. little players. Exactly. Uh, well, I'm play. I'm enjoying being a little player of Skyrim. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. So you know, if if you've been listening to us for a while, you know, when we did the N64 uh, wrap up, we we took our time. We're we're gonna be nice and leisurely with it, and we're gonna, you know, and and there's some a couple of things I want to. Um, start off with and just kind of oh, firstly i want to uh, give some thanks and some shout outs to uh people who help make the show possible mm-hmm. and people who have guested on the show and just kind of been kind of uh, a big part of our little wii u family uh i want to start off with a shout out for corinne kempen who designed our uh, logo for this season uh yeah. you know i i I try and do as much of this stuff as on my own as I can, but graphic design is not my passion. You know, I'm, uh, I was pretty happy with the U64 logo from the first season, but I really needed help making uh, uh, the one I wanted to bring together. Corinne is an amazing graphic designer, and uh, she was kind enough to volunteer her time and help out with that. So thank Very you nice. so much thank to Corinne, Corinne for doing that. Um, I want to give a shout out to the Octopus Project, uh, who has been letting us use their song, Truck, as our theme song for most of the run of the show. Uh, it's it's a, a wonderful song. It's really fun. They're, they're just an incredibly infectious, peppy band, and they let us use this this, well, this what, whole time. We've been using it since, like, probably, what, the 10th episode of the N64 or pretty, something? Pretty early. Pretty early. Yeah. I don't remember exactly when, but it was, I think, within the first year um, we started using that, uh, with their permission, which was <laughs> yeah. uh, just incredibly kind of them uh, to do that. And so definitely check out the Octopus Project if you have not had a chance to. Uh, and then I want to shout out all of the people who guested this season. Uh, we had fewer guests this year that are on well, this season than we did the first time. I mean, around there were a lot more variables going there on. There were one or two variables. Yeah, you know, there might have been a global pandemic. There might have been the fact that uh, not many people had a Wii U or uh, <laughs> had fond memories of the Wii U compared sure. to the N64. But these people did uh, come out and volunteer their time, and it was always great to have them on. Uh, starting with Jordan Morris, who talked oh, about yeah. Super Mario 3D World with us. Uh, Katie Bray, Chris Antista, J.R. Rawls, Neil Crow, Aaron George, Michael Raparez, Josiah Coolidge, Hugo Real, who helped us uh, talk about uh, Minecraft because we are adults and we don't know anything about <laughs> Minecraft. Delaney Saul, uh, Lindsay Pennington, Kathy Siskowski, who's that? <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Zach Strong, Ailish Collins, Garrett Manker, Corinne Kempen, Dan Reese, Emma Obakovich, Rosie Crow, and Matthew Allen. Uh, thank you all so much for being on the show and for, for providing your your takes and your company and your humor, and uh, you guys are all the best. Um, yep. So we just uh, thank you so much. Um, I have some stats. I, I crunched some numbers for sure. this for this we, episode. We, we love stats. We love numbers because we, we're nerds. We we gotta love them. Uh, so we have recorded uh, close to four hundred episodes uh, between bonus shows, uh, main series shows, and Patreon episodes. So Not that's bad. nothing pretty to sneeze wild, at. Pretty yeah. wild. All told, I, I actually went through and got the running times for every episode and totaled them all up. Oh, no. We have put out 393 hours, 21 minutes, and 28 seconds of content in the last five years. So to put that in a little bit of context, if you listen to every single episode we've ever put out back-to-back, it would take you a little over 16 days. And that's if it's just playing constantly just, in a loop. Uh, our voices running in the background. Exactly. Uh, so for some further context, that's enough time to go to the moon and back four times, uh, to watch every episode of The Simpsons twice, <laughs> or to watch Lawrence of Arabia 100 times. Okay, well, good. Uh, After we finish, I'm going to go start watching Lawrence of Arabia. Time yeah, get on that. Two. I'll, I'll, see you in, I'll see you in 16 days. Yeah, perfect. Uh, so, yeah, we, we released uh, 104 Patreon episodes. 63 of those were for Ultra 64 DD, which was our, our show going into special franchises. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did 31 main feed bonus episodes. We did 169 episodes of uh, Ultra 64, 91 episodes of Wii U. All that totals out to Wait. about... 395 episodes can you tell me those numbers again between ultra 64 and wii u uh it's 169 ultra 64 and 91 wii universe oh okay yeah so it was it was more than half yeah oh yeah 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 you know and we with the wii u episodes we condensed a lot more but it also was a much smaller catalog so the, sure. for n64 we had 297 games wii u had 164 games uh, but our rankings, uh, so you, you'll, when we're starting to break down the list, we have 150 uh, items on the list. And just as a refresher for those who didn't listen, we combined some of those into just one kind of overall thing. Like Just Dance, oh, Disney sure. Infinity, and Skylanders were all like multiple games. I think there were nine Just Dance games, six Skylanders, three Disney Infinity. But we all call those just one game. Okay. You know, yeah, that makes which, sense. Just, which I still think is correct. To save your own brain. Yes, 100%. They saved Steve Guntley's brain. That's, that's the name of my screenplay. <laughs> and, and I'm sure Hollywood has beaten down the door, yeah, immediately asking, who? <laughs> yeah. Like, why did you save his brain? Uh, and the, not surprisingly, the series that we talked about the most on uh, the entire series combined was Mario. Yay! You know, Good. Mar- all, is, Mario all is right in, with the world for in, in his, Nintendo podcast. In his various iterations, we talked about Mario 18 times on this show. Although, I'd venture to say we mentioned him more than that. Sure. Right? I'm going to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think that's we a mentioned safe bet. Second, uh, second after that, and this one is very Wii U loaded, you can probably guess what it is, but it's Lego. 12 oh. games that were uh, Lego oriented. One of which was on the U6, uh, Ultra 64. So Lego Racers. Lego Racers, the most memorable game of all time. <laughs> sure. Uh, from what I recall, there are Legos in that, and you yep. race them. Yeah. I mean, I think the narrative, the the real the real secret narrative of uh, 
over the course of the show is I believe when we recorded that Lego Racers episode, you came down as disinterested in Legos and uh, since that time have become the opposite of disinterested. I've become a, a Lego boy. I've become yeah. uh, my apartment is full of different Lego builds that I've put together. Um, so, yeah, no, that's that's been a big cultural shift. And I'm very happy about that in my own personal life. My wallet is less happy about it. But you know, <laughs> but you know what? I don't consult him on things anymore because sure. he always just whines about stuff. Yeah, he, he's a whiner. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. So just wanted to shout all the, all the people out who helped us out and just kind of throw out some random statistics there. Uh, just, you know, because I'm, I'm in the mood to aggrandize, you know, I'm in the mood to, to, to celebrate what we've achieved on this little show here. Yeah, I mean, why not? This is this is our chance. No one else is going to achieve and celebrate our accomplishment if we don't. I was I was waiting for our uh, article on the AV Club Podmass, and then I yeah. looked it up, and uh, turns out that was discontinued uh, a year and a half ago. Oh, so, uh, got it. Yeah, that's why so, they, we haven't uh, had our uh, doors being knocked down. Somebody needs to make a uh, listening podcast where you listen to all the episodes of uh, We Universe, and then you rate them each each episode of us. Oh, becomes Is that that exists right? There must be a podcast like review podcast. Like, I'm 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 almost wondering if people are just afraid to do that, you know, because it's it's the snake the, eating its the, own tail. It's they're the afraid their head is going to get too stuck up their ass, and they're gonna they're serious neck pain. Yeah, and you know the the American healthcare system is a joke. It's going to be sure. so hard to get that head removed from that ass yep. in a timely and cost efficient uh, uh, manner. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I I do imagine it probably exists, but I'm kind of like, I I, I kind of need to believe that that doesn't exist all right good you know for sure. my own sanity i need to believe that that doesn't happen <laughs> but you know it probably is um yeah so i well okay so i kind of wanted to do some general thoughts on wii u do you want to do that before the list or after the list um i i feel like well i, I like just for our own sanity if you want to pepper in i because you have letters right I do have letters. I have I have uh, I have I, three letters here. Yeah. All right. I feel like every uh, every few games here we should uh, maybe every like thirty games or something pepper in a letter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just to give us give, give us a little breather here. Um, yeah, I guess yeah. Go, let's get, let's do general thoughts on the Wii U, and then once we make it through the list, see if we have any sort of parting thoughts or uh, jeers or hat hat tips, whatever yeah. whatever we want to call them. So uh, a question that people in my life have been asking me uh, (laughs) is, what's a Wii U? Yeah, yeah, what is that damn thing? Uh, So, well, for some context, for people who don't know, after the Ultra 64 series wrapped, I got a tattoo. I got a Nintendo 64 tattoo on my forearm. It was kind Mm -hmm. of a little way of commemorating the the end of the show uh, and, and the completion of the catalog. So the common question people are asking me is, are you going to get the Wii U logo tattooed anywhere on your body? Ooh. Uh, okay. And I got to go with no. Okay. And it's I don't mean that necessarily as a dig. I think I just uh, I find the logo less visually appealing. Well, and to be clear, the Nintendo 64 you, tattoo you got was over your whole body. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, it, absolutely. It was like you, your, you know, just the center of it was on your chest, but then it yeah. spread out over to your arm. So if you... if if we look at you naked and you mm-hmm. stand and have your arms next to you, like your entire body makes up that Ultra 64 logo. Yeah, I, for for Halloween this year, I went as the opening uh, intro for Goldeneye, and I just stood in the middle of the room uh, spinning. Yeah, uh, which was which was fun, which was a lot of fun. 
um yeah, so but, yeah there's, but, there's no room there's no room for that will you there's there's simply no room you know and i i you know i'll i'll have more feelings about the wii u in general but in i will say at a macro level i am happy that we covered it yeah because well a we got a large variety of different kind of gameplay styles and genres and and experiments that we didn't get with the uh nintendo 64 yep and also it's becoming increasingly clear that this is going to be one of those rare consoles that does not have a legacy it doesn't oh, have sure. this isn't going to have an enduring fan base because most of the really um top tier games on this console have made it over to the switch which is a far more popular system that people will have nostalgia for probably for a long time uh and the wii u just kind of got erased in that little middle period yeah i think um, its lifespan was just too short it was very short I yeah think. yeah it was very short it was it was uh kind of branded pretty early on as a failure so nobody really wanted to jump on board with it it was atrociously marketed as we covered back in our first episode you know that 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 little you probably cost nintendo hundreds of millions of dollars just because they right. refused to explain what that meant or how this was different from an actual Wii. Um, and so, you know, it's it's a it's a misbegotten system that's not going to have a lot of love, you know, and it's not something I'm necessarily going to want to commemorate in ink on my skin. But right. I the am Ninten glad... The Nintendo 64 is a console that you and I have legitimate personal affection for. Oh, 100%. Like, as part of something we grew up with. Whereas I feel like the Wii U are affection for it is that we did a show about it exactly exactly but to that regard like i am glad we took the time and we covered it and we we at, at the very least in one very tiny little corner of the internet we commemorated this little system that nobody loved and that little boy grew up to be roy <laughs> cone yeah um but yeah so that, i think that's kind of my overall thoughts on the system like you know, it, it's it's never going to be anybody's favorite, but uh, uh, I think it deserves a little bit of love, a little bit of attention, and you know, it, it let let this podcast be its legacy. You know, for whatever that's worth, uh, uh, let 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 this kind of account for something. Yeah, that's that's true. I mean, I feel like our Nintendo sixty four podcast was covering. You know, we got into some of the more obscure games there. Um, but even for the bigger games of the Wii U, like, I feel like they hadn't really been explored to a huge degree. Like, no. um, certainly not in podcast form. So it was nice to feel like <laughs> as much as one can be for a retro ish video game podcast, we are at the, the forefront of maybe uncovering some of these games. And uh, I feel like for me, the Wii U kind of, the more games we played and as I sort of had it on my own and was messing with it by myself, I grew more affection for sort of the strange little features and quirks of the system. Yeah. It, it's a system that can do a lot of stuff. Um, and even something as weird and sort of tossed off as the ability to use it as a TV remote. I kind of had a fondness for. I'm really and glad so, that you actually had a chance to use that yeah. feature like pretty regularly. So I think yeah. that's pretty great. Um, and so it, it felt like it kind of a nice, neat, complimentary system messing around with like DS games that were on it or things like that in sort of weird double screen fashion um, had some cool stuff. It was, you know, it's, 
it's not a system that I would have been very excited about if it was the only system that I had. Sure. But us, as we've grown into adulthoods, realize the power of choice and, uh, you know, availability and are like, all right, this is kind of a neat thing to have in the collection, even if it uh, has, you know, game systems don't exist in a vacuum. No. Like, there's still a lot of fun games to play on the Wii U. There's just basically less than almost every other system. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And and just the way that it's it's uh, the, the most noteworthy ones are made available everywhere in a way yeah. that when the N64 was out, things were a little bit more uh, locked onto their consoles, you know, yes, like exactly. cross platform things were a little harder to come by. Whereas by the time the Wii U came out, it was like wide blue ocean. You know, you want everything on every console all the time. And that's uh, more even kind of a uh, comment on the video game industry in general and how that changed because, like, the N64, like, once it became PS2, Xbox, GameCube, it became pretty difficult to, like, recognize a game just via its screenshot. And it's yeah. very, like, distinct identity to be like, you could you could tell, like, oh, that's from the PS2 era, but that might be the Xbox version or something like that. I can usually tell the difference between an N64 screenshot and a PlayStation 1 screenshot. Yeah, or Genesis's Super Nintendo screenshot. And so as these sort of variables and differences in consoles get less and less recognizable... Um, the Wii U kind of stood out as one that was still had a very distinct identity. Right. Even if yeah. it was kind of a stupid identity. It was a tiny bit. It was a tiny bit. Uh, okay. Well, that, that's the sequel to the new born, born movie. The stupid, the, the stupid born identity. <laughs> that's the one with uh, Tom Arnold, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's, exactly. He's, he's uh, playing Stanley stupid, but he doesn't yeah. remember who he is. Yeah. That's the sequel. America demands. I think yep. we all need more stupids in this world. It should be called the Tupids, right? The Tupids is a perfect title for that. Oh my God, they are leaving money on the table. I mean, they're not really leaving money on the table since I don't think the Stupids made any money. But <laughs> it's never too late. That the yeah, movie's still out there. Start buying copies of the Stupids, people. Come on, get it together. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, let's let's move on to the main event because uh, we're we're going to be going through every single game that we played. Uh, as as longtime listeners know, we each keep an individual list of our rankings of the games that we build out as we play. And they're then, in a very, a very tightly sealed safe that only uh, two people know the combination to. And then and Price Waterhouse Cooper comes in and they tally yep. it all for us. They, they handcuff the suitcase to their wrist and carry it to the main stage. Uh, so we, we, uh, we aggregate the two lists together and uh, that becomes our master ranking. That becomes the definitive ranking of Wii U games, and we're going to go from worst to best. So we have 150 games that we're going to be listing out here. Uh, and as I said, we did uh, combine some of the Just Dance games and things like that. So sure. because uh, truthfully, like even looking back on those, I couldn't really put one Just Dance over another. You right. know, maybe they're both over the the Disney Just Dance or whatever. But, you know, they are all pretty similar. It's just kind of a, a difference in soundtrack. Yeah. Um, so the very bottom li of the list number we're coming gonna take in, you, we're going to take you back to the past, back to the past, the number 150, the worst game on the Wii U, the crude's prehistoric party. That's it. That's the one that's the, that's the big baddie on the entire console. 
uh, we we all just kind of agreed that uh, this thing is unplayable. We we can honestly call the bottom quadrant of this list like the DreamWorks Memorial uh, uh, <laughs> section of the list here because sure. yeah, none none of those games really transcended, unfortunately. Um, well, they didn't even they didn't even attempt to transcend. They really they, didn't. They really didn't. Uh, this was a, a very bad party game um, that uh, would would instantly kill your party. I think. Yeah. Right? Just um. Yeah. Such a such a sloppy execution, and we played a lot of you know average to bad party games. But even like, I don't know. Even an average party game can still be kind of fun. Sure. Just like I mean, you think of something like bumper balls in mario party where you literally just like use the control stick to knock other people off of a cliff and it's like really simple and unambitious but it's a very fun mini game um in this game i just remember everything sort of plays at its sort of glacially slow pace and the production values are just absurdly cheap yeah as as is befitting an ice age era game uh you know the very slow glacial glaciers yeah yeah, no, yeah. this game this game was definitely a bummer. And, no, um, no fun to be had from the Crude's prehistoric party. And um, uh, you know, as as you've mentioned in earlier episodes, uh, this game is selling for a lot right now. So uh, for those who might see my copy popping up on eBay sometime soon, ignore what we've said. It's a great game. Please, <laughs> p- please pay two hundred and fifty dollars for it. Thank you. <laughs> All right, coming in at number one hundred and forty nine is Monster High 13 Wishes. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and spoil number 148. It's Monster High New Gruel in School. Sure. These, these were kind of, I mean, I think these were a tie when you aggregated them between our lists. So yeah. really, regardless of the Monster High game you, you choose, you're going to have a pretty comparable experience. Absolutely. And by comparable, I mean not very good. Yeah, very bad. Very um, bad. Uh, you know, we... 13... We, oh, go ahead. 13 Wishes was kind of more of... A platformer, really, actually a pretty open throwback to the Nintendo 64 days in terms of um, very jaggedy, <laughs> wide open 3D spaces. Really, and, a really empty game, as I remember. Like, yes, like exactly. kind of just a big, well, you're running around on a sand dune and there's like nothing going on. Yeah, imagine like the level of the, the dry, dry ruins in uh, Mario 64 but instead of having all of that stuff there, it's just the one pyramid in the middle, and the level is four times bigger. And you can't go in there or do anything. But you yeah, can, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Noogle in school was kind of like it was trying to be like a high school simulator, but really it was just like a conversation simulator because you're not really doing anything other than walking around talking to people. Right. Uh, and you, which I you, guess is high be, school, but, you know. Yeah, and to be clear, like, you have very little say in what these conversations are, and most of it is built uh, on, you know, people making very irritating monster puns. Yes. and Very bo- very boring game. And we, and we need to call out that, uh, you know, the, uh, developers, again, need to do better by these quote-unquote girl games. Like, they these games that are marketed at very young girls – uh, just because it is marketed at very young girls does not mean they need to be quite this shitty. So get it together. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, this is just this is true in general. Like, I I feel like our Nintendo 64 podcast, mm-hmm. were, were all the games at the bottom so branded? Like, I'm looking here, the vast majority of games that show up on the bottom of our list are like 
licensed branded games and i don't remember them being quite so terrible on the nintendo 64 they really weren't they we we that's one of the big evolutions that we saw between the the late 90s early 2000s and the early 2010s it's just that uh people gave up on marketed or marketing games like uh they gave up on promotional tie-in games whatever you want to call them things that were based on an existing property uh, they really gave up because the market kind of dipped out on it, but they still felt obligated to put something out there just in case, you know, uh, yeah. because there was so much shovelware during the Wii era that uh, they figure anything could sell. You know, if Carnival Games could be a, a platinum selling hit, then anything has a chance. Uh, sure. And I think but I mean, a lot, a lot of, of this stuff, they didn't even put the effort into what they did at Carnival Games. So, right. I mean, thank goodness we had fresh new properties coming out, like Rodea the Sky Soldier, oh, gee, that would be number 147 on our list. And this is um, one I had to go back and replay because right. it does stand out as, as being so low on the list because I think generally we try to be a little kinder to, like, original IP to like yeah. something that's trying to do something new and different that's not based on an existing property. And I'm like, all right, was was this actually that bad? Like, I, I, I want to go back. Or was I just like in a mood that day? Uh, I can confirm it is very shitty. Uh, yeah, this was this was one of the, uh, the jankiest games that we played. Like, just in yeah. terms of uh, the way the camera moves and the frame rate, it's it, it, amazingly low quality in that regard. Astoundingly low quality and, and you know... Uh, Having played games like uh, uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions more recently that have a strong anime aesthetic, like Rodea really stands out as a shitty looking game, <laughs> like just incredibly poor uh, animation and character designs, like poor acting, poor story. And the controls are just kind of a nightmare to wrap your head around. Like everything feels like it's happening late, flying around. The thing that should be the most fun in games is flying around in the sky. And right. uh, that is absolutely no fun here. And it's the whole point of the game. So it's yeah, this it's, was kind of this was, uh, I think, by the creator of Sonic the Hedgehog. It sure was. Didn't have a particularly proud showing on this console. And uh, yeah, uh, worth mentioning again, this is the game so shitty that it had to come packaged with another version of itself for a different console, a different, an older console yeah. that worked better. So the <laughs> Wii bit, version bit. of this game is packaged in with Rodea the Sky Soldier, and it is a better game. A very, very strange oddity footnote to history there. Yes. As is our number 146, uh, which was hovering right at the very bottom for both of us for quite a long time, and that is Turbo Super Stunt Squad, based on the DreamWorks Racing Snail movie, which was similarly unremarkable. And and to be clear, it's a racing snail movie, not a skateboarding snail movie. Yeah, the the most inexplicable thing this game does is take a, a prepackaged, like, here you go. Here's a movie about racing. There aren't a lot of those. Like, yeah. here's a kid's movie about racing with characters you can easily adapt into, like, a Mario Kart-style game. And they made a Tony Hawk knockoff. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, just was a, a baffling case of wires being crossed. And, and it, you know, Tony Hawk knockoffs are pretty, have a pretty consistently bad batting average, and it makes you realize that that's really a franchise built upon the little things. Um, yeah. you know, making, making your jumps feel like they have impact and like the timing just sort of, that's a game that's all about feel. Yeah. And like, I don't think that that turbo stunt squad was nearly as broken as the previous games that we talked about, 
but it uh, just doesn't feel good. It does not and feel goes, good. It goes a long way. No, no. And I and I should know because we played all of the Tony Hawkins, and I know how to manual now. Yeah, exactly. That was, was in a, Steve's Steve's love of Lego and his learning of the existence of manual were two big takeaways from our show. See, who says you can't learn and grow in your thirties? Like it's uh, yep. it's important. Coming up at number one forty-five is the game at the very bottom of your list, mm-hmm. uh, and that is Brunswick Pro Bowling. Uh, I'll, I'll let you expound on this because this is one that you you I, I I didn't rate this highly, but you really hated this game. Sure, I'll I mean I'll do my best. It it is funny. I do remember this is at the bottom of my list, but uh, for the life of me, I couldn't tell you why. Um, was this the game that was a PS2 game? Yes. That, okay. That yes. essentially got reported like 20 years later after like getting all the licensing removed. After um, Brunswick itself, the bowling company has gone bankrupt. This came out like two <laughs> years after that company is gone. Right. And so, uh, you know, this was made for the PS. I think, yeah, what I remember here is this is just the least ambitious game you will ever play yeah. for any home console release ever like the the menus are unbelievably bare bones it's essentially devoid of sound it looks terrible 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 and it you know the 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 bowling in it is better than the bowling in crude's prehistoric party that that is true Um, but it is the entirety of the game and it you you so quickly just kind of figure out where to put your pins to roll strikes yeah um that you would never ever want to play this game for more than two minutes yeah it, generously would would you say this is better or worse than super bowling uh well hard, super hard bowling, to remember super bowling yeah super bowling you can sell for money um, yes you sure this can. i can't imagine you can sell for money you may be able to sell it for some kind of candy Okay. I mean, I yes. like candy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like candy too. Yeah, I might exchange that. That's my takeaway from Brunswick Pro Bowling is that both Steve and I like candy. That's true. That's yep. that is an accurate description. Coming in at number one forty four is How to Train Your Dragon Two. Maybe the 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 one like movie of this bunch that I actually genuinely love. Yeah. Uh, like I, I I think that whole How to Train Your Dragon trilogy is fantastic. Uh, this game not so much. And but I, it is this is the most ambitious game that we have encountered so far. Of like the, this of ne- the DreamWorks this, ones, yeah, yeah. Well, and of that we've talked oh, about yeah, so even far. If, yeah, you're like right. of these next four or so are all like a tie, so they're all about the same place. Because um, this one is kind of has like an open worldy mission flight gameplay. Yeah. Um, which was kind of cool and has much better presentation than uh, certainly than the Crudes and some of these other DreamWorks games. But I just remember it doesn't play well. Yeah, uh, another game with a high level of jankiness where uh, just no effort was put into it. And we'll get to like later on the list, a a game like uh, Disney's Planes, which has kind of a similar vibe and it just put in like 10% more effort and is just a much more fun game to play. This one just, it's clear that nobody gave a shit. Uh, And and I wish that they did because this is a good property that should have better games. Yeah. And this is a franchise. Yeah. This is a franchise that I think has enough crossover with people who are interested in video games or fantasy that like, you put effort into this these games would sell well yeah yeah 100 percent. that's very true also of number 143 yeah. which is kung fu panda showdown of legendary legends uh fun title and it's a it's a smash brothers knockoff which should be kind of a slam dunk yeah. good idea 
And again, it is very bizarre how few Smash Brothers knockoffs actually work. Like, yeah, m- m- much like Tony Hawk. You yeah. feel like, all right, you put some ramps, you make them jump and do tricks like we got it. But it's really a franchise that is built upon the little things and polish. Exactly. And this really had none of that. And plus, you know, I, I like these movies fine enough. Like, they're pretty, they're pretty cute and clever. But uh, I don't really feel a lot of affinity for these characters. You know, there's a lot of, like, outside of the panda, we don't really get to meet any of these characters very well. You know, we don't get to know who they are. Yeah. Uh, and the, the gameplay mechanics here just aren't very fun. This is the one I had the most hope for of these DreamWorks games, and it didn't work out. Uh, number 142, another DreamWorks, Rise of the Guardians, um, based on the very forgettable holiday-themed film, or, like, it's it's still such a weird vibe of a movie to describe, because it's not even sure. holidays necessarily. It's just, like, concepts, I guess. <laughs> like, I mean, okay, it, it, some it, of them it, are holidays. Like, it exists in the same realm as like the idea of a nightmare, the nightmare before Christmas, where there's like these these beings exist in a world where holidays define them. Yeah. And so it's like Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. But then there's randomly, I think Jack Frost is one of them. The Sandman. And like, yeah, who is uh, it's some weird like hummingbird. I forget who the hummingbird lady is. But I like, guess this is like Neil Neil Gaiman by way of DreamWorks. Kind of. Yeah. Just lazy Neil Gaiman. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, uh, the the game itself is like a uh, uh, kind of top down beat em up. Uh, yeah. Dungeon, dungeon crawler. Dungeon where you crawler. level up and uh, gain skills. I remember playing this around the same time as the. Uh, Adventure Time game, oh, and sure. so I kind of get them mixed together in my mind, but this one doesn't have much personality. Like, th- this is sort of like a very throwaway, like, you can kind of, it's going to be more fun than a lot of this other stuff that's around this area here, Yeah, but it's going to be instantly forgettable. I'll I'll let you say 141, because this is a game, I, I think this might be the angriest I've ever seen you, or like the worst yeah. the worst mood you've ever been was when we played this game. Like you, yeah. you just really felt like you were despairing like with this one. I mean, yeah, I definitely, uh, I definitely remember that day and I had, you know, shitty things going on in my personal life. So now this SpongeBob SquarePants Plankton's Robotic Revenge is forever <laughs> a reminder of uh, various low points in my personal life. Um but that's not to give it a pass. It is no. still an incredibly unambitious, shitty game. And I guess I was hoping that because um, I like SpongeBob a lot. Sure. And like he's kind of fun, uh, a fun way to give yourself a little pick me up if you're feeling crummy about the way things are going is like he's you, an optimistic you, dude. Yeah, SpongeBob's can do attitude. But uh, this game is just it's kind of like a ratchet and clank knockoff. But again, like all of these dreamworks games you know we say it's a blank knockoff yeah and just kind of imagine that it's that with all of the polish and personality removed like i i actually went around and played uh because it was a it was a free game on ps now uh it was the the spongebob squarepants battle for bikini bottom like the hd remake of that which is generally considered the best spongebob game that one felt more like a Ratchet and Clank game. Like that one was, it was pretty full featured. I played the whole thing. I enjoyed it. Uh, this one, it's like if Ratchet and Clank only allowed you to move in one direction, like you right. can only move straight and there's nothing really to explore and it's really boring. 
and yeah, all the environments, like this game, I remember having sort of the least ambitious environments, like for yeah. the full game, it's just kind of the same level over and over. Yeah. You, you felt yeah, this. It, this was around the same time we, well, I think you and I sat down and watched that third SpongeBob SquarePants movie, sure. which was which also was, a big disappointment. Like, yeah, yeah. But it was better than this game. Better than this game. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. And I think the thing that's always a bummer too, about these DreamWorks games that is like, the SpongeBob, or this isn't even a DreamWorks game. No, no. But like SpongeBob is a very valuable license. So valuable, yeah. And so it's just such a bummer that they have something that they should be able to put money into, and they should be able to like put quality to try and sell copies. But instead, they just are like, no, let's just go with the cheapest costs imaginable. Yeah, yeah. Hey, pretty, uh, pretty uninspiring. And I know there are yep. better SpongeBob games out there, so don't play this one. Uh, coming in at number 140, the the highest ranking of the DreamWorks games, but the game that uh, guest of the show, Ailish Collins, calls the worst game that she's ever played in her life. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, Penguins of Madagascar. Uh, that's one we played fairly recently, and I'm already yep. kind of blanking on a lot of the mechanics it was of like, this one. It, it was a 2D kind of uh, puzzle stealth game where you would uh, switch between the different penguins. And they are so to... different. Yeah, yeah. One of them is red in his background, and the other one is blue yes. in his background. Um, yeah, it's very hard to tell them apart, but they all have different powers, which you could tell by an icon over uh, things that they're allowed to interact with. Um, and it's just generally, I would say, a very boring game, a functional game. Yeah. Um, in terms of like, you know, you hit a switch and then it activates lasers somewhere, and you're like, yeah, that's a mechanic that exists in games. Yeah. Uh, but it's not fun at all. No. And it's... I, I, again, I, I liked this a little more than all of the other DreamWorks games, but it's also not good. Like, there's sure. just nothing really to it. Uh, at number 139, a series I still continue to be angry about, uh, it not being better. Yeah. This, th th at this point, this is where, I feel like this is the first game that we've talked about where we actually care. Yes. Like yeah. none of us were going into any of those previous games thinking like, ah, maybe this will have something for us. Um, Epic Mickey two, the power of two mm -hmm. should be, uh, should be right up your wheelhouse. It really should be because, uh, I'm, I'm an old school, like animation nerd. Like I, I love like old Disney history and stuff like that. This is a game. This is a franchise really. That's kind of built around celebrating, forgotten Disneyana, you know, like things that have been relegated to the dustbin. Oswald, the lucky fucking rabbit was brought out of retirement and brought back for this game that is utterly uninspired uh, and basically broken. Uh, I, I don't know if it's just on the Wii U that it plays this bad, but um, from our, our guest, uh, Chris Antista was on that episode and he, he's played it on other consoles and said it's equally bad everywhere you play it. Yeah, just um, a, a bizarre, bizarre level of ineptitude and jank behind something that should have had a pretty high level of talent and budget behind it. Yeah, and Epic Mickey 1, I recall, being boring but functional. Like, I, I played through that game. I wasn't really thrilled with it, but I played through it. This game is kind of broken. Like, it's just yeah. not a good game at all. Uh, coming up the next two are two games I keep getting confused for each other because they're very similar vibes, but... Uh, we're starting with 138, and that's Game Party Champions. Uh, this is the, I would argue, the far less ambitious of these two games. This is basically just like darts, skee-ball, table tennis, 
and that's it, right? It's like barely. It's just kind yeah, of like it, uh, it's like it's like basement games, you know? Like, right. Which I guess does give it a little more of a distinct identity. Like there are so many mini game collections that are just kind of a made up mini game for that. Like there's not a lot of you know dart simulators no. or like air hockey simulators. And the reason that there's not a lot of them because it's a stupid idea. Because it's not all that hard to go find darts or air hockey, or even when you do, like, air hockey is a game I have played a decent amount of, and every time, like, I'm about three or four shots in, and I'm like, mm, how I start looking at my watch, and I don't even have a watch. Yeah. I'm like, uh, how long is this game? You start game looking for a watch to, to look at. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I'm like, uh, when is this going to stop? Because uh, it just gets kind of old, and to play it in a video game form, not all that interesting. I do remember this game had kind of like a story mode, which I thought was kind of funny of like you try to work to sort of get to the top of the line of like the local become the local game party champion. And isn't there like a weird detail where like your character's dad died or something? Like it's a, <laughs> that's it's how, a, that sounds it's a weirdly maudlin turn for this to try and give it some stakes. But yeah, and your friend is trying to give you like a reason, a reason to carry on to become the game party champion. So yeah, very kind of odd game, but certainly not a particularly fun one. Yeah, and if you want to play a good dart simulator, just get Grand Theft Auto 4 or just play like a darts in real life and have your friend keep yelling Cousin in your ear the <laughs> entire time. So that's that's the same difference. Yeah, but do not confuse Game Party Champions with our number 137 game, which is Family Party 30 Great Games Obstacle Arcade. One of the all-time great titles. Uh, this one at least had, I think, some some good bad game cred. Like, Yeah, I, this, is, this is the first game that I think I would get to here that I would ironically recommend like yeah. that's not something you encounter very often in video games um but this game is kind of fun in its terribleness yeah uh, there's a lot of mechanics here that don't work it kind of it makes you switch to the wiimote like sort of mid game and doesn't tell you how many wiimotes you'll need ahead of time so i remember we like got stuck halfway through a full game because we couldn't proceed because we didn't have enough Wiimotes, right. even though it didn't tell us at the beginning. <laughs> um, and it's just, it, it, there's a weird sort of bear who kind of uh, is your mascot. It's, yeah, it, it's very bad. It's very it, bad. You could probably tell from that that title and its lack of any kind of discernible punctuation, but uh, kind of al almost worth checking out if you can find a very, very cheap copy. If you just want to see like, kind of a broken ass like bonkers game that i think is probably combining just like a bunch of like full sale university student final projects or something like <laughs> yeah it's quite bad as is number 136 which is the walking dead survival instinct um man the walking dead was kind of a uh, uh how the mighty have fallen situation you know we were we we brought it up on our zombie U episode but like that show has one of the highest rated episodes of tv of all time and then its finale, which just happened like a month ago, is one of the lowest rated episodes of TV of all time. Like, wow. nobody stuck with it, uh, which is kind of crazy for a show that went on 12 years, had like, what, three spinoffs, something like that? Do you think that the pandemic killed interest in The Walking Dead? Like, the idea a really good of point. a sort of bleak post-apocalyptic world was just not appealing to people who were stuck in their home yeah it's not as like, fun anymore right yeah now that yeah. we've had like uh, you know I, I can't say that we had that but we had a taste sure. of that we had a taste of being locked down from a you know 
horrible force that we can't control outside our doors, you know? It all it also just went on a long time. I don't think it's a show that really lends itself to ten seasons or however many it ended up with. Yeah. Um, just because it is sort of built upon the bleakness, like that telltale game which is really the only Walking Dead um, piece of content I care about. Yeah. Um, it, you know, I think hits a huge emotional punch and is only about four hours long, the whole thing, you know, and the, maybe a bit longer. The, the graphic novel series had the same issue where, like, I, I read a lot of those books. Like, I was really into that series for a while, and then it just kind of kept going. You know, right. so I think I stopped reading and then there were like 15 more volumes of it before they finally ended it. And sometimes I'm kind of curious to go back, but most of the time I'm just like, you know what? I'm good. I'm good. I think I, I got the gist of it. As and that's yeah, that's sort of the vibe with the Walking Dead survival instinct. You get the gist of it pretty fast. Um, I remember so you... the, the mechanic here is that you need to really like you need to monitor your water and your food. Mm-hmm. And like every one of your little stops that you have to make is to you have to you have to decide whether or not to face off zombies to go get resources or conserve your bullets and move on to the next place. An idea that could have been interesting. Right. Had it been developed with any kind of like thought or care. Uh, yeah. yeah. And just, yeah, a first, a first person game that just isn't very fun to play. Like the, I think the joy of zombie games, um, a lot of the time is, uh, feeling like you can really sort of throttle those zombies and hit them hard. Yeah. Um, and here everything just felt pretty floppy. It absolutely uh, did. And yeah, this, this, you know, Zombie U, a game that we'll talk about many games from now, yes. um, does kind of everything you want the Walking Dead game to do better. Absolutely. Uh, next up at number 135, a game I had to replay because I had completely memory hold it. I, oh, I thank goodness, because I don't remember this one at all. This is Hot Wheels World's Best Driver. Uh, we, we had far, far fewer racing games on the Wii U than we did on the N64. I think we both got <laughs> kind of Fewer than 100? Yeah. Fewer than one-third of the system? <laughs> it, it got ridiculous. Like, it was nice to get a reprieve from racing games and sports games, um, even though the quality of the sports games on the Wii U were significantly higher than yeah. on the N64. Uh, Hot Wheels World's Best Driver has kind of a novel approach where, like, you, you choose as one of four different teams and depending on which team you choose, it's either going to be like racing, stunts, precision, or, oh, or something yeah. else. So like you had, like I, I got kind of psyched about the idea because it's like, all right, you've got a wide variety of, of vehicles from like regular cars to motorcycles to snowmobiles, and you you have different objectives that you can complete with each of them. And then it's just undone by the fact that the game doesn't fucking work. <laughs> like it's just okay. very unpleasant to play, and it's got the most like disaffected announcer i've ever heard in a video game like <laughs> everyone every level is like it's clearly just whatever intern was available that day pressing the accelerator button will help you accelerate okay you know? i'm kind of this is kind of coming back to me do you remember the big open like uh uh air, airplane hangar that's like supposed to be your hub yes yeah that's right this was a weird game very weird very weird could have been good, like had some good ideas for like an open world racing game and they didn't really follow up on it. Uh, coming up at number 134 is Barbie's Dream House Party. Uh, this is this one was kind of hard to describe because it's it's not really a party game necessarily. But it, it is mini games, right? It's a mini game collection, but not really party based. It's a lot of like wandering around the Barbie Dream House and uh, looking for different secrets like hidden in the walls 
it's based well, on like be- a web series that is kind of like it's kind of self-effacing. It's like kind of a clever little wink, you know, uh, about how kitschy Barbie is, which is sure. what the Greta Gerwig Barbie movie looks like it's going to do. Like, Oh man, that looks, I can't believe that, that looks, the writing credits on that are Noah Baumbach and, and Greta Gerwig. That is amazing. wild. I mean, I, I don't know who pitched that as this is going to be the Barbie movie, uh, but they are a fucking genius. Let me tell you that trailer came up before avatar, the way of water and people were losing their minds. Like <laughs> when they, when they figured out what it was and I'm just like, yeah, I'm a hundred percent in on the Barbie movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Dreamhouse Party didn't really like, you know, it, it wasn't defensively bad or anything, but it just didn't really have but much I remember, uh, energy like, to it. I, I remember it looks like a Barbie game and like it gives you a lot of customization of your outfits. And like that kind of is 60 percent of what you want in a Barbie game. Yeah. So they, I was going to be kind of nicer to it there, even if the minigames themselves aren't terribly interesting. No, no, they really weren't. But, you know, hey, you could do worse. You could do worse. Yeah. You could do the well, Monster instead of a dream. Instead of having a dream house party, you could have a sing party. That, that, I mean, apparently that's slightly better, but I don't know. I would debate. Uh, 133, <laughs> sing party. Uh, 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 speaking of lack of ambition, like as far as, yeah. like, the the karaoke games were part of the reason I was excited to play the Wii U because, like, hey, that, that's something new and different. And I've, I've spent a lot of time with karaoke games in the past with, like, Sing Star, Karaoke Revolution, things like that. Uh, this one just wasn't very responsive. It didn't have a great selection of songs and, uh, it just wasn't, it didn't stick in my mind really at all. I do regret that I didn't take audio of us, uh, uh, poorly warbling along to Carly Rae Jepsen. Was this the one that had the absolute insane mode where like you were supposed to dance and sing along mm. with like mo- with, with using the Wii motes, but it had no mechanism to track what yes, you were doing. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so you're you're just flailing around in the back holding the Wii motes, like just does this do anything? Right. Do I look I mean, cool? Yeah, th- this was a game that was essentially no different than pulling up a YouTube video of a song and singing and dancing along with. It. Yeah, exactly. You could you could plug the mic in or not. Like it didn't really matter and. Yeah, it should have been better than it was. Uh, also should have been better than it was. <laughs> number one. Th- well, especially considering it's going for 20 years. Seriously. Uh, number 132, Warriors Orochi 3 Hyper. Uh, I, I think I, w- I was a little surprised at how uh, how much we both kind of disliked this game. Yeah, very uh, bad game. Yeah, like it should be a pretty easy sell. It's. You know, you're a, you're a ridiculously powerful samurai warrior. You walk around with a big old sword and you chop down like 30 guys per swipe. And it's amazing how boring that gets how quickly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and it doesn't even I guess I was kind of even prepared for it to get boring, but it's not even really particularly fun when it's firing on all cylinders. Like no. nothing feels sort of big and over the top and goofy like the actual enemies are all so flimsy and just kind of uninspired that it yeah like even something like earth defense force where you fight giant ants is much more satisfying than this it really is because it at least they feel like big and you feel a little bit overrun here it just kind of feels like they're paper obstacles in your way that are just kind of preventing you from taking the brisk walk that you set out to do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, a a, a good uh, referendum on how poor this game actually was is by what beat it. Number 131, Hello Kitty (laughs) Cruisers. 
is better than Warriors Orochi 3 Hyper. So, yeah. uh, and, and this is not a good game. This is a, a, <laughs> uh, a wildly lazy Mario Kart knockoff that feels like, is this like the slowest racing game of all time? That's what, that's what I remember about it. And that, that kind of, I remember that is kind of bringing me joy is just how goofily slow this whole thing feels. Yeah. Um, and this, I mean, yeah, I, I like the Hello Kitty brand is fun and colorful and cute. And like, I think that this game does a good job of being colorful and cute. Sure. Even if it's definitely not fun. Um, and so this is sort of another kind of borderline ironic recommendation, but not enough to actually spend really any actual money or time playing it for I whatever mean, that means for a while i don't know if this is still true but for a while this was the most valuable game on the wii u yeah. and it has bizarrely been ported to the switch this is a game <laughs> that has been rescued from wii u obscurity and Thank is goodness. available on the switch yeah um now uh, number 130 i think got a nice little bump over uh it's it's uh cohort because uh we had the kathy siskowski bump on that episode. oh sure yeah everyone needs that kathy siskowski bump yeah uh, this is Barbie and her sister's puppy rescue. Uh, you know, it, it's right there on the tin. You play as Barbie and or her sisters and you rescue puppies. <laughs> like yeah. uh, Barbie apparently lives in a city where like dogs are just like abandoned willy nilly. Like this, this sure. city is just crawling with stray dogs that have been abandoned, which has really horrifying for connotations. Did you ever see that movie, Ketty, that documentary yeah, about the, all the cats like hanging the Turkish, out in, tur in Turkey? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's basically like that, except with puppies and uh, you play as Barbie. Exactly. So or anyway, 10 out of 10. Or it's like um, uh, it's like White God, you know, that movie, White yeah, God? Yeah, exa exactly, it's exactly, exactly that. It's exactly yeah. that. <laughs> except it's sort of ra Rainbow God. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, th this game also falls into like the very boring camp um, where you kind of just walk from location to location. But it is sort of a, I don't know, it's a somewhat well-developed city relative to how unambitious a lot of these other games have been. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, puppies are cute. I just remember having it's, a good time trying to uh, uh, teach your mom how to ride the bike. Like, sure. That was a yeah, lot of we, fun. I enjoyed it. I had that. a great time. <laughs> Uh, at number 129 is the voice I want you exclamation point. Uh, I don't really remember why we rank this higher than sync party. It is another pretty, I mean, I imagine it had a better collection of songs, which is kind of That's... like what makes or breaks a karaoke game in the end. You know, it's like how, how good is the song selection? This one had a slightly better one. Uh, I, uglier I graphics. Was... If I remember. Yeah, it was very, very lazy in terms of the voice branding. Like, none of the judges were actually there. Uh, and it had, like, a very sort of confusing competitive structure where you would play against the computer or sing along with the computer. Oh, yeah. It just had a lot of sort of confusing bells and whistles that didn't make much sense. And I am somebody, you know, I've, I've still never watched The Voice and I'm still just very confused about what the hook of that show is. Like, I, I still just like, I've had it explained to me many times. I just don't really get what they're doing. Like, sure. You hit a button, you turn around. Like the, the, the point is that they're not like, they're supposed to be good singers regardless of whether they're attractive or not, but they all end up being attractive anyway. So it kind of <laughs> doesn't matter. Sure. Like, so I don't, is that the gimmick? I don't know. I've still never watched it. Uh, I'm probably good to never watch it, but. Sure, this game didn't turn you around on it. It did not. Not as much. 
Unlike number 128, which made me a die-hard sports fan, that's ESPN Sports Connection, the uh, the Wii Sports knockoff that uh, is bad. <laughs> sure. That, that's what it says right on the box. The Wii Sports knockoff that is bad. Like, Do you like Wii Sports but wish it could be worse? We've got a game for you. Uh, yeah, it's it's basically that. You make kind of ugly-looking amiibo or like Wii or Mii's, yes, excuse me. Yeah. Yes, ESPNOs. ESPN arenas, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, uh, a very limited selection of games on this one. There's just kind of not, not a lot of meat Did on the bones here. This one have the the baseball mini game. Yes, I, I I remember playing one of these and enjoying the baseball mini game that had you use the uh, the game pad for pitching. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. Catching, which I kind of remember as being sort of fun. Not enough, you know, but enough to put it ahead of wherever, you know, at 128 on the list. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number 127 is Ben 10 Omniverse 2, uh, a cartoon series neither of us are familiar with. Uh, sure. But it's a it's a guy named Ben. He's got 10 aliens and he uh, causes a bunch of mischief with them. And in this game, he does them exceedingly poorly. Uh, yeah. This was I, I remember this being a huge dip in quality after the first one which was already like not particularly great but it was kind of playable and kind of fun this game starts with a sort of on on rail like go through a tube and jump over obstacles type of level um and it uses that a lot and it just gets old very very quickly yeah it yeah, yeah it, it feels like it lacks the yeah like you said the first game not fantastic by any means but the second one felt a lot less ambitious and a lot less polished yeah 100 percent. yeah this this was uh pretty broken not a whole lot of fun uh falling into kind of a good bad game territory is uh the game so nice we played it twice <laughs> yeah Cabela's dangerous hunts 2013 this is the more so there are two hunting games on the wii u this is the more arcadey one where you are a uh, a big game like conservationist but you also like mow them down like with with pre without prejudice just like shooting machine guns into crowds of antelope yeah the, this game had a bunch of different modes to it um that's what i remember and you know this is essentially the wii u functionality here is pointless yeah i mean there's no reason for this game to be on the wii u over the wii and you just use a wii mode and um i remember like we really struggled in getting the calibration to work correctly. Yes. With, um, which is not what you want from your light gun game. Um, but, and so like the, the sort of main story here is, is very goofy. It's like you and your, your dad gets killed by a rhino or something. Oh yeah. And then you yeah. like seek out this lost city to get revenge on these animals later. Yeah. It's that so strange. Game, right. That was this yeah. game. And like every bush has like 10 Jaguars in him, like that are ready to pounce on you at any moment. Like, but it is just incredibly hard to move around. Like some of the on rail sections were kind of fun, you that's know, right. because that's what it should be. Like if you're, if you're having an arcade kind of shooter like this, but the moments where they asked you to move around on your own were like impossible, especially when we were playing, like as the game wants us to play it, with like the light gun peripheral, like you lock your Wii mode into like a big orange, like rifle and you're supposed to walk around like that. And it is impossible. Right. And yeah. And then the, the, that I do remember there is that sort of goofy 
target practice mode where you'll just there'll just be hordes of alligators climbing over the cliff and you start <laughs> to feel a little bad like i know they're all digital but you're like oh i can't really look at this anymore of just mowing dead like yeah. mowing down lines of endangered species i was getting so many mixed messages from this game it's like wait yeah. so are we conserving animals or are like we just killing all of them yep uh, but maybe we'd be better off if we were hunting in number 125. That's Animal Crossing Amiibo Festival. Um, I bet you can you can definitely nab some raccoons uh, while sure. you're in there. Uh, yeah, Animal Crossing making a very poor showing on the Wii U with, like, I, I hesitate to even call it a party game because there's no mini games. This, right. this is a board game simulator where like you just were no, like what what was even the point of it there's like kind of nothing going on you, in this you, game you would get coins it's like it's imagine playing monopoly where every square is either chance or community chess mm. so you just land on something and then a random event occurs and you either get more or less like items yeah it, it was kind of cute and soothing in a, a animal crossing kind of way but like I remember just getting kind of frustrated by the the complete and utter lack of purpose to this game. Like, it's you know you're you're just move, your point is just to move across the board. Yeah, and it was a game like I think Animal Crossing as a franchise, in some ways, I think appeals to older an older audience than Nintendo thinks. Yeah, like I don't know of like a lot of sort of kids who are very into animal crossing like most of the people i know who are into animal crossing are like in their mid-20s to like mid-30s yeah um and i guess you know but like in this game is very much like mechanics that are built for six-year-olds yeah very much so i mostly remember just that i bought this game new and packaged with two amiibos for two dollars at, sure. at, at gamestop it was in a, a bargain bin they that's about as close as you can get to actually giving something away that's legal. Yep. Uh, number one twenty four, Avengers: Battle for Earth, a game that you brought up last week as an example of a game you don't remember. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and I stick by. I that. stick by that too. It is a it is a fighting game that that feels kind of disconnected. Like it, it's you're not really executing combos. You're just kind of waiting for a button to charge up and then tapping it on the game screen. I mean, I believe it, it feels, I don't know if this is the case or not. It feels like a game that was designed for iPad and then ported to the Wii U. That's pretty accurate. Yeah. That's, that's really what it feels like. It, it does not feel optimized for this system and uh, definitely not the superhero fighting game you want to turn to. It definitely, like <laughs> I do remember has sort of big, flashing lights like you know seizure inducing energy which is something that i like sure. in a superhero fighting game yeah but the actual gameplay is essentially non-existent it basically is yeah uh number 123 the brilliantly titled tank 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 three tanks three exclamation points <laughs> uh gotta love it um the the shallowest a, game yeah this was a port of an arcade game yeah which uh, the, the whole appeal of the arcade game was that it had a very big goofy cabinet that you could like stick your head in and like swivel uh, swivel around like like you're in the the cockpit of a tank and you lose that completely with this game and so what you're left with is just like a a kiddie pool shallow arcade shooter Right, and this is always the struggle with home ports of arcade machine games is like they either give you a finite number of credits and you will never beat the game, or they give you infinite credits and you get sick of the game after 10 minutes. Yeah, 
Yeah, pretty much. And they've never quite figured out the in-between. Um, I want to take a little breather here to kind of recognize, I think that we've hit kind of a crossroads at, at this point in the list. Because to me, um, I think we just went over what I would describe as just kind of just just the, the real garbage of the system. Yeah, now uh, we're now we're it, getting into like the interesting garbage. Well, yeah, well, we're at least getting into games that are functionally like playable, and I could see myself like spending some meaningful amount of time playing if I, they were my only options. Yeah, they're still not games that I would recommend, but they are games that you know are functional, and I could see people having a good time with some of them. Yeah, I would say most of um, the games uh, in this next little chunk have just like something to recommend. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I would say starting with like, um, probably starting with Avengers maybe. Right. Yeah. No, no, I'd probably say probably starting with tank, tank, tank. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that includes number 122 Smurfs two based on the movie Smurfs two. <laughs> this is a, uh, a platforming game from way forward who usually puts just like a little bit more energy into their ports. Like there you, right. We can usually count on them to do something like that's a little bit more interesting. I think this is on the lower end of their output. Yes, um, for sure. It, it's not a terribly ambitious game, um, to say the least. It does, it, I do like, I mean, it, it does play smoothly, like as far as platformers go. The actual jumping and bopping feels good. Yeah. Um, I just, you wish that there was something, anything here more going on. I think this would probably be bumped up like maybe 10 spots on this list for me if they used original Smurf designs and not the ones from the movie, which all look mm -hmm. like action figures that have been dropped in a gutter. Like yeah. it just looks very dingy and very shitty. And if they'd used like original 2D Smurf animation, this would have been pretty charming. Um, yeah, but it's, I'm with you. it's hard to look at. Also hard to look at is number 121, 007 Legends. Uh, uh, another, another game like Epic Mickey 2 that you feel a little mad that it is kind of such a crummy game. Yeah. Because like, it, it does feel like they're working with a cool premise here. Um, and there also doesn't really seem to be any reason this game should be as subpar as it is. So we, we played every single James Bond game on mm -hmm. Ultra 64 DD. Uh, so, and this is to date the last one. We have not had a new James Bond game since this one in like 2013 or something like that. Whoa. And the, the premise of this one is basically like GoldenEye style gameplay, but it's going to use like it's going to take scenarios from every Bond, like every actor who's played Bond. So every era of Bond is represented here, except they made the weird decision to like recast them all as Daniel Craig. Uh, well, sure. But I mean, assuming that Daniel Craig is all that they had the license for. I'm sure. And he but, actually does his voice in this. Like, so I'm sure that they, they didn't want to try and, you know, dig Sean Connery out of retirement or anything to, <laughs> to reprise his voice once again. But uh, like, I get why they did it, but it's a pretty lazy, pretty uninspired first-person shooter um yeah and I, I just i just remember the takeaway here is all of the guns just feel weak yeah and this was this was the first we, we played this game fairly early in the show yeah very early and I, I i really remember being frustrated with the way that the wii u gamepad feels with a first-person shooter and i still kind of stick by that. yeah this is the first kind of uh, inkling that uh, that was going to be a problem for us coming up in the show at number 120 is Cabela's Big Game Hunter Pro Hunts. This is the uh, more more serious, more simulator-ish hunting game um, where you're supposed to think about things like 
crosswind and and uh, you know dousing yourself with deer urine to attract mates <laughs> or something. I'm assuming that's a part of it. I don't remember that. Yeah, much, totally. But, uh, this this is the one that had kind of the realistic um, slow mo like shot vision, right? Like so, if you shoot yeah. a deer up the butt, which I think we did once, <laughs> uh, we get to slow down and see the X-ray of that bullet going into the deer. I just then you know it's like it was basically a functional game, but I just wound up feeling very bad about the animals, you know, even though they're sure, digital animals. Sure. I'm like, why are we reveling in their like pain like this? Sure. Yeah. I I I wanted to like this game more than I did. I remember kind of being into this game initially and just being like, I like the idea of like, you know, the excitement that you feel when you see one deer and you're like, oh man, there it is. I found it. Like, I'm going to take that shot yeah. and to really have to make that count. Because if you miss with your shot, the deer will just run away. Yeah. But like kind of the end result here is that this game is very boring because there's a lot of just wandering around yeah. and hoping to find something, which is true to like, real hunting in a lot of ways um but is not quite what i'm looking for in a video game and i wish i wish they had split the difference a little more to find a keep that simulation feel but like give me just a few more a few more thrills to keep it going yeah just so this game was close to a game that i like yeah it, it, it had potential and then it just didn't quite stick the landing Oh, speaking of sticking the landing, our next game is at number one nineteen, Wipeout Three. Yes, I always not I the always, racing game. <laughs> yes, I always think of this as going to be the racing game, and I'm like, wow, I'm surprised this is so low. But no, this is the uh, based on the stunt, like the obstacle course television show. Yes, where sometimes out of shape people get knocked off of a course into the water. A, a very um, like I remember watching some episodes of the show to prepare for this episode, and uh, it's a mean spirited show. Yeah, like the hosts are just like taking digs at people, like they're editing things to make the people look extra stupid. Like it's a and like to be clear, what they're doing is hard. It is. Like, yeah, yeah. It's hard to jump from obstacle to obstacle and have things like trying to knock you off of a high platform. Yeah, but it it it, it undercuts kind of the fun of of this idea when like the hosts are just like making cheap shots about people's weight and stuff like that. Like, right. And and this game was capturing some of that without the mean spiritedness. Um, I don't even remember, like, I kind of remember liking these games. I remember we played them with Delaney, but I don't remember what the actual gameplay was. Basically, I mean, the weird thing about this game show is that it's trying to be like a a real-life platformer video game. And so what we're left with when we reduce it to a video game is a platformer video game, just without enemies or any real level of challenge. Uh, And I remember they kind of keep you on a pretty narrow track the entire time, so there's not a lot of room to explore it, it was it just, more fun than based it on, seemed, yeah. Was it just based on timing, like timing your button press so you don't get knocked by stuff? Yeah, it was pretty much that. Like, it was definitely like, it was it was like Mario, but without any kind of challenge or imagination. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, coming in uh, much lower than I was expecting it to, uh, number 118 is Disney Infinity. Uh, a, yeah. a game I know a lot of people do have uh, affinity for. They have affinity for <laughs> sure. Infinity. Uh, this is the one of the, the Toys to Life games that we played, which is uh, an exciting concept that basically lives and dies with the Wii U. Like, this is a, a concept that didn't really survive beyond this console generation. And so the Wii U had three different options if you wanted to try that out. And this was the weakest of the three. 
Right. This is the one that sort of explored the most in terms of a toy box mentality. The other ones were more like you're just going to input this character and play this sort of linear video game. Yeah. Disney Infinity was very much like, all right, by scanning these characters, you'll be able to create this sort of big mashed up Disney world. But like the interface was just very bad. And I remember kind of above all else how terrible the performance was, especially in um, 3.0 that had the Star Wars figures in it. Um, It was just so the frame rate felt so jumpy and like maybe this game is more playable on other consoles, but it was really not fun on the Wii U. Yeah, it really wasn't. And I I remember just like not being happy with the design of the figurines, which is a very nerdy thing to gripe about. But I, I don't like the very homogenized like version. They they kind of combined everything into this really kind of gross looking art style that I didn't really vibe with. And uh, yeah, no, it was it was a uh, I was expecting more from this one for sure. Uh, it, it actually comes in below number 117, Wipeout, Create, and Crash. Uh, you know, everything we said about Wipeout 3, except this one, you could build your own courses, uh, which was less impressive than it sounds. Sure. It, it was kind of the same level of complexity as Excite Bike. Yeah, um, yeah, In, in terms of that course design. Um, but, yeah, I think I just liked the, the, the weird, cheapo characters they had for this game and kind of its toss-toss nature, but it was still, like immediately intuitive intuitive enough to kind of be fun yeah um yeah i i do remember having a decent time with the wipeout games and uh speaking of uh cheapy thrown off characters we have number 116 book of unwritten tales 2 uh a point and click adventure game from germany the first game did not appear on the wii u so we were kind of uh left scratching our heads with a lot of the story beats on this one you might say that the first book was unwritten on the wii u. as it should have been yeah, yeah. i wish kind of wish this one was unwritten you know <laughs> uh point and click adventure games i think one one important part about growing older and maturing as as we all do is realizing that point and click adventure games are not actually that fun um, i know i know it's a bummer it's a bummer like I played through all of uh, Grim Fandango finally, but yep. I, I kept a guide open the entire time because I'm like, you know what? I like this world. I like the story. I like these characters. I don't really care about like playing trial and error with like a bunch of like obscure mechanics. Like I just want to know what to do so I can learn more about the story and see the next part of this world. I know it. it is. It is such a weird example. Like Grim, Grim Fandango, I think is a really good example because like that's a game a lot of people like and have fondness for. But like really the puzzles in that all feel kind of annoying and you just want to be in the world and the dialogue and Book of Unwritten Tales, too is kind of just in a generic European fantasy world. Yeah, I didn't really it, it vibe with anything. Have, yeah. it, the characters are not distinct enough. Like, this is a very fully featured game with, like, a lot of, you know, dialogue and, and content and is well-written. Yeah. But it's really just a question of, like, if you're not in the world of um, point-and-click adventures, which you're probably not because you have a Wii U, right? Um, why is this the game that you're going to gravitate to it is a weird pull to kind of come out because that first game was not even a really big hit in particular either so it's it's a weird thing to pop up on the wii u but you know it was an interesting experiment at the very least uh one of my favorite titles on the console comes at number 115 that's adventure time explore the dungeon because i don't know 
<laughs> still kind of a clever title for yep. a pretty uninspired uh, uh, Diablo clone, I guess. Would you could yeah, say? Yeah, this was this was a top top down, but it has very sort of eight bit style graphics. Yeah, um, which, which is very cute and charming. We both like the Adventure Time vibes, and um, this game, you know like Adventure Time is sort of indebted to more classic video games and gives it a little bit of a bump and a, a fun char- character, but um, is a pretty boring game. It, it really is kind of a bummer. Like we both, we both like Adventure Time. We both kind of wish that these Adventure Time games uh, were a little more noteworthy, but uh, this was the less noteworthy of the two. We'll get to the other one not too long from now. But first, we have number 114, another another series that uh, came in shockingly low on this list considering their profile. The pedigree, the pedigree yeah. Yeah, uh, this is Mario and Sonic at the Sochi 2014 Winter Olympic Games. That's a title I hate. I hate, I hate this <laughs> yeah. naming convention. I can never remember if the city goes first, if the year goes first. Or like, the pain in the ass, a total mouthful. I don't like it. Uh, yeah, I, I was not really impressed with any of these games. Um in this series it's it's a lot of like kind of waggle centric mini games you know yeah and, that, that sounds right and these should be kind of big momentous events because it's it's two of gaming's biggest icons coming together for the first official time and it just feels kind of disconnected like it, it could have these could have been anybody like there's not a lot of actual mario flavor or sonic flavor to any of this yep yep uh, number 113 is the first Ben 10 Omniverse. We we covered a lot of this already. This is a, a, a damn sight better than the second game. Um, yeah. In that it and is it, it, a pretty, it's, a, it, it's an action platformer. Yeah, and, it, and it's very, very simple brawler, but it works. It works cool because you can transform into a bunch of different alien forms at will, and they all have a decent selection of moves. So, like, if you're into that kind of throwaway PS2 era brawler, um this one's kind of fun yeah yeah it, feel, it feels like kind of a super nes throwback in that regard but you know eh, you know it's it's fine uh number 112 is mario and sonic at the rio 2016 olympic games these are summer olympics do you have a preference over summer versus winter olympics i like the summer olympics a lot more because they have much weirder selection of games yeah like I feel like there's so many winter events that feel like all the same event, um, like ice dancing versus ice skating, um, whereas, or like ski jump versus ski slalom. I don't know. There's just so many forms of kind of the same skills, um, whereas the summer games, even though there is lots of variation of the same thing, there's so much stuff going on and so many more countries can compete yeah yeah def- definitely more interesting doesn't necessarily make for a much more interesting game but you know it, yeah. it is two spots better than the winter olympics so there you go empirical proof <laughs> sure uh number 111 is kind of one of the most notable uh notorious games of of the last 10 years uh this is a game called mighty number no. nine uh, a game that uh, it, it's from the creator of Mega Man, KG Inafune. Uh, it basically just is Mega Man, like lightly reskinned. But a lot of the controversy around this game was with its uh, Kickstarter platform, um, which, which is also something that's like, kind of new to this era of video games. Right, right. Like it, it had this very big, splashy, successful Kickstarter that got delayed and delayed and delayed. And then the final game that came out was uh, pretty mediocre. Yeah, it, uh, it was. I mean, it does feel like Mega Man, but it feels like a a bad Mega Man game. Yeah, like the level design is pretty unremarkable. 
and uh, just doesn't give you a lot of reasons to keep playing. Definitely one of those games where like the backstory, the history of it is much more interesting than anything you're actually going to encounter in the game. Uh, number 110 is Adventure Time Finn and Jake Investigations. Uh, slightly better than the dungeon crawling one. This is more of a point-and-click adventure game as well. Uh, and I think this one puts more emphasis on like the personality of the show. You know, you have yeah. a lot more dialogue. You have a lot more uh, character interactions, well, things there, like yeah, that. There's a, there's a mystery to solve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You know, which is uh, always going to be a little bit more engrossing than just, you know, explore the dungeon because I don't know. Sure, exactly. Yeah. Uh, number 109, uh, a, a surprise, I think, for both of us, um, was Disney Planes Fire and Rescue. Uh, the, the Planes games, based on uh, notoriously uh, mediocre Cars knockoffs, uh, were, were really both better than they had any right to be. This was the weaker of the two. This one felt kind of like, um, what's the series? Nuclear Strike, things like that. Where yeah, it's, that's right, it, that's right. It's like an aerial game, but you're not really soaring very high because it's an isometric view, and you're basically like, you know, you're, you're cruising just kind of slightly above the tree line the whole time. And this one is built um, built upon having giving you a variety of vehicles. Yeah. Um, and accomplishing fairly simple tasks, but I remember it moving fairly quickly. Yeah. And um, just kind of keeping you going from one event to the next that kind of keeps things engaging. Yeah, for sure. Uh, number 108, Rapella Pro Bass Fishing. You know, it's 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 proven pretty uh, difficult to really screw up fishing games. Like, we, we had two fishing games on the N N64 that were both kind of like, uh, they were they were big shrugs from us because we're just like yeah what do you want it's fishing like they <laughs> yeah. they, they got it like they, it's 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 about as engaging as real life fishing it's not <laughs> a, you know it's it, it's not as intrusive as like forced mini games in like a Zelda or something like that you know it's it's fishing what do you want yep you know yep and this I, I remember the pre I remember if nothing else I think the presentation in this was pretty good. Yeah. Um like it, it really felt like it made the most out of the licensing and the branding which to me is if you're someone who's going to buy a Rapala Pro Bass fishing game like that's what you want. Oh yeah. Is like to be able to pick, you know, boats and rods and um that actually match official things. Yeah. Yeah, I think that yeah, it it, it served its purpose to that regard. Uh, number 107, a game I did replay uh, to get uh, because I, I'd forgotten a lot about this game. Um, Fast and Furious Showdown. This is a, a racing game based on the Fast and Furious films. And uh, once again, I found myself really uh, charmed and entertained by the opening level, which is recreating a scene from Furious 6 where you are driving like a, a little low to the ground, like drag race car with like a, a ramp built onto it. And you're basically just like driving underneath other cars and then launching them into the air with like a little hydraulic burst sure. in there. Yep. Felt kind of like uh, like discount burnout to me in a, in a fun mm -hmm. way. It's like, all right, this is kind of fun. And then you get to the second level. It's recreating the, the safe scene from Furious 5. And then automatically you kind of lose me. I'm like, all right, well, this, this is immediately less fun. Uh, if the whole game right. was just driving a wedge car and throwing other cars, mm -hmm. I'd kind of be like on board with this. I mean, this, this game, it takes a similar approach as 007 Legends, where they kind of just have you reenact some uh, different moments from throughout the series. Yeah. Which I think is, is a, again, a good idea. But the problem with sort of jumping through, you know, time and having different sort of challenges and interfaces and cars that you drive every time is like, 
each individual one tries to play differently and none of them feel all that polished. Yeah. 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 None, none of it felt particularly good. And I think the biggest name that they were able to get back from the actual movies was just a uh, uh, canceled transphobe Gina Carano. Uh, mm. So, and she's not that compelling of an actress to begin with. So sure. Yeah. That's, that's no good. It is also surprising that I don't know. I mean, I guess this is true of like fast and furious sort of finding its place in sort of the last 10 or 15 years post the licensed game boom. Yeah. But it's weird that there's just not much in the way of video games for Fast and Furious, especially since, you know, I know Vin himself, uh, as as him and I, our buddies, is a, is a kind of a gamer. Yeah, no, he's in your D&D uh, group, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. You're, you're the second to last Witchfinder. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that, that does feel like a big gap because it, we've also, like, we haven't had a proper burnout game in a really long time, and this series could fill that yeah, gap get, you know because get criterion on that yeah get criterion making a fast and furious game. for real because the whole appeal of the fast and furious is that like all right you these are just people who do anything with a car it's like right. oh shit i need to shave and i'm out of razors quick brian <laughs> fire up the mustang and let me stick my face close to it you know like <laughs> yeah exactly. yeah they, you could have some fun with that but this is kind of mediocre but it had some had some goofy fun moments that i appreciated uh coming in at uh, we, 106 I, yeah good yeah i think this is this is like this is the biggest game that we've got to at this point. Yeah, this is like a real game. Yeah, like yeah. yeah, we've gone through a lot of games before. We're like, oh right, here's the big one, and it's I'm kind of surprised to see it this low, honestly. Yeah, and it's it's uh, Assassin's Creed Three, um, uh, the one of the lesser entries in a series that I really enjoy, um, and it's in a form on the Wii U that uh, is just not the ideal way to play this, like. I know there is like a remastered version of this game for PS4. So like if you really felt compelled to play through the series, this would that would be probably be the way to go. Um so this this one lost a lot of points just fr- by being kind of slow, kind of bloated and uh didn't really run very well in the Wii U. Okay. Like yep. uh, ge- probably generally of a higher quality than a lot of the other games that are sure. around and, this and area, probably, but it just didn't vibe. Probably generally of a higher quality than this next game, which I will happily take the blame for this ending up as high as it did. This is the biggest um, gap. This is number 105, Sonic Boom, The Rise of Lyric. Yes. A game that is fairly infamous in its shittiness, um, but that for whatever reason, maybe the opposite of however I was feeling on that SpongeBob day, um, I was having a good time. And uh, I, I ended up enjoying this game. Um, this is a, again, kind of a throwback to either the early PS2 era of platforming or even sometimes N64. It's a mascot platformer where you play as Sonic and his sort of little posse. Yeah. Um, and you just, you know, is a lot of fairly average, like, collect-a-thons um, and then some straightforward, like, 2d kind of cooperative puzzle areas where you know you have one person activate a switch which opens up an area to the other character something i always kind of have a fondness for just because i feel kind of smart even though it moves along very quickly yeah no i Um, i I can get on board with that i i found the game pretty repetitive and and pretty dull but like I, I agree that it is better than its reputation suggests and it does have a lot uh, you know, say like the character may be kind of irritating because it has a lot of tails and knuckles and Amy Rose making irritating commentary. But like there is a lot of dialogue and cutscenes, and it does kind of make an effort to draw you into the world yeah. more than most of what we've played up to this point. 
But uh, yeah, it, it is worth noting this is the biggest disparity in our rankings. There are 67 spots of difference between your ranking and my ranking, uh, with wow. you favoring this much higher than I did. And honestly, like I feel where it end up, where it ended up, I feel pretty good about. That feels about it right. Feels it actually feels pretty comparable to this next game, which is 104 Legend of K Anniversary, a, a game I would actually like have. I uh, another one I replayed because I didn't remember which. Uh, I I kind of wish I could knock this down a bit because oh, sure. I've forgotten just how purely annoying the voice of K is. Oh, I've been forgotten that it too. It is a uh, he's voiced by like a petulant uh, preteen boy who is way too close to the microphone. <laughs> and it's like, okay. uh, we're getting like blowing out and spikes and things like that. Like it, it's, and it, all of his dialogue is really mean spirited and horrible. Otherwise mm. this is just kind of like an average Zelda knockoff. And I believe this game is another, another port like Sonic boom, kind of a uh, homage to that PS2 era platforming. This I think is a port of a PS2 game. It's one of those crazy things. This got a 15, 15th anniversary re-release, uh, but that first game was not a hit. Like it was not, it, is, it, it wasn't even really odd. like a cult thing. Like I think this is a case of something that was bigger in Europe than it was in the States. Sure. Like, so we got to this one. We were just kind of scratching our heads like, oh, did, did, <laughs> did we miss the Legend of K anniversary? Shit. <laughs> oh, no. I, yeah. I meant to get a, 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 a bouquet. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. A bouquet. Yeah. That's 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 the 15th year anniversary one, right? Yep. Uh, number 103 is Phineas and Ferb, the quest for cool stuff. Uh, Another fun title. Yeah. A, pre uh, a pretty charming Disney cartoon. That's turned into a, a pretty okay platformer. I think I, I remember there being like notes of drill dozer in this weirdly. Yeah. Yeah. The, you, you, you play as a uh, kid geniuses, Phineas and Ferb, and you just kind of, it's a 2d platformer and you control this little mech, which you can use to drill through levels. And this game does a decent job of giving you new unlocked abilities. Yeah. Um. So it kind of, it kind of keeps things moving. This is one of the more, fun 2d platformers that we played um th this is kind of the game that all of those dreamworks games felt like they should be able to get to the level of quality yeah this, like, this, this, this feels like me... the lowest le like the, the the lowest level of like yeah. acceptable that that they should have been willing to settle for exactly because this game is very you know is not terribly ambitious but it is very functional and you're happy to keep playing from level to level yeah so yeah this is this is a game where if you like the phineas and ferb brand like this game delivers on content for that, yeah. and it's not actively unpleasant to play. Yeah, it's not going to insult you, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, coming in at number 102, and I wish it had gone just, like, one spot higher. Like, I uh, wish that had worked yeah, out. Yeah, oh, we fucked up. Uh, because it's the wonderful 101. Uh, yeah. a, a game that has, like, a, a cult reputation, I think. Like, uh, uh, And it is a game I really sincerely wanted to love because yeah. it's super weird, uh, it's got a lot of energy. It's got a lot of original ideas. Uh, uh, but unfortunately, it fails the smell test of being a fun game to play. Um, yeah. And that's that was kind of a bummer. This is from Platinum Games, who uh, they come up a few times on this list uh, in a pretty wildly divergent rankings uh, for their games on this list. Um, and then they're, they're a studio that feels like they always want to try something. Yeah. Like they're, they, they don't feel content to just kind of rest on what has worked previously and the wonderful 101 is a game that has a lot of ideas going in it um but none of them really work well from a gameplay perspective like you have to use 
the gamepad to kind of draw your characters into different formations. Yeah. And it's just not very responsive and everything is so chaotic that it just, yeah, it, it is really a shame. Like this is a game that just unfortunately does not work very well. We, it's and, just such a bummer. Yeah, you could definitely see all the potential for it here. And I think we rated it even this highly because it has so much personality and because it has so much style to it. But uh, no, it just never gelled for me. This one has been uh, ported over to the Switch. It might be more successful on that console. Um, so, you know, give it a shot. But it also does feel like the the touchscreen is sort of built into the DNA of this series. So, right. you know, it's, it's a shame. I wanted to like it more. Um and taking the 101 spot uh, from the wonderful 101 is Rabbids Land. Uh, we, we've covered uh, a lot of Rayman and a lot of Rabbids on this show. And uh, the, this is, I, I at first thought this was going to be like a Nintendo na- Land knockoff because it came out the same day and they have the same like naming convention. I really wasn't that. It was more of like a Mario Party kind of thing. Sure. From what I sure. recall. Um, yes, yes. I mean, and to be clear, it's not like the gulf between a Nintendo Land and a Mario Party is that big of a gulf. It's not really. It's it's still a mini game collection, and this one, like Nintendo Land, um, makes a real attempt to do stuff with the Wii U gamepad. Yeah. Um, I do remember, like, I think between every every sort of round of mini games there you'll play one game where one person is holding the gamepad, and there's some creative stuff going on. Um, and mostly though, I remember this game feeling very slow, similar to Mario Party. There's a lot of downtime. There's like quiz, quiz rounds, and it just doesn't quite move enough to keep you engaged. Yeah, not so much. Not so much. I, I, I probably should have replayed this one because it didn't really stick with me very, uh, very intently. Um, we will pause here because we are one third of the way through the list. Hooray! And I want to read. Uh, I want to read one of our letters. We have a couple yeah, of letters please. here that we wanted to bust out. Uh, so this one says, "Hello, Stephen Woody. Uh, Hello. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you so much for the wonderful podcast. I've been listening for years and have loved both series. Thank you for being the uh, go-to source anytime I want to try and explain to people why Ogre Battle '64 is a forgotten gem. <laughs> and thank you for being the prince's valiant of our hearts." Uh, I hope to hear you guys on another project, but for now, enjoy not having to play some of the very worst gaming uh, has to offer. I'm going to miss you, your wonderful guests, and the random sound glitch that I'm sure was secretly brainwashing us all. Sincerely, Benjamin Curley. Thank you so much, Benjamin. That's very nice of you to say. Yes, thank you very much. Thanks for being a listener, and the the the, the sound glitch lives on in our memory. Yeah, and in uh, uh, I believe he's in Barbados. Yeah, he he retired oh, well. Sure. He, he he got out of the Bitcoin market before it tanked, so like he mm. he did pretty well for himself. Okay, yeah, sound glitch holding on strong. Um, and we I, we stand a legend. We do. All right, dipping back into the list, number one hundred. We are in the top one hundred games, which means every <laughs> one of these is perfect. <laughs> Yeah, we, we, we even release a listicle now. Yeah. The, the top 100 games for the Wii U. We, we can start here. Disregard everything above this. Uh, this is where the good shit starts. Starting with number 100, Sonic Lost World. Yeah, this game was kind of a tunnel platformer. There's a lot of sort of running away from the screen. Um, you know, like all 3D Sonic games, it just doesn't quite click in the yeah. way that you want a Sonic game to, even though 
is nothing really wrong with it. And I liked I liked the overworld map of like this very much just feeling like a Mario game. Yeah, yeah. There was even some Nintendo branded DLC if you want to play as Sonic and run through Hyrule. Pretty fun. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, but it's just not all that much of a game. No, not really. I I think it uh, it got the sense of speed right, like uh, <clears throat> especially when compared to uh, uh, Sonic Boom, which I felt we missed some of that. Right. Yeah, it's true. Sorry. That's a game that Sonic Boom did not care at all about really a sense of speed. No, not really. But, uh, you know, I, I, I remember liking this one more than you did, but it's also still not top tier Sonic, right. you know. Uh, number 99, Wii Sports Club. Now, how could a Wii Sports game be ranked this low? Well, because it's basically just Wii Sports again, except you have to pay for it this time. Right? That yeah. That was the mechanic yeah. here. Like, there's nothing... There's nothing really new here. It's just the same. So they had they had online play, right? But obviously that's irrelevant at this time. Right, yeah. They, it's one of those things that's been uh, bludgeoned to death by time. Maybe that would have been a fun mechanic to play. Like, I mean, Steve, we're all one of those things that are bludgeoned oh, to death God, by time. God, tell me about it. Oh, oof, yeah. oof. Don't get me started. Oh, happy birthday, by Oh, the thank way. you. Thank you so much. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah so yeah, they, uh, there wasn't really a proper Wii Sports game on the Wii U, and I think... That was such a killer app for the Wii. Like, even just being a free pack-in game, it was, like, a draw for so many people and felt like a missed opportunity uh, to really yeah, kind of I, sell I, this. Yeah, I think we this one ended up low because I think we're... This is the kind of game where you feel a little bitter about its existence because it yeah. seems vague in terms of what it is. I mean, this is in some ways representative of the console itself. It, it doesn't do a good job in explaining what it is, and then you kind of buy it and you're like, wait, this is it. And yeah, what it is is kind of like less than the sum of its parts, which is a yep. bit of a bummer. Coming in at number 98, we are entering into the Lego phase of this list with uh, the lowest rated Lego game, Lego The Hobbit. Uh, and, and an unloved movie uh, gets turned into an unloved Lego game. You know, it's these Lego games were all quite similar for the most part yes. uh you know so it, it did and then we played so many of them like i'm i'm a defender of these games like i've, I've played most of these lego games and i enjoy them uh but it, it does start to wear on you after a while and i think yep. the hobbit was just the one that made the weakest argument for its existence yep um slightly better is number 97 lego batman 2 dc superheroes uh, expanding on the roster from Lego Batman 1, bringing in like Superman, Green Lantern, all of that stuff, uh, and introducing an open world into... I think this is the first one of those Lego games that did that, okay. uh, which has kind of become the standard for the series since then. Uh, sure. Still not a whole lot of reason to go back to this one. No, and I, I struggle. Like I, I think I complained about this in every one of the Lego episodes, but I find these games to be sort of dark and hard to see, and the Lego Batman ones are the most guilty. They of that. are definitely the worst of, of those. Yeah, and this one might be the worst of all of them um, in yep. terms of that. Coming in at number 96, uh, Night Trap. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Star, <laughs> Star Fox Guard. Uh, the other... Uh, the other Night Trap. Uh, Instead of... Uh, Instead of scantily clad women, what, what are you what are you protecting? You're protecting some sort of factory. Yeah, right? it's like robots are invading a factory. This is this game packed with Star Fox Zero, and it's kind of a weird mini game where you're playing as Slippy Toad, 
you're monitoring a bunch of different monitors. Well, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's what you do with monitors. That's what you do. You monitor them and you, you switch back and forth and you and sort of like a tower defense situation. Uh, yeah. So it's kind of like a more active Five Nights at Freddy's, I guess, would be a, sure. a good description of it. And it's fairly frenetic. I mean, there's fun to be had with this. It's it's a very strange curio in the Star Fox world. One of those weird things that is like just slightly too big to be a mini game on the main disc. They had to make it its own game. Right. But it's also not much deeper than that. Yep. Um, you know, but hey, if you ever wanted it, a sleepy toad based game. Uh, feels like something that could exist very well on mobile if that was a place for, you know, Star Fox content. I, Speaking of uh, something that exists very well on mobile. Yes, Angry uh, Birds Trilogy, number yeah, 95. No. Uh, I, someone made a really good point, and I forget who, I apologize, but someone made a very good point that, like, this is kind of a one of the best ways to experience Angry Birds the way it started, you know? Because mm. if you were to try and download an Angry Birds game now... They're clotted up with ads. It's like all oh. kind of like level based and like, you know, it's it's a very different, more convoluted experience than it was. But this was a mobile gaming phenomenon for a reason. You know, it's it's a pretty intuitive, like physics based puzzle platforming game uh, that you know could be a pr potentially pretty good fit for the Wii U. I mean, it's a slingshot simulator. It's a slingshot simulator. Yeah, yeah. And it, it could be a pretty good fit for the Wii U, like with the touch controls and everything like that. Um, this one just didn't really do very much to justify its existence beyond, sure. you know, you, you know, it's, it, it, I think a lot of the, the issue here is that like at the time, this would have been you paying like 30 to $40 for a game that you would get for $2 on your phone. Right. Yeah. That's true. But I do, I do think that that argument is valid now. This is in the, the ever changing world of mobile game apps. This is, a mobile app that is frozen in time. Which so you can you appreciate are, because you, you never you, got to Angry Birds when it originally played, right? No, yeah. because I was such a late cell phone and smartphone adopter. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, you yeah. were still playing and, snake. No, yeah, yeah. I was all about that snake yeah. and making my calculator say boobs. <laughs> I'm still all about that. Do yeah. you know, if you do that, if, if you type in 85005, it says boobs. I, I yes, I, I know this. Yeah. I learned this a, a few months ago. Yeah. 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 Well, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. It's a big deal. <laughs> Uh, back to Lego territory with number 94, Lego Star Wars, The Force Awakens. I really don't have much to say about this one. It's it's mm. there. There has since been another Lego Star Wars game uh, that came out this year, just called the Skywalker Saga that uh, encapsulates every Star Wars like movie and into much better, more refined gameplay. And it kind of makes this irrelevant. Sure. Um, and yeah. I remember this. This felt even a little irrelevant when it came out. Like the first level for this is like I think takes place on Endor, yeah. the Endor Moon, and you're like, wait, I thought this was the Force Awakens. They um, they really needed to pad it out, similar to like Lego Hobbit. Like we only got two out of the three movies, and then we never got the third movie. You know, right. it never concluded. Uh, so this this one basically doesn't need to exist anymore. Number 93 is Lego Batman 3 Beyond Gotham. Now, this one I kind of appreciated because I I like cosmic uh, comic book stuff, like whether Marvel yeah. or DC does it. Like it, it, That's where they get into their weirdest, headiest ideas. And Lego Batman 3 is basically like Lego Green Lantern. Like, I really. See. Like, it's, it's mostly about, like, flying through space as the different members of the Lantern Corps, uh, which is fun to me. Um but it does have some of the same problems that Lego Batman 2 had, which is a lot of 
uh, needless character switching, and a lot of darkness. Yeah. So a better space game would be number 92, which is Angry Birds <laughs> Star Wars. Sure. Uh, evolving the Angry Birds format a little bit with a lot more like physics-based puzzles, uh, gravity-based. Um, you, you, you get to pull your little bird into different orbits. Um, you get to modify your characters with things like lightsabers and force powers and things like that. Uh, kind of, I think, the the pinnacle of the Angry Birds series for me were these right. Star Wars games. It, it gives it enough, like unlockable and enough personality to sort of have you keep playing aside from the addiction of just like flinging the little birds. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, coming in at number 91, a game I think is genuinely good, but not a good fit on the Wii U. Uh, sure. which we just talked about this is Assassin's Creed. I mean, to, oh, also yeah. to be, to, to be clear, I think we're now in the territory where I would describe all of these games as good yeah like yeah. I, I, these are, I don't these are think like we're soft being too goods. generous by saying good um not again not necessarily ones i would like seek out um but enough to be like yeah you can have some fun with this yeah 100 percent. and this this definitely fits into that it's assassin's creed 4 black flag uh a game that really ran with the naval combat mechanic that was introduced in assassin's creed 3 and kind of just built the whole game around it uh and it's it's you know, it's a fun concept. It's a fun world to play around in. It has much more engaging characters than Assassin's Creed 3. Uh, and a, a lot of, like, really fun, uh, like, sub-games existing with it. It's fun to just sail around the Caribbean and blast the shit of other ships. The biggest problem and why it's so low on this list is because it performs very poorly on the Wii U. You know, right. and that's... Sometimes that's a consideration we had to make, especially in this particular era of video games when everything is available everywhere um you know this the, there are better options to play assassin's creed 4 black flag and i would say seek it out just not here sure um next number 90 is the nes remix pack a game that i think at least to me exists this low on the list almost as a matter of disappointment and bitterness because this is actually um two games yeah. um nes remix one and two and this is just a f sort of an attempt by Nintendo to do something I was really, really excited about. And it, they Nintendo only kind of half commits to it. These are like little micro challenges, like, you know, the best the best games in um, those WarioWare games, the best levels were always the 8-bit yeah. ones, like the guy who throws back to your classic Nintendo games. Um, and like here, these are just kind of a bunch of little micro challenges made up of different nes games uh but do you feel like you just spend a lot of time on the menu yeah you really get to know that menu yeah yeah and the idea of having a remix where like one character might show up like a mario might show up in kirby's game or you're gonna select a, a mushroom in punch out or something like that doesn't just come up the most of these are just not goofy enough most of these are just like challenges of like land a punch on Glass Joe. Yeah. Um, whereas I just wish there was some more effort to kind of like create ROM hacks of these. Like this is a fun, neat thing, but it's kind of disappointing that this is all we got from uh, the NES Remix pack. Yeah, the, I, I had a big sense with this one of like, oh, wow, this is really fun. What else you got? And then yep. they just didn't have anything else. You know, it's like, oh, th this is just this continuously with just other Nintendo games. Like, oh, OK. All right. Well, you know, it's fine. 
Uh, this yeah, this is just be weirder with it. This was highlighted on uh, Video Game Apocalypse recently as one of the games that is stuck on the Wii U. This for some reason this was never put on Switch, and I don't see any reason in the world why that's the case, because this is yeah, not a it, Wii U intensive game at all. Yeah, and I mean for what it's worth though, you can play a version of this on the 3DS. Oh, that's true. Which is slightly less fully featured, but is still basically the same game. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's 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 kind of fun. I had a I had a decent enough time with it, but it's not anything. It's it's just it's it's junk food, you know. It's it's yeah. not really anything substantial. Same would go for number 89, Lego Jurassic World. Um don't have much to say about this except that uh, I think Jurassic World Dominion is probably my worst movie of the year. Okay. Yeah. It's extremely bad, and uh, it makes me very sad because original Jurassic Park is an, a, a, a pinnacle movie-going moment in my life. Like, I saw it when I was 10 years old, and basically I became obsessed with dinosaurs for the rest of that year, and I've become mm. obsessed with that movie. I read every book. I read, you know, I, I was waiting with bated breath for the VHS to come out, and then everything else that the series has done since then has been a disappointment. Uh, so, um, aging. It sucks. Don't do it. <laughs> Number 88, something that will help you fight off that aging. Yep. Zumba Fitness World Party. Uh, you know, we we had some fun with the fitness games on this show. Um, yeah, I was surprised. Yeah. And this one, this one isn't a lot different than just watching a YouTube video. No, that's um, the big thing. Like, there's no real gameplay here. But like the dance, the dances and videos and music are all very energetic and catchy and like sort of pull you in. I mean, Zumba is basically just dancing for fitness. Yeah. Um, but like they really have a diverse selection of music and in some like it feels weird that the game doesn't judge you that much. But like it moves very fast. Like so, I I felt fine. I'm probably glad the game didn't judge me because I'm not going to look nearly as good as all these beautiful toned people dancing <laughs> salsa. Um, but it, it was fun and, that like each uh, th there were different sections of the world and they were trying to teach you like dances from like India or Spain or, or yeah. the Caribbean, you know, di different regional dances, which is something that you're not really getting in, uh, in, in something like just dance, for example. Yeah. I think, I think for <clears> these type of games, like, the presentation really goes a long way. Like this is similar to like the karaoke games. Like when you just sort of, it kind of makes you feel a little bit like you are stylish and cool. Um, makes you want to keep playing. Yeah. But, but like you said, not a whole lot of difference between this and like a DVD of the same title, you know, like right. it, yeah, it's, it's about the same experience. Uh, number 87, uh, a game I, I keep meaning to circle back around on on a different platform because I think sure. we both saw we both saw the potential for a fun game in this, but the Wii U was just really groaning underneath the, the, this, the, the effort to try and put this out. This is called Transformers Rise of the Dark Spark. Uh, really, this was a first-person shooter, right? It's it's a third-person shooter, yeah. But okay. uh, really, I th I think the big narrative that everyone should take away from the Wii U is the uh, the the reclamation and the redemption of the Transformers franchise uh, over <laughs> the N sixty four, where Transformers oh, sure. Transmetals Beast Wars was one of the worst <laughs> games on the entire platform, and uh, Wii U had two Transformers games that were both kind of good, and this is one of them. Uh, we, this is, I think the second in a trilogy that of, of kind of like 
triple A, like high gloss, high production value action games that came out on the PS3 and the 360. And the Wii version just isn't keeping up. Right. A lot, a lot of, a lot of slowdown. And, um, but I, I do remember like, if you are into the Transformers brand, like it's kind of cool to know that there's a, a fairly decent video game out there for you. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I do like one of these days I'm gonna remember when I'm in a game store or something I'm gonna find a copy of like War on Cybertron or something and pick this up because I saw the potential here. I think this could be fun if it was just running a little smoother. Yeah. Uh, number eighty six, far and away the best Dane Cook game on the system. I think uh, <laughs> even better than Dan in real life. The game where the game sure. where you flop onto pancakes. Uh, <laughs> this is Disney's Planes. Um, we I think we were both a little uh, taken aback by the quality of this one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Kind of a. Uh, it's a flight simulator, obviously, but mission based, similar to something like uh, like Crimson Skies or something like that. Um, it looks quite nice. It controls very intuitively, and uh, I, I had a decent time playing this one. Yeah, some of them. This, this game, had, I believe, I remember has co-op missions. I remember like flying around to uh, paint for the Diwali festival. Oh yeah, that was fun. Uh, to paint a palace, which was just kind of a cool, creative mission. And like, yeah, I think a flight sim game sort of lives and dies by being inviting and having good presentation. Um, and making that environment um, joyful to fly around in. And like that, this game definitely succeeds in that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, kind of a, a, a soft recommend on that one. Like if you're, if you're looking for a bargain basement kind of kids game uh, yeah. based on a, uh, again, a film print franchise, I could not care less about uh, <laughs> Disney planes. Not bad. Uh, number 84 and 85. I'll lump these together because it's Lego, the Avengers and Lego Marvel superheroes, both games sure. that fill kind of similar slots. The difference here being Lego, the Avengers is based on the Avengers movies while Lego Marvel superheroes is just kind of Marvel in general. And it has an original story. Um, I enjoy the Marvel superhero Lego games a lot uh, because you, you know, it, huge open New York and you get to play a, just a massive variety of Marvel characters, um, everything from, you know, Captain America to Fin Fang Foom. You know, you can you can go really <laughs> obscure with it, which is a lot of fun. Yep. And uh, I remember really enjoying just like taking to the skies as like Iron Man and getting a little boost where you're flying over Central Park. Like there's some fun stuff here. The Avengers version is a little more story based and uh, uh, strict in what you're doing. So I think superheroes gets the edge. But uh, sure. these are these are these are top uh, upper tier Marvel games for me. Okay. Or uh, Lego, Lego games. games. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, number 83, the game that taught us how many balls Hitler has. Uh, <laughs> Sniper Elite V2. Um, th th this was more, this was a fun one to research and to uh, uh, kind of write about. I had a good time looking into this. I, I had a little higher hopes for this game because I enjoy sniper games as a rule. Like, sure. It, it's just kind of a, a fun concept and i'm pretty good with the sniper rifle in these games um this one is set during world war ii and lets you can like you know take out really graphic and specific assassinations um you know the, it'll go into bullet time and show the bullet entering the person's head and i had a, a easier time with not that happening to nazis than i did with that happening to deer sure. um <laughs> But th th this one was pretty entertaining. Uh, yeah, I mean, this game, you know, comparable to that hunting game, like you said, um, I, I do think 
works well and has a lot of sort of exciting moments. You get like traps that you can set and a nice variety of inventory items and a well done story. Like this is a pretty fully featured game. Um, and similar to a lot of stealth games has some real moments of frustration, yeah. but a lot of neat things going on for it too. Yeah, no, it has, it has a lot of good. I kind of want to go back and uh, revisit this a little bit and, and spend a little time because yeah, it's it, a fun concept and you get to shoot Hitler in the balls. Sure. Uh, number 82, uh, a horrible name for uh, a pretty fun game. Lego, the Lego movie video game. That's the yeah. official title on the side of the box. Obviously, this is the uh, giving the Lego movie, the Lego game treatment. Right. And what and I, I like I like this one the most because it, you know, actually sort of has its own narrative. It does. Like it, and this is the only this is the only thing based on the game, which sort of draws from lots of different other Lego sources. So you can still unlock other superheroes and characters like that. Yeah. And it just, this is also, I remember the best looking of the Lego games. Yeah. This like, is the one was, that like, it was very bright. Yeah. All of the other Lego games will have Lego elements in an otherwise kind of normal environment. This is the yeah. only one that's built entirely out of Lego elements, which I think gives it, you know, just like in the movie, and I think that gives it an essential level of personality that I think puts it over the top. Number 81, Wheel of Wheel Fortune! Wheel of Fortune! Yeah, not a whole lot to say about Wheel of Fortune. We played Wheel of Fortune game on the N64, and it's pretty similar. Like, not a lot changed. It is still the less enjoyable of the, the diptych that is uh, Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy. Yeah. yeah. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah. Um, I, I can't remember. Were you able to type in your answers on this via the gamepad? I think so. Yeah, I believe so. And I think you could do the spinning on the gamepad as well, which is, you know, kind of all you really need, right? Sure. Yeah. Yep. Uh, number 80, coming in a damn side higher than the other game in the series we talked about, was Hyrule Warriors. Um, this is the game that adapted the Warriors format to Zelda. Um, with with much more polished and enjoyable results, I think. Yes, this game is leagues better than Orochi Three Hyper or whatever it's called. Yeah, just just to demonstrate that we're not just like hating on the series. Like there was a lot to recommend with this one. I think overall, this game is still kind of crippled by a terrible mini map, by uh, repetitive gameplay, and just by kind of a, a general sense of tedium. You know, I think you said yeah, you're you're basically just gonna wear your Y button into a nub. Mm -hmm. Uh, right. And and even though the Zelda branding like gives it, I think, Nintendo's push and a real improvement in terms of overall quality, in some ways, the Zelda branding also kind of hurts it because it makes me want to hold it to a higher standard. Yeah, yeah. And this is just not really up to par with uh, what you want from a it, Zelda. It's game. a game that like... It, it has the skin of Zelda, but it doesn't really feel like it gets the vibe, you know? Like... Zelda is not about hacking through crowds of people. Like, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's about thinking it's about exploring. It's, it's not really about mass murder, you yeah. know, a game that is about mass murder, uh, <laughs> number 79, a game I kind of wish I had put higher because yeah, it's, actually me, me it's, too. It, I think you and I are both on the same page. It's here. grown a lot in my estimation. And this is Snoopy's grand adventure, kind of a pleasant little surprise, like a, a fun little platformer with a really cute art style based off of the peanuts movie. Uh, you know, this, this felt like a throwback to the SNES days, but in like the best way, 
You yes. know, like sometimes you could say that as a as a knock because back in the old days, like hey, if you wanted to adapt a movie into a video game, you just make it a belt scroller and call it a day. And uh, but this this has a little bit more energy, a little bit more innovation to it, and it's not following the plot of the movie like one to one. It's doing its own yeah. thing, just in the style of the movie. I mean, this is just this isn't a terribly ambitious game. You just play as Snoopy in a two D platformer world, but like the levels are very big, and there's lots of secrets and like pickups to find, and it has like there's a little bit of challenge here, not in the way that actually feels hard, but it does feel like there's sort of stuff to explore and you're not just on rails. Yeah. It, it is one of the few, like of these licensed games that I kind of wanted to go back and keep playing after, uh, we talked about it on the show. And yeah, I might still to- do it. Totally with yeah, you. Yeah. Yeah. Kind yep. of a pleasant little surprise. Number 78, uh, Skylanders, um, a, a phenomenon, but anyway, you slice it. it this, this basically, invented and kind of perfected a, a little subgenre of video games uh, that is now gone. Like, a, this was a, the definition of a flash in the pan, but they made a shitload of money off of these. Um, <laughs> I, I feel, you know, uh, I feel a little unfair lumping all of these Skylanders games together because some sure. of them are pretty different. Uh, it does have the frustrating thing where some of them require specific figures, some of them require specific, like, uh, portals. portals, which yeah, that felt pretty dirty. And so I think there was one of these games, like full confession, that we didn't actually get to because it didn't. Right, I think you're the right. The game worked, but we didn't have any of the figures for it, and so we just couldn't play. Uh, and and that's I think probably why it ended up even this low. I, I, I really love the concept of these toys to life games, um, but it is so blatantly a cash grab. Uh, and, and uh, you know, but and once you if you're not like in the toy world, if you're not excited about getting the next toy, the only thing you're left with is a functional 3D platform. Yeah. Like none of these games are bad, but I wouldn't say that any of them are really worth playing in their own right if you're not excited about the toy. And I feel like compared to the the other Toys to Life game that we still have to talk about in this list, like. This one puts up a lot more barriers um, that, that'll kind of stop you from fully enjoying the entire experience. Whereas uh, some of the others are, you can you can explore them. You're like, maybe you'll get more out of them with more figures, but you can still play the full game. I think this one puts right. up a lot of roadblocks. Number 77, uh, one of the most successful games of all time, uh, Terraria. <laughs> yeah, Terraria, sure. a... It's 2D Minecraft. That's uh that's the simple log line and that's what it is and that's what you get. Um yep. we we both struggle with Minecraft and with Terraria as concepts. We'll get to Minecraft a little later on, but uh these are games that are just so epically huge for everyone that isn't us. Sure. Uh, like yeah. they, they they're so impactful, they're so influential, but if you're not drinking the kool-aid then you're not really going to get on board well and if you don't have someone like if you don't have someone to take you by the shoulder and be like oh let me show you how to play terraria first you you build this and then you build your house and then you craft like to figure all this stuff out on your own is so hard it really is i feel like that's part of what has you know kept minecraft going so long is you really do kind of need to watch those youtube videos or have that community of people who sort of help you along and help you understand 
the intricacies of the game. Um, and yeah, Terraria is definitely not, not very user-friendly, um, even though I was charmed by the uh, retro graphics. And it's, again, one of those examples, like, I, I would enjoy watching a video of the world that somebody created in Terraria more than I would enjoy playing Terraria. Like, I, yeah. I think people can do some pretty incredible creative stuff with the tools that they're given here. It just didn't quite click with me. And I think that's very, very true of number 76. I think maybe the game we flailed around with the most. I think this is the game sure. that we we both individually struggled with the most. And that's Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate. Uh, Monster Hunter, a, I've said it before, it's a massive series, and it's one that I feel like I should like more. And right. I, I really have put in the effort multiple times to really kind of make it click. And I think that they just overcomplicate it to such a ridiculous degree that it makes it so uh, foreboding. And and this is the closest I've ever come to really getting into a Monster Hunter game. Like, I think this is a quality edition of Monster Hunter. I think there's a lot to like here, but I really struggled with it. Yeah, I think actually all three of these last games that we've talked about, Skylanders, Terraria, and Monster Hunter 3, have the same mentality, which is you're either in or you're out. Yeah. Like, if you're in of the world of Skylanders and you're buying the toys, you're going to love it. If you understand how all the systems work in Terraria, you're going to have a great time. If you're in on the Monster Hunter 3 world, you're going to have a great time. But, like, if the systems just aren't clicking, you're not going to find a lot to enjoy here. Yeah. Like, it's the same, like a Snoopy's game, you're probably going to have a pretty good time with it, um, regardless of how emotionally invested you are. Whereas, like, these Monster Hunter games you really got to push in deep to sort of understand the mechanics and make them happen. You have to make like a real world commitment to it that I think is just a little beyond uh, what we wanted to do. And I think that's why we wrestled with it so much because it's clear that there's, uh, there, it's clear that there's quality here. It's clear that like, I understand why people get so into it. It, it just never has quite grabbed me. In, in... But, and the other takeaway we had, um, I remember we, we talked to Garrett. He was a very good guest for this yes. episode is that if you're going to get into monster hunter, you probably want to do it in one of the more recent games because they made more, more concessions to usability, more concessions to intuitiveness. Um, and so monster hunter three is probably not the place to start. Like monster hunter world at this point would kind of eat it. It, it probably will. But there are still like a vocal contingent of fans who call monster hunter three, the best that the series had to offer, you know? So that's, sure. it's, it's worth mentioning at the very least, but yeah, I never quite reconciled my feelings around monster hunter, but, uh, I, I appreciate it's a thing that exists. Uh, I'm going to lump the next two together, number 75 sure. and 74. This is The Amazing Spider-Man and The Amazing Spider-Man 2, uh, a couple of Activision games based on the Andrew Garfield uh, uh, Spider-Man films that mm -hmm. were, were both pretty solid. Like, it's it's kind of hard to mess up Spider-Man in video games, to be honest. Like, most of the Spider-Man games I've played, yeah, I've enjoyed to a certain degree. He's had a, he's had a pretty good batting average. Yeah, yeah, and, and these, are, these are fine. I think... The things that we struggled with with these two were the extremely lengthy opening sequences where we're just kind of being led by the hand, you yeah. know, and uh, we just kind of want to get to the web slinging. And, uh, but once we get to the web slinging, that feels pretty good. Yeah, no, I remember these games feeling nice and polished and fun. And I, the other thing I remember is 
they felt not that far away from the Insomniac game that everyone creamed their pants for. Yes, I'm, like, I'm continually we, creaming my pants. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great game. Yeah. But you're like, oh, wow, a lot of the sort of uh, web foundation are in these uh, Amazing Spider-Man games. Absolutely. And they're not far off, aside from like the scope of the world is obviously a lot smaller. Yeah, and just the, the layer of polish that the Insomniac games added to this concept. But yeah, you can definitely see the bones here. And again, it's it's uh, it's worth noting how completely ridiculously good Andrew Garfield was in that newest Spider-Man movie when he did not need to be that good. Like he <laughs> brought the heat in that movie for for uh, a, a rendition of the character that nobody really liked, but sure. he's like weirdly the best performance in that new movie and uh, brings a lot of pathos to it and kind of redeems these two movies to a certain degree. Sure. The next uh, next one I'm going to talk about Please. here uh, it will be ever forever known as the Wii U's Mace the Dark Age. <laughs> That's uh, number 73, uh, Devil's Third. For those wondering where that, that would end I up. I yeah. 47 spots higher on my list than you did. This is very much a personal choice, um, a game that is very sort of edgelordy, branded, um, run around and slash dudes in a way that feels pretty tasteless and dated yes. even even when it came out um but i do think that it is still a fun action game with a lot of sort of goofy over-the-top energy it's certainly you know not worth the value of the disc no um no it, it's it's worth you, noting we are in the top 50 percent of the list at this point so and sure. devil's third has a reputation of like bottom of the barrel Wii U game and it's really not that like it is yeah. it is a flawed weird swing of a game uh that doesn't really work but there's a lot to recommend here yeah exactly I think there's a lot of other games you would play instead of this but I just kind of like Itagaki's brand of stupid um and this game delivers on that even though um I think it's you know worse than a few of the other games that we've already talked about. It is. But, um, they're still fun to be had. But I, I appreciate uh, the amount of money I made off of selling my copy. So I, <laughs> Perfect. I, I really, I'll, I'll yep. be fond of it for that, if for nothing yep. else. Uh, 72 and 71 will link uh, lump together. That's Scribblenauts Unlimited and Scribblenauts Unmasked. Again, falling into the category of games that like I wish I loved more because I love, love, love the idea behind these games so much. Yep. The, the ability to just type in any noun and have it materialize in the game for you to like mess around with is, is such a fun and cool idea. Like I was really on board when the original DS game came out and then I got to play it a little bit and I'm just like, you know, okay, like, yeah, you, you can do these things, but like it, it all feels pretty loose and feels pretty sloppy and I just don't like the art style. Like yeah, and I mean the art style kind of has to be that way because it has to be something that they can easily render almost whatever you summon. Totally. But yeah, you're you're right. Definitely a games that exist more in the fun to think about and kind of fun to mess around with sphere than actual like I'm gonna spend a ton of time playing. This. I think I fell into the trap of realizing that like you could solve most issues in any game with a, a jetpack. You know, yeah. so it, it becomes more of an, uh, an exercise of challenging yourself to think of new things to conjure. Besides jetpacks. I should say, like, I mean, that, that's really what life is, an exercise in thinking of new things besides jetpacks. And I fail at that constantly. It's one of my greatest yep. failings as an adult. 
Uh, 71 was uh, unmasked, and that gets kind of a slight edge. That's a branded one that brings in, like, DC characters. So I think that got the slight edge for me because I'm a nerd, and uh, I enjoy being able to bring, like, uh, Mr. Mixel Picklick into sure. the world of Scribble Knots. You, you, you got to figure out how to spell Yeah, you got to Google is... the spelling, but uh, once you settle on that, then you're going to have a grand old time. Um, um, and I want to take take a little moment yeah. here as well i think we've i think we've again crossed another threshold yes of uh the games that you know games i would play and i would consider okay as kind of what we just talked about um and these are then these next games i think we're getting into the realm of recommend yeah i think so at um, least the soft recommends yeah yeah games that i'm like yeah this game is a good game period and you'll probably have a good time Playing. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Uh, I, I think yeah. nothing encapsulates the the beginning of that new phase of this list than Deus Ex: Human Revolution, um, an undeniably impressive game with a lot of cool ideas that I think I just need a lot more time to dig into. Right. Sometimes we would bump into these like on with the format of our show where uh, you know we're we're only playing these games for a little bit at a time because you know we're you know working adults with uh, lives and everything like that. And we can't fully invest the amount of time that we want into all of these games. But I was very impressed with everything this game was putting down. Um, and I think it uses the Wii U in more creative ways than a lot of other games on this list. Yeah. Um, but we are also jumping in on the third entry of a long running and famously kind of convoluted series. And, uh, you need a little bit of background to get into it. And uh, I, I think I just didn't really necessarily have that background. Like I, this definitely entered into the realm of like, I want to play more of this. Yeah. And, and Deus Ex is in kind of a tricky spot of having its lunch a little bit eaten by Bioshock. It did, and yeah. by that, by that series, because that's a series that does a lot of similar things, but in a much more immediately gratifying way where Deus Ex sort of asks you to handle things in a much more cerebral way. It did, which, which I, I really do appreciate. I, I think, um, had I gotten to this game when it first came out, I would have been all in. Um, and I think my, my tastes have just changed a little bit in the intervening years, but yep. yeah, a lot to recommend here. Number 69. Nice. Uh, I think the second biggest disparity in our uh, rankings with 64 sure, but spots, I, I, but yeah. I, I don't think driven by any real difference of opinion about the game. It's just by me generally being a dick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you being an American xenophobe. Yeah, basically uh, this is FIFA 13, uh, a soccer game. One of the few sports games we actually got to get to. And technically this is the lowest ranking of the, proper sports sims that we played but sure. this is a game that uh offers a lot if you are really into f soccer or football as they call it everywhere else footy, uh, footy. Yep. yes yes i know there was recently a big uh, uh football game of some sort that uh yep. argentina sure won was. yes yep. yeah spoiler alert Spo for a thing that happened excuse me a week i'm ago. so sorry i'm so sorry <laughs> yeah uh, again, another game that used a lot of very innovative Wii U features that we don't see anywhere else. Um, lots mm -hmm. of team management, lots of very specific uh, micromanagement details. Yeah, you you could kind of set, there was sort of a management mode in this where you could like draw your player routes as like they're on the field yeah. and sort of draw up plays, which is not something that you you'd sort of, 
you know, that's something you might see more in an American football game. And so it was kind of cool to see that level of customization in a soccer game. Yeah. And, um, and I think you could it, probably speak to this more because, like, I, I think I just have such an inherent dislike of sports games that, like, even sure. if I can acknowledge the uh, the merits that a game might have, I'm just not personally on board with it. Right. And I think that's going to be true. Like, I, I imagine every sports game that we pull that we're going to talk about from here, I ranked higher than you. Yeah, did. I made it my point to, like, try and drag those shits down, you know, but but there was some <laughs> that I could even like I had to acknowledge the quality. Yeah, and this and this one was a good a good soccer game, and if that's like if you have a Wii U and you want to play a soccer game, it's also your only choice on the console. Yeah, hundred so. percent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now we're entering into the territory of games that I liked a lot more than you did. This one yeah. is I ranked forty one points higher than you did, and it's Xenoblade Chronicles X, another game that is uh, trapped on the Wii U. Um, there is no uh, yep. port of this one, uh, and it is distinct from the Xenoblade Chronicles series. Like it has a very yeah, different another, vibe. another um, game that is fitting on the Wii U in the sense that its naming convention is very confusing. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it. Um, yeah, this is its own unique game um, that came out after the first Xenoblade Chronicles, but I think before the second yes. one. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's basically Xenoblade two point five or one point five kind of yeah except it takes place in a whole different world this one's very sci-fi mech themed as opposed to sort of fantasy creature themed and this one really i think the main reason um i ranked this so much lower than you is this one really takes a long time to get started um like all the xenoblade games it kind of has a weird middle ground between being an mmo and being a traditional jrpg yeah um there's a lot of kind of side missions of just sort of go out and defeat these monsters um but they're and also similar to monster hunter a lot of sort of monsters that you can just choose to ignore yeah um which, and, and, which yeah. a, a fun I, mechanic I, and i i i appreciated the designs i liked the characters i i was drawn in by the overall story of it um and i yeah. i was intrigued and wanted to play a little more and then just because you know life and the show and everything gets in the way. Like I couldn't really continue playing the game, but like, I think this is one I I want to come back to. And I think that was the main difference is I found the world to be feel pretty sterile for whatever reason, like sci-fi games. I always have trouble because it feels like you're wandering through a lot of clear hallways with automatic doors. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just not a world I was particularly engaged with, but this, this similar to like, you know, Monster Hunter. If if you're in, you're going to find a ton of gameplay. Yeah, here. 100%. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll probably dig back into it at some point. Number 67, uh, Pokin Tournament. Uh, horrible title. I got to say, horrible title because yep. it's just, it's confusing. And it's also misrepresenting what this is, which is a Pokemon fighting game. Uh, yeah. Which... I if I think if they'd stuck to more of a traditional just like 2D fighting game style, I would have liked this game a lot more. Yeah, they they did some kind of weird stuff with like area of effect and like and and range and like you'll switch perspectives depending on which attack you're using. It it got a little bit too in the soup for me. Yeah, it's kind of halfway between Tekken and being a turn-based Pokemon battle, which you know I guess makes sense based on its name. Um, but like the designs of the Pokemon that you can choose from are really fun. There's a diverse selection of ones and you can fight as the chandelier Pokemon, which is pretty cool in this. And, um, 
yeah, it, it, it's cool to see all these Pokemon rendered in 3D in this different gameplay style, but one that is, you know, I think is conducive to our format of this of this podcast mm-hmm. because it's fun to play for like an hour yeah. with another person, but uh, won't give you a ton past that. No, this isn't something you're going to, ironically, for a tournament being in its name, this is not one you're going to break out of tournaments. Uh, this is not yeah. one I think a lot of people are going to invest the time to get really good at. But a novel concept, one I would like to see expanded upon. Yep. Uh, 66, one of my favorite titles to say, Codblops 2. Thank you for introducing <laughs> me to that acronym. Yep. Call of Another Duty thing Black that you've Ops learned. 2. Yep. Uh, you know, the Call of Duty games are kind of, you know, it doesn't need a couple of knuckleheads like us talking about it because it's it's conquered they the got, world. They got, pl- they got plenty of knuckleheads to talk so about. So many it. knuckleheads. There's a whole knucklehead yep. server, like, just for the knuckleheads. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's uh, Call of Duty games are kind of unimpeachable to a certain point. They're sort of bulletproof, ironically, <laughs> for all the bullets that are flying around. <laughs> Because these are always going to be huge. They're always going to be of a certain level of quality. Whether this is your type of game or not, just your your mileage may vary. I think we, yeah. you know, by the placement of the list, you could see that we're both like, yeah, this is fine. You know? Yeah, you run around, um, you die very quickly. Yeah. And uh, but it, it, it keeps moving. I don't like they're exciting games, and uh, I I can't I can't fault that. Like none of the online services of this, you know, work anymore. Um, though you know i'm sure that's probably pretty true for the ps3 versions are probably pretty dead online yeah. too i was um, i was left a little adrift because i haven't played uh cod blops one um sure. so i wasn't entirely sure what was going on but also i want to point I think out you just that, like, wanted an excuse to play to say cod blops oh again. yeah i also like that like i just kind of realized both of us frequently will say uh our, our first descriptor of any game is you run around like yeah. we we always describe games that way. Both of us do that, and it's accurate every time. We <laughs> yeah, run around. Perfect. And it's going to be accurate to this next game. Uh, um, something that which, might be a little controversial for its placement here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I, you know, I'm much like Devil's Third, I'm going to take blame for that being high. I'm going to take blame for this being a little low. Um, a choice that I've had to sit with for a long time, and maybe regret to some extent, but not. Not too I, much. I think I'm actually um, coming more around your side of things. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, the game is Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess HD yes. at number 65. Uh, in an undeniably good looking game. Uh, and, and it's, it's a, a, you know, a Zelda game is always going to be of a certain level of quality. And like this right. is. Right. And, and I, I want to say that again yeah. is like, even though this is showing at number 65, like this is a Zelda game. It's better than a lot of the games that we're going to still list yeah. um but it is a zelda game and like it is held to a higher standard and i'm not sure that this game hits that because this game i think is and and i i've been happy to get like some validation on this from like other podcast hosts and other guests that we've talked to who it's like this this is kind of the end point of this style of zelda you know this is kind mm-hmm. of where people are starting to realize okay like this formula maybe needs a reinvention you know, maybe maybe it's taking a little bit too long to get to the meat of the game. You know, maybe we're uh, burying a lot of the charm of this game under like a layer of grime in an effort to make it seem a little more gritty and a little more adult. Maybe we're giving a lot of sort of weapons <clears throat> and gameplay mechanics in the last, you know, 
10 hours of a 40 hour game where these things maybe could show up a little. Yeah. It's, it's kind of revealing some of the pacing issues that the series has been accruing, you know, which I think will be, uh, they'll reach their lowest point with skyward sword, which is the game that comes right after this in the series. But, uh, uh, you know, it's uh, Twilight Princess is never going to be considered a bad game. Um, but, but right. I think I am coming more around to your points, which is this, like, I need this thing to start moving a little bit. You know, I, I need to, I need to feel like I've got some forward momentum and then I'm not just like watching silent cutscenes playing out for an hour and a half, you know? Yeah. And not just sort of having to be a wolf and hunt for like constant pickups. Yeah. There's just, there's a lot of sort of roadblocks in the way of what you really want from a Zelda game. A game with much fewer roadblocks. Number yeah, because well, you're gonna knock, you're gonna drive fast and knock them out of the way. Drive right through them. Number sixty-four. Need for Speed Most Wanted. You, uh, a, a game I think that is kind of. I think we talked about this in the show, but it is kind of picking up the burnout mantle. You yep. know, because burnout had been absorbed into EA at this point, and so the Need for Speed and Burnout series were sort of becoming one and the same. Which is which I don't have a problem no. with. I wish they had made that clearer. Because Need for Speed was always a franchise I had no interest in. Yeah. And so when I we played this game for the episode, I'm like, wow, this is where Burnout went. Un- unfortunately, um, this is most akin to Burnout Paradise, a game that irritates me because it's very hard to drive fast and look at a mini-map at the same time. Yeah, it's an, it's an open-world um, racer, which is uh, kind of a hard needle to thread. Uh, yeah, and I, and I, I think this game is very... Uh, capably made i think it, it looks well yep. it performs well on the wii u um and i i had a decent time with the the time i spent with it but it didn't grab me the same way like a burnout would yeah yep, agreed uh next uh, we have a little ghost double feature Ooh, yeah, here um call of duty ghosts is next on the list that's um, the one with the dog I, that's the one with the dog and i think there's a uh this kind of has a story mode of like you're living in your home and then, you know, you get bombed out and I don't, it's like, an there's an invasion of America, right? Is that what's going on in this game? I honestly could not tell you. Uh, these, sure. I, again, those two games. True, true to all of the Call of Duty, you'll run around one, and you shoot one of, one of the frustrating parts about the Call of Duty series is how they, they've really sidelined the story mode. You know, like I, I think mm. Modern Warfare and Modern Warfare 2 have actually excellent like single player story modes with like compelling plots and characters and things like that. And I think those have become less and less of a priority as the multiplayer scene is just like really blown up. Um, and I think this is kind of a byproduct of that era. Sure. But it has a dog. I like sure. dogs. Uh, next in our dub- ghost double feature is Pac-Man and the Ghostly Adventures, a game I'm honestly surprised to see this high on the list. Yeah. Um, because it, it is, it, to me, sort of should be right next to the Phineas and Ferb game in terms of kind of this is your minimum. Yeah. Like this is um, this is a 3D platformer where you play as Pac-Man and you. I was about to say you run around. You do. And again, you do. You very you much do around. in this game. And, and uh, you jump on things and chomp, and it's all very functional and just a little bit boring. It is, yeah. It's another kind of ratchet and clank alike, um, which is fine. Like you know, again, it's if you're gonna rip something off, that's a good one to rip off. Uh, but this one felt pretty, um, pretty vacant, and it gets overshadowed significantly by its sequel. 
Yeah, so that one that one snuck in. So if it makes you feel any better, uh, move that one up and put Zelda in its. Yeah, I don't or know. swap it with Snoopy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, there, there you go. go. Perfect. Number sixty-one, Zombie U, uh, a game that I think has more clever ideas uh, for the use of the gamepad than any other game on the system. Like I'm going to throw that yeah. out there. Sure. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I would go to bat for uh, the WarioWare game. Oh yeah, no, that's but that's a good contender as well. But there's a, there's a lot of stuff to recommend with Zombie U. I think the ultimate problem with it was that I found the the gameplay in the world kind of boring. Um, yep. You know, it, it, it's it, it, it keeps it keeps putting you in the position to just kind of die over and over again. You know, this has the fun mechanic of like if you die then your character becomes a zombie and you adopt a new character and you can go hunt your old character down and take their items back. Fun idea. Lots of fun uses of the gamepad here. Um, and it, this is one of the few games that is built from the ground up to be a Wii U game. Yeah, they got the U right in the They got title. it right there, whether whether it makes sense grammatically or not. Uh, it's right <laughs> there. It's There's no spaces in between zombie and you. I, I, definitely a game I wanted to love more than I did, but I did end up respecting it a lot. Yeah, definitely a game that exists higher in like the imagination than it does in the act of play. One hundred percent. I'm glad I I'm glad I played it. I'm glad they made it. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily want to go back. One one place I would be happy to go Ooh, back boy. to is uh is to get funky. I want to go funky. Get fun- yeah, get funky in the Funky Barn. Um, <laughs> a game we both we both had a lot of fondness for. Uh, Funky Barn. I remember we played it because uh, some other disc just didn't work, and we're like, "All right, let's play Funky." Yeah, Barn. we just picked one um, off the shelf. We zero research, zero preparation, and we're just like, "You know what? Funky Barn kind of fucks. It's great." Yeah, <laughs> this is uh, this is kind of a farming a farming management sim. Um, it's kind of like a real time strategy game with no like no threat of getting Zerg rush. Yeah, um, it, it's just sort of you. Uh, you, you know, you harvest apples and then you use the money from apples to like make a, to clear out a new area of a field yeah. where you can put some sheep and then you may buy an automatic sheep shearer. Like it just has a very satisfying loop. It's, it's really, uh, it's kind of just one or two steps up from a mobile game and it's simplicity. Like there's not a whole lot here, but for a very uh, uh, budget minded game called funky barn, like this kind of surpassed a lot of expectations and I put in, yeah, I put in more time on funky barn than I'm, I'm willing to admit. Nice. No, that's good to hear. And it work it works well on the game pad. Like that's a very conducive that I think you still have to play it on the TV, but like it, you can sort of manage well on the game pad. And I remember there were a couple other modes for this where like you would start with a farm that was farther along yeah, and then you would have to manage it too. I don't, yeah, it was, it was a very pleasant surprise yeah, for both of us. I had a good time playing that one. And number 59, uh, a game I think surprisingly we would both consider the pinnacle of the series that we played on this show, right? Yeah, that we played on the show. Yes, and, I agree. Definitely better than the N64. A, a, uh, a huge successful series that we've always had a conflicted relationship with. Number 59 is Mario Party 10. Uh, which mm-hmm. again, a game that made very good use of the Wii U gamepad. Like the thing that you could really say about the Wii U, and it's something I wish they had used more often, is that this is one of the best consoles ever made for asymmetrical multiplayer. Yes, and Mario Party Ten really embraces that. There are a lot of modes where you're playing as like one player is Bowser on the gamepad, and you can like fuck with all the other players playing on the TV. 
And that's just a really fun and inventive way to play Mario Party. Like, despite bringing back some of the things that people didn't like, like everybody traveling in the same car, I think it does streamline a lot of the gameplay annoyances of the other Mario Party games. Yeah, I mean, I do feel like the Wii U is probably the best console of minigame collections. Oh, 100%. Like, if you really love minigame collections, A, you're a weird person. Yes. And B, the Wii U may be the console for yeah. you. And Mario Party 10 um, is pretty satisfying in that regard. Yeah, yeah. Very, very enjoyable. I mean, another game that has kind of a reputation of being one of the lesser of the series, but we, we both found it pretty fun. Yep. Number 58 is Your Shape Fitness Evolved 2013. Um, of the fitness games we played, this is the one that is most like straight down the line, uh, a, uh, kind of a, a tracking simulator. Like it's, okay. uh, th- this is the one that's taking the fitness angle most seriously, I guess I would say. Like it's yep. it's the, the least gamey one, but it is also possibly the one that is going to be most effective to getting you in shape if that's what you're actually playing these games for. Yeah, there's a lot of the ability to kind of customize workouts and really, I think you could like really set a specific area. If you're like, all right, I want to do a lot of cardio or I want stuff that will work my shoulders and then it will only pick exercises conducive to that part. Yeah, not a lot of bells and whistles on this one, uh, but it is, it's, it's one of the few that feels more like a tool than a game. But it's a good tool. Like it's a good, it's a yep. good, well-designed tool. Uh, this one I think is the biggest disparity in my favor of the games that like I ranked significantly higher than you. I ranked this one sixty-two sure. spots higher than you, and that's Minecraft Story Mode. Uh, uh-huh. This is the Telltale Games uh, version that's set in the Minecraft world. I believe uh, Patton Oswalt is playing the lead character. Um, yep. You know, a lot of charm, a lot of fun here, and I, I don't remember where the disparity came from except otherwise other than just like minecraft wasn't really vibing with you in particular yeah i mean i i think that i think you just hit the nail on the head much much the same way you rated the fifa game significantly yeah. lower than i did like i just the the world of minecraft is not intrinsically interesting to me and like this is a a story-based game that takes place in minecraft so like graphically it's a little rough like i know that's the style but that's not necessarily a world i want to spend a lot of time in but it is still a funny game um and this one i believe as we discussed one of the few video games you could just play on Netflix. yes the entire thing available on netflix as a show and you can play it interactively that way so that's one way to do it like i think my my tolerance for these Telltale games has kind of dipped over the years. I was a big fan, sure. like starting with the uh, Walking Dead game and like the the Tales from the Borderlands, things like that. But then uh, this is definitely on the lower end of that spectrum for me. But I still had a pretty good time with this one. Yep. Number fifty six, the the flagship game of the Wii U, the the one they were hoping would be kind of the early killer app, Nintendo Land. Uh, a, a a game I respect this is our very first wii u episode uh i I respect what they're doing i like that they this is basically just like a amusement park built around the wii u features using a lot of nintendo brands you know which yes and a lot of these little mini games that they're giving you are quite fun uh yep but it also this never became like the multiplayer like must play party game that wii sports became you know, because I think it's in, it's exactly. inherently more complicated 
and it requires much more um, peripherals. Yeah, I think that this game was just in sort of an unfortunate spot, whereas Wii Sports somehow manages to feel like a full game. Yeah. This game feels more like a tech demo, and it feels like it's more showing off what the Wii U is capable of than providing a um, sort of engaging, replayable experience on its own. The thing that is, I think, the bummer is like this game feels kind of of a piece with Game and Wario. Yeah. Um, it feels like they're both kind of two halves of the coin, and Game of Wario, I think, is the more fun half and was not the one that was included with the system. And it's so. it's a little bit of a frustrating thing. Yeah, it's 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 a bit unfortunate because I think there's a lot to recommend here, but uh, this was the game that Nintendo was hoping was going to sell the console, and yeah. I, I just don't think it quite connects in that way. Like, I've nope. never felt compelled to revisit this. No. Nope. Um, unlike number 55, which I have revisited a few times and had, had a yeah. decent time with. Uh uh, a series that we both have a lot of love for you you more so i think um sure i mean i i got i got love coming out my ears for guitar hero so this is guitar hero live at number 55 still live at 55 yeah. um this is was a attempted reboot of the guitar hero series that i don't think did as well as they hoped it no. would um but did some neat things it has a whole different configuration of the guitar um, which has two rows of three buttons and thus sort of scratched a whole different uh, mental part of your brain yeah. than the old five-button con uh, straight controller. And um, they would also play live video um, over each song, which like um, was very impressive in the sense that um, if you do badly on the song, the video will switch to um, the actors sort of being actively disappointed with your performance like, yeah it's very seamless and very impressive it really is like i i can't imagine how much like full motion video they had to shoot for this like i know they didn't get, actually get crowds of the size that are depicted in the game sure. but you do actively see the disappointed faces on the crowd if you're missing a note or two and even even, even your band, your band mates yeah yeah it, yeah it's definitely like a higher sort of production value than those original guitar hero games and it's a shame that it was kind of a bust um and also a shame that its big selling point was this ability to subscribe to like a subscription service oh, yeah. and get access to a bunch of songs which is unfortunately not available anymore um and so you're kind of lacking in content now but it is still a very uh very fun rhythm yeah game. no really not bad like maybe not the guitar hero that you know and love but uh if, if you're looking for a fun riff on it like this is not bad yeah nor is number 54 and i say this reluctantly but nba 2k 13 <laughs> um you know basketball games are an easier sell for me than like football or, or soccer games uh because i i just i understand the game a little more inherently and i have more fun sure. with it uh this is this is a pretty high quality basketball game uh they do some really interesting stuff with the wii u gamepad like still one of the most memorable and strange uses of the gamepad is in this game and that's when you can aim the gamepad at the tv and see the heat signatures of your players sponsored by gatorade <laughs> like very strange but there's also a lot of simulation elements like on the gamepad itself uh also kind of a hard to get a hold of game it's produced by jay-z 
uh, which I, I think he still owns like the licensing rights to this game. For he, some he, he went and bought up all the copies of it. He right? did. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he yeah. was really embarrassed. You know, he, he didn't want to let that out there, but no, I, I think solid basketball game, right? Yeah. yeah, no, I I remember it being fun. We 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 played it with Josiah. We had a good time. Um, and the, the 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 strange thing about the sports games here, which is just the polar opposite of the N sixty four, is you would you had so many choices for all the sports games on the N sixty four. Here, if you have a Wii U, like this is your only, and you want to play a basketball game, this is your only choice. Yeah, this is it. And yeah, the other thing that is funny is like you really can't go wrong with any of the sports games on the Wii U. No. Like they're all because they all had kind of been established as franchises that like knew what they were doing at this point. They had they had weeded out the Mia Hams and the <laughs> Mike Pizzas and the you know the quarterback clubs. <laughs> yeah, no nobody joined the quarterback club. Nobody let Mike Pizza in. I I also yeah. still love that we're still called a Mike Pizza. Like I, I will never <laughs> get tired of that. Number 53 is Minecraft Wii U Edition, the game that we needed to bring a child in to explain for us. <laughs> uh, you know, again, the best-selling game of all time without really any competition. Like, it's far and away the most popular game in the world. It gets taught in schools. It's like, it's such a huge deal. The biggest sin that this game has is that it missed us by, like, three generations. Right, which is really more our parents' fault than the game's yeah, fault. Yeah, damn you, parents. You should have had me in the 90s. But yeah. Only 90s kids will understand. Yeah, yeah it's uh, one of those games that it doesn't need uh, us to comment on. It's a force of nature. Uh, we we I think our, our score here is kind of reflecting that, that like we, we are both people who appreciate that this is a thing that exists in the world. We appreciate that what it does and uh, why people like it. It just isn't necessarily for us. Yeah. yeah. One thing that is for us is old duck cartoons. Yes, it is. Um, number 52, DuckTales Remastered. Um, yes, a game that um, we both have a lot of affinity for the NES DuckTales. Great, great NES Absolutely. game. And this game is, is a pretty thorough rebuilding of that game. It says remastered, but really it's... Uh, it's a whole new coat of paint on there. Uh, plays plays very very good, um, and is just a just a fun game if you have affinity for either the NES game or the cartoon in general. There's a lot more presentation here. Um, f- good good voice acting and um, yeah, I think the yeah. the the last vocal performance of him, Alan Young, who was the original uh, Scrooge McDuck, he is in this game. Uh, sounding incredibly old. Um, yeah, I think he was 92 when he recorded this dialogue. And uh, yeah, it, I mean, hard to go wrong with original DuckTales. That NES game is just still a, a Stone Cold classic. And this is a very nice looking uh, rendition of it uh, that plays pretty well. Yeah. Another Yeah, another game that plays pretty well is uh, number 51. Another one that caught us by surprise. Yeah. Uh, this is Transformers Prime, a game that I think is also benefits very much from the format of our show. Yes. Um, not a super ambitious game, um, but very easy to kind of jump in as a third person action game. 
and um, each level you play as a different transformer, and it really sort of uh, gives you the variety of gameplay that you would expect from a Transformers game. And I, this is another one that I replayed to make sure we didn't like rank this overly high, you know. And and again, like this is based on a a rendition of a TV show that like I've never cared about the Transformers as characters. Like I'm not involved in this world whatsoever. Uh, but this is a very easy game to just like jump right into. It's got some fun mechanics that really make good use of the Transformers theme. Like I, I still really love turning you into a truck and driving really fast at somebody, then switching back to a robot to punch them with that extra momentum. Like that feels <laughs> yeah. really good. And then every level you're yep. playing is a different transformer who plays very differently from the previous transformer. Like they, they really kind of went above and beyond what they needed to do for this game. So I, I really appreciate this one. Mm-hmm. That brings us into the final third of our list. So we're going to interrupt with one more letter here. Perfect. This one says, uh, hey, Stephen Woody. Hi. Hey. I, Hi. I love, I'm going to miss responding to these letters like that. Sure. Uh, when I first started listening to you, I had one child, lived in London, and had quite a bit of hair on my head. I write this to you from my kitchen in Belgium with double the children and half the hair. Lots of changes, but one thing that has remained consistent throughout this time is the smile on my face when your latest episode appears on my podcatcher over the weekend. You two have brightened up many of my days, and I'll miss hearing you talk through your gripes with games like Walking, uh, like Zombie U and that awful Walking Dead game. Really <laughs> looking forward to hearing what you do next, and congrats on your body of work. This is by far one of the best pods in existence, and I look forward to whatever you do next. Much love, and that's from Mike. Thank Thanks, I mean, Mike. my God, come on! How how nice is that? And it, oh, right, right from the land of the land of the Tintin. land of Tintin again. It will never stop uh, warming my heart. How many different cultures we're hearing from? How many different countries we're hearing from? Like that's it. It's it. It, it boggles my mind a little bit. Number fifty, clicking into place is Lego Dimensions, uh, uh, a game I have a hard time differentiating between like the experience of the game and the accoutrement that surrounds it. Uh, sure. Know, but that's, that's what you want from a toys to that's life. That's exactly game. what you want. Like yep. I loved, uh, I, th I think this is the game of all of the toys to life genre that best meshes like the real world toys with the in-game experience. Uh, and I think it's, uh, it also helps that these Lego games are very well established at this point. They have a style, they have a wit, they have an energy, that I think you can bring over rather than having to craft something totally new with uh, Skylanders or awkwardly kind of cram a bunch of properties together like Disney Infinity. Though you do, ironically, you do craft something for this. You do. And that, that is in some ways what is so cool is the toys to life that come with this game are actually like bagged Lego sets that you put together and then can import into the game. I mean, that was a delightful surprise that I, that I discovered. I didn't know that I needed to build my own portal in this game, but once it asked me to do that, I'm like, Oh, come on, come on game. You're speaking my language now. Like, uh, yep. yeah, no, I just, I, I really just had a fantastic time, uh, uh, building and playing with this one. I've gone back to it a little bit, uh, since we started, that's the only of the toys to life ones that I've gone back to. Uh, really, really, you know, the toys to life is something that, feels i don't know it's kind of sad that it i, I guess is the case with all fads yeah. like in some ways it's kind of a bummer that fads exist and go away because like there's usually one thing there where you're like oh that could have that really had legs yeah. that really could have endured and i feel like 
Lego Dimensions is that. Like, they could have continually, just every few years, released a couple new Lego Dimensions sets that you could sort of integrate into the game yeah. or maybe sort of expand it into more of a online MMO type of thing. Um, and just, just found a little more to do with it. Cause yeah, I agree that it's definitely the most inspired use of the toys to life. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I had a great time with this. It's making me want to put my set back together now. Uh, I, I might, I might go do that. <clears throat> Number 49 coming in uh, a little higher than I would have expected, giving how kind of split we were on this game, but paper Mario sure. color splash. I think this is a good Testament to just how far personality can carry you. Yeah. Uh, because this is a game that looks phenomenal is very funny, is very well written, and has just one of the worst combat systems you can imagine. Like, yep. I, I think that's the balance. It's like, this is a game that you will enjoy despite 30% of the game. Yep, exactly. Um, and you will you will actively seek to avoid yes, it. Yes, and it's possible to combat. actively avoid it. But the, we, we talked about this not too long ago, but this has drifted pretty far from its RPG roots to the point where this is barely recognizable as an RPG anymore uh, yeah. because you don't really evolve. You start as strong as you're ever going to get. But it's just such a clever world, and the dialogue is so funny. Like that, It's really hard not to be charmed by this game. And, and just, yeah, just navigating around the world itself is very satisfying. You almost wish it was just a platform. You, yeah, I really do wish that, actually, yeah. But, you know, lots of charm there. Same goes... Next game, yeah. is, next game is a small Very one. small. Like, sort of, we've, we've, we've been talking about ones I have a lot of memories for, and uh, number 48 is Tumblestone. Tumblestone. A, a very, um, I would say, unambitious, but uh, polished puzzle game. Um, uh, a game... You, you rated this much higher than I did. I did. I rated this much higher. Like, I really kind of clicked with it. And this is a game that is available for free through the app store and it's okay. kind of the better way to play it because the weird thing about Tumblestone is that like the, the game itself, whether you're watching on the TV or the game pad is clearly designed for phones. Like there's yeah. a lot of empty space on this screen. Uh, but the puzzle mechanics that are in place here are really fun. Um, it's, it's really about like starting with a, a, a screen full of blocks and working your way down. So it involves like a very strategic placement of the blocks um, that you'll, you'll kind of fall into a pattern with and you'll feel pretty good. But like, like, like all like match three puzzle games, you'll, you'll get that uh, dopamine hit from like playing through the games. And I think the game has a lot of personality and it's, it's very fun for the small scale thing that it is. It is better on other platforms than it is in the Wii U, but it is interesting that it's on the Wii U at all. Yeah, and I, I mean, the Wii U gives you the ability, like, it, it's tougher to play it multiplayer over the app yes. store. So, like, that that is a good way to play it, and especially, like, I think these kind of match-three puzzle games really do kind of live and die by multiplayer. Absolutely. Another game that lives and dies by multiplayer is number 47, Mario Tennis Ultra Smash, a game that is unquestionably a lot of yeah. fun just like all of the uh, Mario Tennis games are, and similar to most of the Mario Tennis games, um, we'll probably get old pretty quick. Yes. I mean, you know, like uh, I've, I've, I've made the point many times, but tennis is fundamental to video games. You know, the first hit video game was a tennis game. Uh, so it's something that works really intrinsically well, and uh, I think Mario Tennis really expanded on that idea. I think 
the Mario Tennis series has had kind of diminishing returns over the years. Um, And I think this is kind of somewhere in the middle of that area where the problem comes from trying to plus an idea that already just kind of fundamentally works, like trying to find ways to make it better. And really you're just kind of finding ways to make it more complicated. Um, But at the core of it is a pretty fun tennis game. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I'm totally with you. Um, Next is We Party You at number forty-six. Wait, We Party or um, You? Uh, we We Party. This sounds you. like like a, a like Russian spam bot or something. We We Party You. Yeah, that's you. true. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, I I remember playing this one with Dan. Um, this is you know a, as you would guess a party game. Um, and it uses the the Mies, which we hadn't we hadn't seen a lot of. Um, there's a lot of fun mini games here this is essentially a me branded mario yeah. party like um it has that sort of overworld map um with squares that have different effects it um but I, the actual quality of the mini games was quite good in this game like kind of that, surprisingly I, I think we both were kind of prepared to hate on this game and we both ended up having a pretty good time yeah um it, i remember having sort of one of the more intense um like the the actual gameplay mode went on a little longer than maybe we would like but i definitely remember it really coming down to the wire with a lot of that kind of traditional uh mario party craziness um but the actual yeah they, they use good use of the gamepad um and so if you like uh like mario party games and you already played mario party 10 this one um offers a lot of uh, good stuff. And very importantly, you. it comes with a plastic stand uh which you all need. You know, you can you can you can turn your Wii U gamepad into a table. Ooh, very good. What is not a, a draw about that? Yeah. Number 45, one of my favorite titles to say. I think it's just a cool sounding title. Yep. Axiom Verge. Uh, this is one of the only, I think this is the only limited run game that we got on this, uh, on the Wii U. Um, limited okay. run is kind of a boutique publisher for usually DLC only games that are given physical releases for very quote limited runs. Down, down, downloadable. Yeah, only. yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. this is a Metroidvania with like a heavy sci-fi element. I had a this lot This is of like a capital M Metroid. Yes. Like very this game Metroid. is basically metroid and very little vania yeah not a lot of vania in this one uh you know and you got a vania once in a while but no very metroidy um i think it has a very cool art style this is one of the few games on the wii u that i actually rolled credits on like i played this one all the way nice. through the end because it well it's not very long but it is pretty engaging and i'm also i'm a pretty soft target when it comes to uh metroid style games and i think this is quite a good I, one I, yeah, I, I, I remember um, I had gotten into this game and played it a lot on Vita. Um, it is, you do feel like there's maybe a t- too many mechanics here to some degree. I remember getting kind of lost in the mechanics and also getting lost in yeah. the world. Like, this is very unforgiving in the style almost of NES Metroid, where if you can't figure out where you're going to go, the game certainly isn't going to help you. Now, n- number 44, I think you really have to shout out that this is a triumph that I only ranked this 49 spots below you did. Yeah, that's, that's a true. real improvement that's over the past, uh, considering my, my animosity towards this genre. This is Madden NFL 13. Uh, a, a football game of undeniable quality. 
Like even yeah. even I, a, uh, a devout football hater, uh, found a lot to like about this game. Yeah, uh, as is the case with most of you know the Madden games that had been established. Like it's a great looking game. It has a lot of features, and it plays well. And um, the ability to use the gamepad as a playbook um, just is a good idea and works very well from a multiplayer perspective. And I I remember we played this game, I think, with Josiah, and you were flabbergasted to find that you actually were able to control what happened and felt like you had real impact. I actually won a game. Like I remember that yeah. I, I did pretty well. Like we we've talked a lot about it, but a lot of the big disconnect with the Wii U was that it's, it's kind of a hassle to be looking between the two screens. Like when there's that much of a gulf yeah. between, it just sort of takes you out of it. And this is a series that I think is custom built for the Wii U. And it's kind of surprising that there wasn't more on there because the whole crux of Madden games is like stopping in between plays to pick what your next strategy is going to be. So it makes yeah. perfect it, sense. It actually physic yeah, it physically like you feel like a coach looking down at the playbook yeah. and like picking. Uh, I think that's a good And use. I think they even yeah. they even use like tablets in the NFL now to like, you know, look through their players. So it, it, it works really well and again, same as all the sports games. If you want a football game, this is your only yeah. choice, but it is a And good I, one. I had to drag it down a peg or two because I'm a little rascal, but you know, I, I have to, well, that's I have okay. to you know, you gotta acknowledge what they accomplished. Yep. Uh as with number forty three, new Super Luigi U. Uh again, horrible naming convention. Really frustrating that uh the, the new Super Mario, new Super Luigi games have this really clunky naming convention for generally pretty solid platformers. Um, yep. Basically, this is just a reskin of a game we're going to come up on, New Super Mario Brothers U. Um, an old-school 2D throwback, except this time we're centering Luigi, who is, uh, he has a floatier jump, a little a little looser to control, a little goofier, but, uh, you know. And this, this came out, this was the flagship game of the year of yes. Luigi. Um, and the end result is a game that is much harder, similar to... Um, the Super Mario Galaxy games where you could unlock Luigi to play as, I think yes. the game would get like way harder with some of those Luigi levels. Um, and just the, the, Nintendo really likes sticking it to Luigi and being like, <laughs> all right, you're, we're going to, we're going to have Luigi die constantly. <laughs> but you know, you, you and I both come down a little bit anti in terms of the new Super Mario brothers franchise. Um, but, you know, that's still a polished game, and this is a perfectly fine Totally. Uh, right after that is Shantae Half-Genie Hero, uh, a real charmer from way forward, kind of a, a indie darling that sort of uh, grew a cult following over the intervening years. Started as a Game Boy Color game that everybody missed, but uh, has kind of grown into a, a pretty regular franchise. And I, I found a lot to yeah. like about this game. Be beautiful... Um Beautiful cartoon graphics. Yes, here. absolutely. Yes. Uh, very, you know, cute little heroine is constantly like wibbling, wiggling her hips, and there's just a lot of, a lot of detail in the world. Lots of characters you can interact with, and some pretty decent like action platforming. I, I think this is a this yeah. is a solid little indie. Yeah, agreed. Uh, New Super Mario Brothers U number forty one. We've we've covered a lot of that already with New Super Luigi U, but again, I think maybe just calling it new is the frustrating part for me because this is intentionally a throwback. This is intentionally 
uh, unambitious. It's 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 going yeah. back to things that everybody that's tried and true. But I think Mario really soars for me when they're trying new things, whether it's Galaxy or Odyssey or something like that. I think that's when the series really takes off. And uh, yep. there's nothing there's nothing wrong with new Super Mario Brothers U. Like it's it's no. perfectly capable. It's just this is not the way I prefer to play Mario anymore. Yeah, and you know Mario World, Super Mario Brothers Three, Super Mario World. These are games of infinite gifts yeah. and infinite like going back and and playing. And it's just I don't know. The new Super Mario Brothers don't really provide something that those games yeah. don't. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that one. Number forty, Watch Dogs, the uh, thing I like to do at the park. Um, you know, yeah. <laughs> moving on. Yeah, no, no. Number, no. Um, no, I'm I'm surprised that this sort of um has left Assassin's Creed in the like, dust by quite a bit. Um, yeah, because, yeah, because Assassin's Creed a much more enduring franchise. But I think this is um, a game that's inherently a better fit for Wii U because. The whole yes. crux of this game is using a mobile device to hack the world around you. And this gives you a very quick and intuitive and real world way to do so. Like yep. I, I, I found myself getting kind of generally annoyed by the story and the characters, but I still wanted to play around in this world a little bit more. Like, I, yeah. And it's not, it's not quite as twitchy as Assassin's Creed. So like the technical issues don't seem to, um, interfere as much like the sort of jumping in assassin's creed when the flame when the frame rate dips is a little more annoying yeah. than in in watchdogs um so i do feel like this this is a lot to offer here and like this is kind of the more user-friendly version of deus Ex. yeah I, I would agree with that yeah i think they have a similar vibe to it number 39 i might put out on a limb as the best looking game on the wii u like Certainly during the cutscenes. Certainly during the cutscenes. Number thirty-nine is Kirby and the Rainbow Curse, uh, the the only claymation game on the system, one of the few in existence, uh, and sure. definitely one of the better uses of that console. Like, you know, I always enjoy that uh, Nintendo is willing to play around with Kirby to experiment with genres and art styles and different ways of approaching it, and and this is an extension of that. You know, you get all these little polymer models, and it's. It's all very well implemented. Um, this is a weird game because it 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 uses the Wii U features, but kind of exclusively. Like you don't need the TV for this one at all, and in fact, you're actually at a right. disadvantage if you're looking at the TV. <laughs> I mean, it allows you to use it with the, uh, the co-op. Yeah. The the second player can look at the TV. Yeah, because you're just drawing paths for Kirby to like travel around on. Um, this is a game that I you know. I'm not sure is of a tremendously high level of quality, but I think is one of the better games on the Wii U to actually see what the Wii U's features are and has a little more of a distinct identity. Like it looks, the cutscenes look very distinct and it plays differently, you know, it, it, compared to Watch Dogs, which you're going to have a pretty comparable experience if you play that on the PS3. Kirby and the Rainbow Curse is kind of a Wii U only experience. Yeah, yeah, uh, but which, which which I think ranks it a little higher in my. But I I did continue playing this a little bit beyond when we talked about it on the show, and I I, I agree. First of all, that Wispy Woods level looks unbelievable. It looks so good. Yeah, and uh, there's there's just so much charm here. It's it's hard to be mad about Kirby. Yeah, 
True enough. Same with number 38, Injustice Gods Among Us, a uh, fighting game from NetherRealm that's basically adapting the Mortal Kombat formula for DC superheroes. Uh, one of my favorite fighting game series, not my favorite way to play this series. Um, right. And I think Injustice 2 has kind of, you know, left the original in the dust in a lot of ways. Uh, but it, this is still a pretty solid and entertaining fighting game. Yeah. No, I mean, I I'm, I have nothing more to contribute aside it's from true. I agree. They're good. They're really good. Uh, okay, I think now we're kind of entering a new echelon for me of, like, pretty okay. solid recommends from here on out. Like, I, I don't think, like, that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. This is your B this tier. This is your B tier, and I think we're going to hit an A tier in a little bit. But I think, like, from here on, like, if you started exactly here and then bought every game that was on the list after this, you would have a really good Wii U catalog. Start, yeah, all right. Starting with, with number 37, the best of this entire series, I think we can both unanimously agree, Lego City Undercover. A, yeah, which is, you know, not, even though it's a Lego game, it's not really the same kind of Lego game. No, this is one of the only yeah. ones that has an original story. This game was released originally as a Wii U exclusive, so it was built entirely for this platform. Uh, and it's it's an open world Lego game where you are playing as a cop trying to solve crime in Lego City, and it's very funny. It's very engaging. Uh, it's got a quick wit and quick gameplay. It's 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 just having a gleeful time, like poking holes in uh, like police procedural cliches. I like I like the non branded Lego games a little more because it allows them to make jokes that are actually built upon being a funny yeah. joke as opposed to having to reference something that's part of the hundred percent. And they had established the gameplay formula at this point pretty well. And it's a gameplay formula that I think works pretty consistently. And then applying this original um, story to it really kind of put it over the top. But like the camera is much closer to your character. There's cars to drive around. It just, it feels like a game that is really built from scratch as opposed to one that's just a new visual skin over the same old 100 percent, yeah it's it's one i've definitely been meaning to go back to and put a little bit more time in just because i was it it, it really charmed me it charmed my pants off i'm i'm no longer wearing yeah. pants wow yeah because me. of the charm number 36 is darksiders war mastered edition this is uh the the original darksiders that was released several years after darksiders 2 uh and given a slight sure. visual upgrade um, you know, we'll, we'll go more into it. I, you know, I, I really enjoyed the world of this. This is the dark gritty Zelda that people thought they wanted with, uh, Twilight Princess. Um, it's yep. got a pretty rich mythology, uh, some pretty fun characters, pretty satisfying combat. I, I enjoyed exploring it. You know, I had a good time. I think this one is slower paced than Darksiders 2, which I, I think I would put yep. above this one, but, um, well, and I did. You, you and did, did. So good Spoiler. job. <laughs> Uh, number 35 is Batman Arkham Origins, the first of the, the couple Batman games that we're going to yeah. talk about. Um, this is one of the rock-steady open-world games we went through. We had a whole day full of Batman, we and we played an absolute ton of Batman Another games. series we covered um, on Ultra 64 DD. We played every Batman yeah. game. Um, this game, you know, as is true with all the Batmans, looks absolutely phenomenal. Um, it, this one, I kind of remember it taking a little longer to sort of open up. Yeah. You spend a little more time kind of in Arkham Asylum. 
uh, before it sort of opens up to the big city. But um, it's still I, I don't quite remember why. Why do you remember why this one is sort of a little less good? Than yeah, city? well, this is the one that's not done by Rocksteady. Uh, this is oh this is, right, uh, even though it, it sort of builds on that it's, very same. It's template. definitely building off of that. Um, and I, I think this is still a very quality game, but. We're getting a younger Batman. He's played by Troy Baker here as opposed to the late, great Kevin Conroy, who we get in the uh, Arkham City games. Um, okay. And uh, uh, I think this game has a lot of the same strengths as the other Arkham games, but it also has much more frustrating boss battles and just a slightly oh, less right. satisfying story. Still high okay. quality, though. It's still one that like you could definitely get into. Yeah, I mean, Batman Arkham Origins is the Darksiders Warmastered Edition to Batman Arkham City's Darksiders yes. 2. And number 34 is Darksiders 2. Yes, it is. 2. Absolutely. Uh, Darksiders 2 expanded on the world. It's faster. It's more open world. It's easier to play. Uh, and it just kind of... Your, ca- your character is a little uh, a little lighter, a little more yeah. agile than uh, War from the first Dark Yeah, Siders. you're death in this one, I believe. And you have two, two little yep. sickles and you ride a horse. And, uh, you, you know, I, I was really kind of drawn in on this one. Uh, and... Yeah, this is a this is a big old ambitious game. Like, there's a ton, a ton of games. Absolutely. Uh... Here's a big surprise. Number 33, a game that like neither of us were prepared to enjoy and we both wound up kind of loving. Uh Cars 3 Driven to Win. A game yeah, feel good a about game that. based on the Disney Pixar Cars franchise, probably the least interesting Pixar films for me. Um mm-hmm. but you know what? This is a a game uh, movie based around car racing and it's a game based around car racing and it feels pretty great. Uh it's pretty yeah. good car racing, it's pretty good platforming. There's a lot of personality. There's a lot of weird things that they do with the formula that really kind of mixes it up. Like kind of a surprise little gem on the on the Wii U. Yeah. Fun arcadey racing games are just fun. Like I don't where you can hit lots of boost pads. I don't remember. I think this game has weapons. Um but this game just feels yeah. good. And and like that goes such a long way and like the presentation the presentation is true to the car's brand which i don't necessarily care about but like it's bright and colorful and likable and yeah definitely uh, a game i'm happy i feel to like recommend. this is a game you would break out at a party and people would roll their eyes at you until they started playing it and then they're like yeah. wait a minute yeah this totally. kind of fucking rules yep. uh as is number 32 jeopardy yeah d- different kind of party but still still, still a, good, a time. good time jeopardy is uh pretty hard to get wrong as as we've seen uh, on a couple of different consoles here um this is a, a very solid addition you know you type in all of your answers uh, or you could select them from on, on the gamepad uh there's a, a wide variety of questions wider than you had on the n64 because you know you have more storage space on this um, and still kind of a foundation of my relationship with Ailish is that uh, she talked a lot of shit uh, thinking that she could beat me at this game, and I destroyed her by like 5,000 points. So I'm sure, uh, still sure. very proud of that. Yeah, no, it's it, it's definitely the more the most fun way to play Jeopardy in video game form um, just because having that gamepad to be able to type in answers um, makes everything so much better compared to having to type in full things on the Nintendo. Absolutely. Big, big head. Alex Trebek is still a little uh, grotesque, I think, but you know, you do what you can. Number 31, Tom Clancy's splinter cell blacklist. Uh, We're, we're both fans of the splinter cell series in general. Uh, 
a stealth action game that like takes stealth a lot more seriously than I think Metal Gear does. Um, this is yes. this is very much yes. about staying silent and staying covert. Uh, this game I think does away with that to a degree. This is a little more action focused. It's a younger Sam Fisher. It's the first time we have a different voice actor, but it still is a really solid like action adventure game. Yeah, and I like this game a lot. It's not really something that I don't remember it shining particularly on the no. Wii U, but it really looks good. I mean, all these games have always looked amazing, the Splinter Cell games, and like I this is a fantastic looking Wii U game, and it's just very playable and is not it didn't feel very frustrating in the way that sometimes these Splinter Cell games can yes. be. Yes, yeah, I, th I think it just felt really good, and uh, I had a good time with it overall. And I think yep. uh, the next one, number 30, Resident Evil Revelations, which which you could probably consider like a, a lower-tier Resident Evil game overall, but this is yep. kind of a Wii U port of a 3DS game. And it expands upon everything that that game does well. It's it's a much more streamlined way to play Resident Evil. Um, it's it's a lot of like kind of narrow corridors. You're not really you're not really as worried about the survival horror elements of it. Um, but it, but it's not quite like full action game the way five and six exactly is. It's sort of a good a good yeah it ground. is a really nice middle ground. It, it's one that I've definitely been meaning to get back to because uh, in in playing it for the episode I had a really good time and I put in quite a quite a little bit of time on it and uh, it also has a, a very good co op mode. Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Number twenty nine, Gianna Sisters Twisted Dreams. Uh, the Gianna Sisters came about in the 80s and they were sued into oblivion by the creators of the <laughs> Mario Brothers because they were a pretty blatant ripoff of the Mario Brothers, but uh, they have reinvented themselves in modern times as a really very clever 2D platforming game. Um, lots of shifting between realms in a way that reminded me of Guacamelee or, or games like that. Yes. Um but th this is another one that I rolled credits on because I I just had a really I, you know these these kind of platformers are kind of an easy pitch for me and uh, yeah I, I but this game for what it's worth I don't think is an easy no, game no no like this game is a even though it may be an easy pitch like there's a lot of very tricky platforming here and having to switch back and forth like between color polarities and worlds very yes quickly. no i i had a great time with this one i kind of like have been wanting to go back and replay it again just because it's a good one you can just play on the second screen while you're watching tv or something like that but uh it, it's it's charmer and it's it's really well nice. done uh speaking of a really well done charmer a game that like left its originator in the dust by yeah, this game is uh, the mo gets the most improved sequel. Yeah, award. absolutely. Pac-Man and the Ghostly Adventures 2. Uh, a, a game that took the pretty solid foundation that the first game laid down, like solid but uninspired foundation the first game put down, and just kind of ran with it, improved on everything, uh, and, and just like made for a really great time. And it also kind of includes on the disc one of our favorite ever multiplayer modes, which is the asymmetrical Pac-Man mode from Pac-Man versus like, so one player will be playing on the game on the game pad and the rest will be playing on the screen uh, as ghosts. And it, it's a blast. Yeah, no, this game is a really fun and um, intuitive, like 3d platformer. Like this, this is the game that you kind of reach for whenever that you hope it will be whenever you're reaching for a mascot. hundred percent. 
It's just like there's there's quick costume change, there's a good level variety, and there's fun power-ups, but nothing is all that And difficult. again, this is a licensed game. This is based on a, a animated TV show, and it could have been a really cheap-ass cash-in, and they just put a little bit of extra effort and a little bit of extra charm into it. I guess it helps that the franchise is based on a video game, you know, sure. so you have a good, solid basis for that, but... Uh, yeah, I, I was very pleasantly surprised at how much of an improvement this one was. Yeah, I enjoyed that one a lot. Um, number 27, um, Platinum Games is back again. This is Star Fox Zero. A game with like a bad um, reputation that I don't think it earned. Yeah, I agree. And I think that this comes from sort of Platinum Games' intensity to try and do something weird. Because this game is a remake, essentially, of Star Fox 64. Yeah. Which is really, you know, Star Fox 64 is basically a remake of Star Fox. It's all basically the it, same sure. game. Um, and this one looks fantastic. It looks so good. It looks really yeah. good. The presentation of Star Fox is the best that it's ever been. Um, there are a couple weird kind of Wii U gimmicks here where you have to, like, hold the gamepad up in front of the screen to light up shots in certain levels, um, which maybe are off-putting to some people, but I kind of yeah. liked just just because they give the it sort of a unique identity to the Wii U, and they're a fairly small part they of the are. game. They are, yeah. No, they weren't obtrusive, and uh, yeah, I, I didn't really understand the bad reputation that this game had. I thought this was a lot of fun. Um, and Star Fox, another series that we went all the way through on Ultra 64 DD. Same with this yeah. next series, which I think, looking at the list, well, oh no, no, there's one ahead of it, but one of the one of the highest-ranking games that never got a Switch port. Uh, this is okay. Yeah. And, and, and it's certainly, I don't think it no, could. No, I don't think it could. This is game and Wario. And this to me, this, this is, uh, I ranked this 42 spots higher than you did on our list. This is almost the flagship Wii U game to me in some ways. Like there's many better games on the Wii U. Um, but this is the game that kind of pulls off the most, pulls out the most stops to use the gamepad in creative weird yes. ways. There's a very goofy sort of mode where you like lay the gamepad um, between each other and like face each other and use it as like sort of a like a Simon matching type of table, which is a surprisingly intimate way to play video. Games. I mean, this game had like some problems from the beginning because, first of all, people assumed it was going to be a WarioWare game, which it's not like it's right. it's. It's not like there's only about six or eight different mini ga mini games in there. They're not some of them are like fairly substantial. Yeah, they're not like, like they're rapid. Not even, they're not like three second long games like in the uh, WarioWare games. Right. They're kind of comparable to something you'd find in. And Nintendo. also, you'll immediately kind of recoil a little bit when you hear this is a party game that only has one controller. Like you are only going to be using the gamepad for this, but it is meant to be a party game. It's meant to be a group experience. But the ways that they make that work are really clever. Like, you know, there are little things like uh, uh, spot the difference, you know, from one screen to another. Or, or you know, it, it's a game that's, like, pretty fun to play whether you're going solo or with a group. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and it, it is a creative game that provides an experience that can only be on the Wii absolutely. U. Absolutely. So I, I do think that if, if you want to develop a Wii U collection, this one should be part of it. Uh, an experience that is not just available on the Wii U. It's, in fact, avail <laughs> available just about everywhere, but I think really shines on the Wii U is uh, Just Dance. 
Now, we're, we're lumping all of the Just Dance names together. I believe there are nine of them in total because, holy shit, these are just so easy to crank out, and they were annual releases. The very last game on the Wii U was a Just Dance game because really okay. each edition is just a soundtrack upgrade. There's not going to be a lot of fundamental changes to the gameplay outside of maybe a few new dance moves being added to the roster. Um, this was pretty new to me when I came to it. I was aware this was a series that existed, but I didn't really get the appeal. And after playing right. it a little bit, I'm like, yeah, I get it. These, these are... Yeah, we had, we had a great time playing yeah, with Emma. They're pretty um, effortlessly fun. through, yeah, a song on every disc. And this this game, these games really do a good job of splitting the difference, of kind of making you feel like you have some engagement with, like, the game is kind of judging you on the dance moves and you are getting better as you play, but not so much that you feel shitty if you do badly. Like, you're going to have a good time regardless of your actual performance. But when you're performing well, you really feel that little sense of pride. You're like, oh, man, I'm hitting all these dance moves. I feel like I'm actually dancing and I'm actually, like doing choreography in a way that's really satisfying. And, and there's just always something to be said about party games that make you look goofy in front of your friends. Like there's, there's yeah, just always exactly. going to be a soft spot in my heart for that. Now, number 24 actually yeah. is the game that is highest ranked that never made it onto the switch. And I think that's just kind of a surprise. We all just kind of assumed this did make it onto the switch, but it didn't. This is Yoshi's woolly world, a uh, very yarn based platforming game that is just, utterly charming yeah this is this is another game that i would put up for contention for best looking game on the system and it definitely makes an argument at least like even more so than kirby did this integrates its uh aesthetic themes into the gameplay in really creative ways like i, I always loved like finding a loose thread in the environment and like zipping my tongue at it and then it would unravel a big portion of the level you know that's that's yep. very clever it's a great use of the yarn aesthetic and I love that you could find so many different patterns based on different Nintendo characters. Like, it, it's a Yoshi game. You know, Yoshi games are going to be fairly simple and fairly intuitive, and they're not going to be for everybody's yeah, taste. Not, not, not much has changed since Yoshi's no, Island. No, but not but, a whole lot needs to. I think everything that this game sets out to do uh, works really well. Yeah. The next one, um, I think, caught us both a little by surprise. Pick, it snuck up. Yeah, it snuck up behind us and uh, slit our throat. <laughs> this is Ninja Gaiden 3 Razor's Another Edge. game with a really um, nasty kind of reputation. Like, people badmouth this game as, like, the end of the Ninja Gaiden franchise. Which, you know, in some ways, you, you know, factually it kind of was, aside from that really terrible zombie yeah. one or whatever. Um, but this game looks... The, the, the Razor's Edge is a um, updated port for yeah. the Wii U where they actually made an effort to fix a lot of the issues people had with the original Ninja Gaiden 3 and um it you know it feels like Ninja Gaiden which is is pretty high praise because Ninja Gaiden is a great feeling franchise Ryu Hayabusa is always really fun to control it's super bloody and violent and um I'm I'm excited yeah, yeah. I I'm I I promise I will get to this one and play more of it because yeah we had a we had a great it's time playing definitely it. one of those series where that that kind of intangible quality of feel uh makes the biggest difference you know because uh, your your sense of precision and your sense of control over Ryu as he's hacking and slicing people is really kind of fundamental to the gameplay and I think this game does that does right by that you know it it might yep. not be of the same caliber of original like uh 2004 Ninja Gaiden or anything like that but it is but not not many not games many games are, are and uh, I think this game gets a bad rap 
Um, the next game, number 22, I believe the highest ranked uh, fighting game on our list is Tekken Tag Tournament uh, 2. Oh, no. Well, oh, Smash yes, Brothers. of course, of course. Uh, but, okay, well, let's say traditional fighting game then. Uh, Tekken sure. Tag Tournament 2. Uh, neither of us are big Tekken heads necessarily, but this is a game sure. that brings together like every single character from the entire franchise, like kind of a ridiculous roster. Yeah, this roster. game has, has a totally wild amount of content because I think... Um, Similar to a lot of games on the Wii U, it was sort of a refined edition of a game that had come out for other systems a while ago. So a bunch of the DLC um, had been put into this game. Um, and there's a really, I remember this game had a really nice uh, training yeah. mode that would sort of walk you through the way the different button commands worked. And yeah, even though I'm not a huge, like, I don't consider Tekken one of my go-to franchises, it always feels really good when oh, I 100%. play it. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I kind of became a soft Tekken convert after playing this because I really just enjoyed everything this game is putting down, you know, and uh, I, I need to seek out some of the other games in this series. All right, w would yep. you agree from here on out it's the A tier? Or, uh, yeah, I'm, sure. I'm going to say A tier. I got no problem Here with on that. out, from 21 on, these are the must-owns. Like, if you are interested in Wii U at all, you need these 21 games. Starting with sure. number 21, Captain Toad Treasure Tracker. And I mean, this one's a little misleading because you don't really need this game because it is now out sure. on Switch in a objectively I mean, better most version. Of these are, but yeah. It is, yeah, that's true. That's true because these are, this is going to be the tier that most of the games have been Exactly. From yeah. These, to get these are the ports. ones uh, deemed worth saving. Uh, yeah. But for good um, reason. Like, Captain Toad is uh, kind of a puzzle platformer that is almost like too simplistic to explain in a weird way. Like it's yeah. so simple and basic and it's, it's because like not to, not to pull from earlier in the episode, but this is a game where you basically just run around and that is the <laughs> yeah. gameplay. You, you can't even, you jump. can't even jump. No, you can pull things out of the ground and occasionally you can throw like a tournament people. Uh, but this is a game that finds a whole lot of fun and innovation just from simple mechanics, like rotating the camera or just like walking yep. around. There's some minor like touchscreen mechanics. There are some fun like first person shooter segments on a mine cart that are really entertaining. It, it's you can you can blow into the gamepad to like um, extend and descend platforms. Yeah, it, it's nothing like wildly ambitious or or attention grabbing, but it's just kind of solid quality all the way around, and it's just really fun to play. I've I've played it a yep, couple times agreed. now. I really enjoy it. Uh, number 20, a game I really love. It cracked my top five. I think we had a bit, a bit of a disparity on this, but uh, uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp FE, a uh, RPG that blends Persona with Fire Emblem with uh, J-pop in, in, in a way <laughs> yep. that just like... The, the big, big three. three. The big three. It's, it's bright. It's colorful. It's not really going to uh, reinvent the wheel in any way, but like I found myself really drawn into it. I've continued to pick at it like since we've talked about it, and uh, I, just, I just really enjoy this game. Good. I'm glad that, you've, I'm glad that you kept playing it. Um, it is a game with a lot of personality. Um, it's definitely the most Japanese feeling 100%. of probably all the games on the Wii U, which for some people is like yes. catnip. Um, you can tell because it's got, a, you know, any, anytime there's something with like a uh, 
number sign or a, a sharp <laughs> in there, you're like, ah. Whenever ah. you get symbols in there, you know who that kind of game is targeting. And it's it's one of the more uh-huh. it's one of the more nonsensical titles on the Wii U that makes sense in context. Like once you start yeah. playing, it's like, oh yeah, okay, I know what all this means, but it it, it does look like word vomit. And, and it it is um, a traditional JRPG on a system that hardly has any. No, not many. If uh, what zero like or one is no, there's it? also uh, uh, Xenoblade Chronicles like. I, I oh, think I think that yeah. counts. It's more action oriented than this, but I think it does still count. Yeah. Okay, I'll yeah. accept that. But yeah, this is this is going to be the most the the truest to your what you think of a the, JRPG. The RPGist, uh, if you will. Um, yep, so if exactly. if that's something that you're looking for, this is a really high quality way to go. Uh, and I think it it takes cool. a lot of the better elements of both of those series. Uh, number nineteen. Uh, you don't need me to tell you about Splatoon. Splatoon is a good game, and it's continued to thrive beyond the Wii U, but it was birthed on this console. That is one of the big contributions that the Wii U has to offer is the Splatoon series. A a third game just came out. I know it's supposed to be pretty good. I have not played that third one yet, but uh, I, I think Nintendo really stumbled upon a way to make competitive shooters uh, friendly, intuitive, and fun. And, and unique. Like, mm-hmm. I think they found a way to make shooters uh, interesting beyond just, like, shooting people, you know? Yes. It, it's about... To find... Yeah, it's about claiming territory. To... It's about uh, exploring. It's about thinking one step ahead of the people that you're fighting against. And it, and it also has a pretty satisfying single-player mode that explores the mechanics in a lot of creative ways, like bosses that you need to shoot to be able to climb up and hit in their yeah. weak points. So, yeah, it, I think even though the online community for the original Splatoon is probably pretty small compared to what it was at some point, like, it's still, uh, it's still but a fun it, game. But it is an online community that shockingly still exists. People are still playing original yeah. pl- Splatoon. I played against some people online when we were getting ready to record this show not too long ago. Wow, so, very pretty cool. cool. Pretty cool. Uh, number number eighteen is uh, We Fit You. Kudos uh, for this fitness game for making it making it so yeah. far with a couple of outer shaped dorks. Definitely um, one of the experiences the... of recording the show I remember most because we recorded this episode on literally the hottest day in our state's history. It, it was <laughs> unbearably hot. I have no air conditioning in my apartment. We were sweating through our clothes playing this fitness game uh and we still had a good time yeah it, it um the environment and like the the interface here is really clean it's that same kind of white background you associate more with the wii than with the yeah. wii u but it works it works really well um and there's a lot of customization here and it, this is the one that uses the balance yes. board. and i feel like the balance board really goes a long way in giving you a different kind of series of exercises. And I, I learned like how weak I am just if I only stand on my left <laughs> leg, like what sort of what a difference that makes. Um, and so, yeah, it, it allows you to um, really get some exercise in a unique way. And it, it's pretty absolutely uh, number 17. I'm, I'm pleased that this game made it so high, even though I know there are a lot of caveats attached to this game. Uh, It's Mass Effect 3, Uh, a a game that 
it starts off with disadvantages out of the gate. Firstly, it's the third part in a trilogy that is specifically built on the idea of carrying over your games from the previous entries. And the previous... With the other two are not Not on available system. on the system. So you're jumping right. in at the third part of an epic, interconnected sci-fi story, and it's supposed to make sense. Uh, and the fact that it works on the Wii U and works really well and even offers a few unique features that aren't available in any other form really speaks to the quality here. Um, I, again, it's it's hard to really evaluate this game unless you've played through the entire trilogy multiple times like I have. Uh, you know, I, I, I deeply love the Mass Effect series. I think it's fantastic. And uh, I, I think this Wii U version does well by it. Yeah. Yeah, I had a, I had, in the very limited amount of time playing it, I had yeah. a good time. And which is really all I um, could say. Yeah. Uh, number 16 is Bayonetta. Yeah. Another, uh, you know, now actual Nintendo franchise that was birthed on the Wii U. This game has since come to Switch, but um, wonderful, fast-paced action game. Um, the actual Wii U features here, such as being able to uh, tap on the screen to attack, are kind of awkward and poorly yeah. implemented. But like as just a straight-up action game, it's really, really good. And uh, Bayonetta is kind of an unforgettable character, regardless of uh, your immediate reaction to her. Yeah, we, like, we dissected you, a lot of the uh, kind of conflicting uh, image politics that we had around the character. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's still pretty hard to like, deny what a quality game. And this is the, and, the to be clear, this is the first Bayonetta game that came packaged with the second one, but we consider like its own standalone game. Like, this is still a really high quality original game, and I think we'll see that it gets evolved upon in, in important ways. Wait, what? What do you mean? Like, it, didn't this game come out by itself on the Wii U? It, you're you're getting confused with the no, Switch. no, no. So both well, both games were released in the same package uh, for Bayonetta Two. Bayonetta One was on its own standalone disc, so it is considered kind of its own standalone game. But Bayonetta Two is original for the Wii U. Well, what was Bayonetta? Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry. I forgot. I forgot that Bayonetta also existed on like PS3. Right. Yeah. So this is the this is the original yes. one that we're talking about here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, I got okay. confused. Um, number fifteen. Um, one of the games that I have developed the most fondness for. In fact, I was just playing right before we started yes. uh, recording today. Uh, SteamWorld Collection. Um, the SteamWorld Dig is a wonderful kind of uh slightly randomly generated metroidvania loot yeah. looper um where you you dig and you get new powers and goodies and it's a very charming very short very fun game and it's also uh steam world collection is also packaged with uh steam world heist which is a absolutely wonderful kind of two-dimensional tactical shooter um, like XCOM, where you just level up your squad and they get all sorts of diverse abilities. And ooh, ooh, that it's game is fun. Really satisfying. I was so pleased to see that this game uh, ended up so high in the rankings because I think packaging these two games together uh, on a console, which I think these games are available in mobile platforms. Like I, I have played a lot of mm -hmm. SteamWorld Heist on my phone. But it just it works a yep. lot better on a big screen, and uh, I, I think combining them together is just a great value. And these are these are really wonderful games. You should definitely check out. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, number 14, Batman Arkham City, uh, a game that you don't need me to introduce it. Arkham City is is huge, <laughs> and it's innovative, and it's a blast. Uh, it's taking the really incredible Arkham Asylum and expanding it into an open-world format. And uh, the Wii U got a special edition at launch called uh, the Armored Edition that includes a lot of Wii U-specific features, like... Uh, and a second screen map and being able to switch items on the fly, like using the touch screen uh, that I think enhanced the experience. Um, th- this, this is just one of those series that just clicks with me so hard. Like the combat works really well. The story works really well. The aesthetics, like everything just kind of works. Uh, I love all of the Arkham games. And I think this is arguably yeah. the best one. And this this is a good way to play it in the sense that, you know, pre-Switch, like the ability to play one of these games, quote unquote, handheld is, is pretty Absolutely. amazing. And, and so, yeah, because there's a lot of you're going to spend a lot of time just sort of running around the city getting Joker. Oh, tokens. yeah. Or Jokins. Or yeah, Riddler Jokins. Yeah, Jokins is the call. Yeah. Jokins, yeah. Number 13 is Pikmin 3. Uh, man, I love the Pikmin series, like so much so that like. When I found out this was going to be a Wii exclusive, I or Wii U exclusive, I almost bought the Wii U at the height of its quote unquote popularity, to <laughs> to to just to play this game. Like I think this this is one of those like kind of potential system sellers for me. Uh, I finally got to it on the Switch because you know I'm a I'm a trader, uh, but I did finally play sure. this all the way through on the Switch, and it, it expands on the formula in a lot of really unique ways. I think this game could be longer, you know? I think that's kind of my one bummer part is that, like, the game was over pretty quickly. Um, but that's never really a bad thing if you wish that you had more of the game, you know? Like, it, it didn't outstay that's its true. welcome, and it's something that I wanted to see more of. Uh, our next game, number 12, one of the best kart racers yes. ever, but still uh, only the second best kart racer <laughs> on our list, Um is uh Sonic and All-Star Racing Transform. This is the game you went back um, to a lot like after uh, yes. uh reviewing on the show. No, I've yeah. had, I've had a wonderful time playing this game. Um you know, it's essentially, you know, Mario Kart but with Sega characters and that's really fun cuz you see you know, we've seen so many of the same levels over the course of Mario Kart games and here you get to visit um you know, the Nights into Dreams world, the Jet Set Radio world, Golden Axe world, and play like it really sort of reminded me how much fondness I have for various Sega franchises and made me wish that sort of there was another a sequel to this game. This is already a sequel to a um, Sega Kart Racer, Sonic All. I, I don't even remember what it's called. All another Stars clunky Racing, name. Maybe. I think Wii U but, is the console of really yeah. clunky naming conventions because this is a great game with kind of a frustrating name. Yeah, but it has um, really wonderful cart uh, mechanics and a great, great sense of speed and um, the a lot of diverse uh, single player modes um, that are really, really challenging. So this is a this is a great. This is kind of I would say the error the error of uh, the F Zero GX. Yes, legacy yeah. In terms of like high speed, challenging unlockables, which makes sense as they're both absolutely. Games. Uh, number 11, an indie smash, uh, one that I found to be particularly fun on the Wii U, and that's a game called Shovel Knight. Uh, Shovel Knight, if you have not played it, is, uh, kind of an 8-bit throwback, uh, action-adventure platformer game that just, 
again, we're talking about that vague sense of just feel, but this is a game that just right. feels incredibly good. Uh, it, it's it's responsive and it's tight, and you you're engaged in this very goofy but serious world. Like I I, I think the tone that they strike in Shovel Knight is so unique and so cool because you are literally a knight who carries a shovel, which is something that's kind of inherently silly, <laughs> but they take it so seriously and so straight faced. And like all the other knights are just like variants on object knight, you know, like noun knight, you know, and, and that's, it's a fun world to explore and uh, it, it just feels great to play. And I think the Wii U version feels particularly yeah, where, good. Whereas mighty number no. nine, you know, was kind of a, th- trying to be a throwback to the Mega Man games. This is the real throwback to the Mega yes. Man games, even though you don't have Yeah, a this gun. is the air like, apparent. This is what you want it to yeah. feel like. Yep. All right, we are cracking into the top 10. We are in our final Ooh-wee. game. These are the triple the A. These are the unmissable, uh, <laughs> the, the 10 best games on sure. the Wii U. Starting with number 10, a, a series that became a Wii U exclusive uh, with its second entry and really knocked it out of the park, Bayonetta 2. Uh, a game that takes everything that worked well with Bayonetta 1 and refined it and uh, polished it to a fine sheen. Uh, I, I, I think this game just feels fantastic. I think it's less overtly sexist than the first one, uh, which makes it a little <laughs> more palatable. It introduces a lot of new mechanics like running around as a jaguar, you know, things like that that make the game feel yep. a lot smoother. Very cool. Uh, and just incredible level design and unbelievably fast paced action and more style than you can contain in the disc. Like it's just overflowing. Yeah, th- this is a game that really shows that, you know, even the, though the Wii U was kind of a step behind of other consoles of the generation, if something is really built for the Wii U, it can run real yeah. smooth because this game plays fantastically despite having just an absurd amount of things going on. It's one of those games that makes you wonder like why no one else could quite get it together. Like with their, with their ports, because this is outpacing a lot of what the PS3 and the 360 were doing at the time. Uh, Well, PS4 and and, uh, Xbox one, which were both out at that time. Like, I think it was keeping up with them. Yeah. Uh, Number nine, super Mario 3d world, obviously a big flagship game for the console. Kind of the first game I remember actually being interested enough in to contemplate buying the console. Um, This is a game that kind of takes the, uh, takes the torch from the new super Mario games of being multiplayer focused, but it's not nearly as irritating as those games. It's a lot, more forgiving and the world is a lot more appealing to explore um and it's it it exists in that kind of weird middle ground of uh super mario 3d land for the 3ds where it's not quite a fully fledged 3d mario platformer but it's also not quite yeah it's definitely not a 2d game yeah um but it, it it has its own its own identity whereas the new super mario u games here felt like more of the same this this feels like a Mario that we're not sick of yet. This is uh, uh, a kind of a best of both worlds thing, where it, it, it feels yeah. original, but it also does feel like a throwback. You know, it, it gets to kind of yeah, have it, it both ways. And this is where we get uh, Cat Mario, probably the best Mario power-up that's come out in the last, it's you know, re- few recent It's pretty goddamn adorable watching him scramble up the little walls, you know. And I, I did, I, again, not to... Not to toss uh recommendations towards the other system but i did play this on uh the switch and it comes packed with uh bowser's fury which is a kind of a uh small sample of what i think mario is going to look like in the future 
Like, so if you want to get kind of a good sure. view of that and replay a really excellent Wii U game, definitely check out that on the Switch. Number eight, a game I am so excited cracked into the top ten. Like, uh, uh, really <laughs> cool, like one of a, a real surprised experience and something that I think we both loved and have continued to play. Runbow. Yep. Runbow. Runbow is uh, uh, just a, an absolute delight. It's a, it's a 2D racing game in the very literal sense. It's, it's a foot racing game. Where up to yep, it's a up to eight people can race against each other, uh, grabbing random power ups that'll kind of fuck you up or help you. Uh, you never quite know. It adds to a really nice layer of chaos to it. Um, just just one of the better multiplayer experiences on the entire system, and one that I've continued to enjoy. And I believe it's actually a nine oh, player game. Me. Yeah, nine player. And um, part which is one of the unique features of the Wii U. Like, if you play this on Switch, it's only eight players, but since the Wii U, you can connect the gamepad as well as, um, as well as like uh, Wiimotes, Wii U yeah. controllers. Yeah, um, it allows you to play it that way. It also has a very, I think, clever perspective. I think if you connect a Wii U Pro controller, you can each play with, you can split it in half and each player plays with half. It, it has the um, kind of the most ridiculous variety of ways to play. Uh, in addition to just a bunch yeah. of unique uh, standalone modes, like there's story modes and there's like modes where one person will be com- controlling the gamepad and adding platforms for the other person, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, it, which, which is it very tests fun. your reflexes. It tests your color coordination. It's uh, it's it's just kind of a delightful little indie game, and I'm 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 happy that it yeah. ended up so high on the list. Um, yeah, and then we go through a little platformer section here because uh, another great platformer, number seven, Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze. So good. Um, I I think yeah, leveled uh, out kind of the I I you know this is sort of a follow up to Donkey Kong Country Returns for the Wii, which is uh sure. when retro games kind of took over the franchise and uh, sort of reinvented it for modern consoles. And I think the complaint against the Wii version was that it was just a little bit too unforgiving. And I think this one sure. balances it out while still feeling like a really stiff challenge. Um, yeah. uh, gorgeous animation. You get to play as Cranky Kong for the first time. He's got a pogo beard. Uh, you get to <laughs> smash a bunch of penguins. You know, one of the few Wii U games that I played multiple times. Like I think I've 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 played this one all the way through twice. Um, and it, yeah. it's it's a delight. Yeah, and it's you know it's made its way over to Switch. Um, you can have a good time playing it there, but it still holds up great and is fun on the absolutely. Wii U. Um, we get a big one, a big one coming at number six. Um, this game, you know, is basically been forgotten, Unfairly, I think. but that's yeah. not to say it's not still a yeah. great game. Um, well, Super Smash Brothers for Wii U. Another I mean, terrible title. Is, yeah, that's true. Super Smash Brothers Ultimate has come out and rendered all Smash Brothers not named Melee or for the N64 obsolete. Yeah. Um, even though, come on, Melee players, we can move on. Yeah. Um, but uh, Super Smash Brothers for Wii U was, I think, really righted the ship after Brawl came out and sort of made a, you know, made some people kind of cranky. Yeah. Um, and, and just continue the legacy game... of the series as like a video game museum that you can play with. You know, which which is yep. uh, one of my favorite things about the Wii U. Like, it started adding, or about the the Smash Brothers series, it started adding more characters from outside the Nintendo oeuvre, and just sort of uh, uh, finding new and wacky ways to play. Uh, and yeah, the, I, I think this one really does hold up. I've I've gone back and replayed it a couple of times, and 
And yeah, look, Ultimate has kind of uh, uh, overridden it in a lot of ways. Um, but I, I think it right. is still worth seeking out. Um, now we're, we're into a very, and very important section here. And I want to highlight that basically these games are essentially tied. They are essentially tied. Um, yeah, these, these next it, two. It's both five and four. We've, um, and I just, I feel like that's important to say um, because w- number five, Zelda Breath of the yes. Wild. And number four, Zelda Wind Waker HD. Yeah, but uh, I, I think phenomenal we, we were both a little conflicted because if you listen to our episode about Breath of the Wild, we are nothing but ecstatic about it. And like I, I thought it was going to be a foregone conclusion that we were both going to put it as our number one game. And I think the sure. thing that kind of tipped it down a little bit is that Wind Waker HD is a, a game that is in its perfect form on the Wii U. Like, I think yes. this is the absolute single best way to play Wind Waker is on the Wii U. They've made so many brilliant little revisions and refinements and uh, incorporated the gamepad in a lot of unique ways. Whereas Breath of the Wild, while maybe technically a better game, doesn't use the Wii U in any way. Um, at, at, no. at all. In, in a way that is almost angering. Yes. Like, because you can't even play on the Wii U On the gamepad. Switch, it is a perfect game. Or wait, you can. You can. I'm you sorry, can. you can. But yeah, yes. on, on the Switch, it is a, a damn near perfect game, and on the Wii U, like you just have those those little knocks against it, you know that. On the Wii U, it's just not as good as the and, Switch version. Like that's what you're being held. And against. I think what we're really kind of encapsulating, especially with these top four, are these are games that really soar on the Wii U, uh, in particular, sure. and like really find its way yes. to uh, to make that work. And and I yes, and I, I and, and I that. really think Wind Waker uh, HD. That's the one way that it kind of outclasses it. Yeah, and but you know the fact is, you're getting like those two games in of itself, like are kind of the sole like that that that's a you're getting a lot of Zelda on the absolutely game, a lot of Zelda goodness, and so it's really cool that those are both there. Um, Number three, um, I think is, you know, maybe the one that has snuck in here the most, um, just not in terms of being as major of a game as some of these other ones surrounding it, is uh, Rayman Legends. A, a game that was originally a- designed to be a Wii U exclusive, and then um, after Zombie U was kind of a bit of a failure, Ubisoft kind of got cold feet and they spread it out to other consoles. So, like, this is a game that's available most anywhere, but I think it exists in its most perfect form on the Wii U. Yeah, you can tell that it was designed for the Wii U first and foremost because it's a mostly co-op-based platformer, um, but there are a lot of levels where there's like some sort of blockade in your way that a player needs to scratch off um, using the Wii U gamepad, um, platformers that are like platforms that get drawn, um, or activated on the gamepad, and it's just a very effective co-op game that really uses the Wii U features. And as just a, as a platform, just like devoided, or, uh, as a platformer, like divorced from everything else that we talk about, it's really innovative, I think. I think this kind of helped redefine what platformers would look like, especially 2D platformers, because it's very rhythm and timing based in a way that I find really engaging. Mm, like the, yeah. the use of music is incredibly clever and fun. And there's a real kind of, especially in the later levels, there's a real sort of Zen sense of accomplishment by hitting all these platforms exactly right. Like as the worlds are collapsing around you and you have to use split second timing 
in a way that doesn't feel like gatekeepy. You know, it, it's not like a it's not like a meat boy or anything where you need to like be the best right. in the world at it. But when playing Rayman Legends in those later levels, you feel like you're the best in the world at it. Yeah, that's a good that's a good observation. Uh, number two is Super Mario Maker. Uh, just a, a you know, both of us have kind of gone on the record of saying like creation games are not necessarily our forte like we we can uh, appreciate the the idea but don't necessarily get into actually creating levels ourselves i think super mario maker on the wii u makes that easier and more intuitive than any other game has ever done and that includes super mario maker 2 which i right and that's that's why this game is in a weird spot because super mario maker 2 is a game that has come out for the switch that objectively has way more features is still being supported. But like this game more than any other game is like, Oh, this feels really nice to do on a game. It, I, I think it is the superior like it, game. I think it's the superior way to play and, and the superior way to build your own worlds. And that is kind of the bummer because yeah. you can just, you can just kind of drag yeah. blocks across the bottom using the stylus and kind of, just kind of you can almost doodle yes doodle a mario level into existence which is not something you can do yeah it's on like a Switch. sketchbook quality that really makes it feel special and unique uh you know even though yeah mario maker 2 offers more features more styles more things like that i think this is just the more enjoyable uh and creative way to play yeah yep agreed and uh number ba -ba -ba. one should we say it together ba -ba -ba. mario Kart. Mario Kart, you know, yay! Uh, oh. Welcome to Mario Kart. Um, Hard to okay. argue with. Hard so, to argue. This this game is fun. This game is still fun. They just released the latest round of DLC content for the Switch version, and every time that comes out, I'm really excited and I play through it all, and I'm like, God, this game is fun. And it started on the Wii U, and it's just as fun on the yeah. Wii U, and. I think um, when we were talking about uh, Breath of the Wild last week and how Mario Kart 8 was on our top of the list, Chris is like, well, that game doesn't really have any Wii U features either. But in a lot of ways, yeah. it does. Like, I think that there are still factors about the Wii U version of Mario Kart 8 that make it pretty recommendable. Like, one of the lesser known things is, like, the Switch version comes with almost everything yes. unlocked except for um car parts which are not terribly exciting to no unlock. not particularly um mario kart 8 for the wii u has an actual sense of progression and needing to complete um grand prix to unlock new ones um which goes along i mean i'm still gonna play through all the grand prix because it's always yeah. fun but like having that unlockable stuff is very it welcome. really is and um the other thing is, like, you can play this game for, like, two-player and have each player using a full screen, like, with the gamepad and the TV, which is not something you're going to get no, on the No, and we've we've tried, like, uh, several times to kind of set up big multiplayer games of Mario Kart 8 on the Switch, and it always feels a little bit like a hassle. And I think it clicks yeah. into place a lot easier on the Wii, the Wii U version. Uh, you know, and yeah, there is a lot to be said for a game that lets you explore and unlock and like experiment and kind of really get to know it. Like that was a big disappointment with the Switch version. Everything is just there for you. You know, you don't need to put any additional effort into it. So I felt less incentive to go through and play it. 
but this is yep and i will say like the hand the handheld to me like a handheld version of breath of the wild is much more important of a feature than a handheld mario yeah. kart because the majority of the time i'm going to be playing mario kart with other people on yes. the tv and whereas breath of the wild for how huge that game is i want to be able to you know bring it with me and explore while i'm on absolutely the bus. absolutely so it, it to a degree like it felt a little anticlimactic for me to make this be the number one game you know like but if i was just honestly evaluating and just thinking about it, like yeah no this is the one this this is this is the most successful game on two completely different consoles and there's a reason for that it is the ultimate edition of one of the ultimate party games you know of, of a game yeah. that just absolutely anybody can pick up and enjoy and that really means a lot and i think that is so much of what nintendo's mission statement overall has been and so to see it encapsulated so beautifully in mario kart 8 i think uh, warrants the number one position yeah i got i got no problems with that um steve we made it holy through the shit list. we did holy it holy cow so, so many, many games. games. I always forget. I always forget that talking through 150 games takes takes I, its I, time. I, I knew it's... better. I knew to set aside the evening, you know, and I knew to have some yeah. beers lined up so I can continue drinking throughout it. Uh, so that has occurred. Um, we have one final letter, and I think it's kind of a perfect way to to a perfect note to end on. Um, this right. says, "Dear Woody and Steve, as a former guest, the episode focusing on Barbie." A devoted listener, all episodes, including the Patreon ones, and mom of one of you, Woody. I'm glad she put that in parentheses because oh, I, I, I okay, wouldn't have known. Yeah. Um, I, I have a few comments to make before you silence the Ultra 64 mic for good. The combination of video game knowledge, witty banter between the two of you, uh, and your commitment to the podcast kept me entertained many a time as I was cleaning up the kitchen or making dinner. Hearing stories out of Woody's childhood relating to the various game-playing interactions was interesting because you now told them from an adult perspective. Always a favorite was my fierce opposition to first-person shooter games, not allowing them in the house, only to learn that the evening you were first invited to a church youth group, meeting the, the first activity was to play the infamous GoldenEye. Even at the time... One of, one of, my, one of my favorite Even at stories. the time, I found that kind of amusing. Uh, I enjoyed listening to your various guests and the, their different perspectives. Steve's research was very impressive. Uh, the remains of Edith, uh, What Remains of Edith Finch was a game Woody worked through with me, and he mentioned it on the podcast. I still am not sure if it truly uh, is a game, since one could not win or lose, and I guess really everyone died no matter what I did. I couldn't save anyone. <laughs> Uh, sure. Well, I mean, that is the game of life. Oh, I yeah. Suppose. Uh, I really like the Ken Griffey episode way at the beginning where you guys played around as sports announcers. <laughs> so a uh, one time failed experiment. Um, and sure. as one of the stereotypical moms who could see no good coming out of hours of video game play, I need to apologize. Listening to the letters to Ultra wow. 64 from. Hold on. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on, Steve. Will you please read that last <laughs> sentence again? As one of. Starting with As the, one of uh, yeah. the stereotypical moms who could see no good coming out of hours of video gameplay, I need to apologize. All right. Five, five years of work. That, that qualifies it right yes. there. Yeah. Uh, listening to the letters to Ultra 64 from all over the world, especially during the pandemic, I was so happy that this topic and podcast brought many good things into people's lives. Thank you for having the desire and vision to manifest this for the world to share. I hope you both continue to use your talents to connect people through humor, education, and friendship. Sincerely, Woody's mom, Kathy. 
I think Yay, that's that's you, a lovely mom. note to end on. Uh, uh, a letter from your mom, who is a, a delightful human being, and and uh, thank you so much for sending that in. This this brings us to the end. We have made it uh, a a five plus year journey that has concluded. Um, how how are you feeling about everything? Well, I I tend whenever I get involved in some sort of long term commitment. I find sort of the day it ends, I find a lot of joy. Um, I, this is very true with like, with like theater. Like to me, like the joy of like theater is the, the closing night. And then the you're like, yeah, I never have to do that again. <laughs> um, and then usually about a week later, I start to get much more wistful and kind of, kind of miss yeah. it later. So, uh, I guess ask me in a week, <laughs> but, uh, I, I guess that won't be asked on air. Cause there will be no more, that will be no more on air. Um, I just, I'm very, you know, I'm very, you know, the listener should know that in the scope of the work that's put into this podcast, Steve, Steve bears more, more of the burden than I do. Um, And you've just, you've really done an amazing job, you know, organizing guests and shepherding us forward and supplying the equipment and having the games. And I, I'm really thankful to you that um, you, you, you let me sort of piggyback along for the ride. And uh, like, like you said, really, really proud of what we done of our 16 days of conversation. <laughs> and Which uh, feels like what this episode no, has I, gone I, for. I really appreciate it. Yeah. 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 It's true. No, I, I, I definitely do not diminish your own contributions to the show. What, Soever you know you you you've been absolutely invaluable and it's been so much fun to have somebody like that that kind of thinks the same way about games and movies and things like that that I do uh, to 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 bounce these ideas off of and I'm I'm really you know you know we we never had the biggest audience in the world but I'm so proud of the audience that we did accrue and the the fact that we we brought in so many people from around the world and from all different walks of life. And, and we got to meet people and interact with people and, and, and kind of, you know, share a love of games, um, across the board. And, you know, I'm, it, it, it's a, it's a bittersweet ending, but I really am so proud of everything that we've done. Um, and, uh, yeah, I feel like it's coming, like, you know, everything, everything ends. And I feel like this is coming to an end at, really the right the right and time uh, and to be, so i'm i'm feeling good to be clear that. folks th- this is an acrimonious split woody was demanding more money uh it, it was a whole oh thing. No. no 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 <laughs> not at all not at all i think this is a, a a really apt way to to close things out and um just uh, seriously thank you for coming along on us with me uh and and uh, uh yeah. putting in so much of your own time and and you know being so flexible with all the different scheduling snafus and everything and and I love you man I I I really thank you for for um everything you've done and and uh you know we're we're definitely going to stay in touch I'm not concerned about that at all and I'm oh, I'm definitely yeah, going yeah. to no, I, 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 keep involving you in any projects or anything that I'm going to keep working on but um yeah yeah Please do. I've never, I've never had the sort of the undertaken the same scope of a creative endeavor with anyone else. Absolutely. So no, I, I really appreciate it. And all we've, we've really done, you know, aside from the podcast, we've really done a lot of things together. Yes. So, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm really glad that our, our friendship has been, been the legacy of, uh, of, of spam a lot and, um, 
and just what you know one of one of the things that we can we can t- take completely with us and be able to point to so um th- yes th- thank you again and thank you thank you to all all of our listeners um we this is usually the time where we'd say what we're going to be playing next week but the answer is yeah, whatever, whatever we, we feel like. You're not going to hear about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So, we're, we're, you know, you you can you can. It's like it's like that. It's like that scene in Napoleon Dynamite when the kid's like, "What are you going to do today, Napoleon?" And he's like, "Whatever I feel gosh, like." Gosh, yeah. We're 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 going to keep yeah. that little thing for ourselves. Whatever we want to play, you guys don't get to know about it unless you're like our you know Steam friends or anything like. But you know. Sure. Uh, and yeah, and one more, one more really heartfelt thank you to to all uh well well, obviously to steve um but also to all of the listeners who it's it's not always easy to put out a podcast for every day for a week or uh, every week for five years and it was it was the positive feedback and the letters that you know kept us going be it in the uh spongebob or the command and conquer episodes (laughs) or the 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 times when we were feeling a little extra loopy um, so, so it, it really, so yeah, it, it, it made a world of difference. So to everybody, uh, we, we thank you sincerely once again, uh, as, as we close things out here, you can, you can always find our back catalog. If you're ever feeling nostalgic, you can always find, uh, the 104 episodes we did over at patreon.com slash ultra 64 pod that that's staying up. You can jump on there at any time and listen to all those extra bonus episodes, um, but otherwise, uh, I, we, we hope to see you all again in some future incarnation of some project or another. Uh, I'm sure you haven't heard the last from either of us, but to everybody who listened, everybody who, who stuck with us, uh, to all of our loyal listeners, um, sincerely, I, I, I can't thank you enough. Um, and, uh, I, I can't think of a better. We, we better I, end before we both. Burst yeah, into tears. yeah, I can't think of a better way to end it. So, thank you to everybody. Keep on playing those games, and we will see you at some other time. <laughs> <laughs>